far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode... Ho, 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 Merry Conmas, where we review Animazement and Anime Week in Atlanta, 2018. Hey, 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 and ho, 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 listeners. This is Dustin from the Anime of Yesteryear podcast, and we have a little bit of a Christmas treat. I have decided to finally put out my con reviews of conventions that happened back more than six months ago, like Animazement, and then you had, back in September, AWA. And that is now part of our Christmas uh, podcast episodes for the month of December, so you guys get to hear old con reviews, because this is now the perfect time to release it before Christmas, because why not? Of course, now these reviews, or this whole episode, is going to be over four hours long, so uh, please sit in for those long car rides to hear about what happened at anime cons. Also for the fact that um, since, it, since it is December and anime is always on people's buying schedules for other people or yourself, Right Stuff Anime has that Christmas deal thing they do every year, like 12 days of Christmas or something, so they list everything out that's for sale and discounted. Please go check it out. Get whatever you want. And um, throwing that out there so, you know, they don't stop sending us stuff to review that we will review eventually. Like, we just got in our G-Gun uh, Blu-ray sets in, and we'll definitely talk about that, in, about that in an upcoming episode. So just wanted to get that out there. Uh, you guys stay safe, and I will go ahead and queue up uh, the music that is basically starting up now, which is the Night Trap theme. And actually, I can go ahead and throw a, a line out for promotion. I believe you can probably get Night Trap. Or hopefully you were able to pre-order it or get your order in from Limited Run Games, since Josh and Douglas were able to able to put that game out on the Nintendo Switch, because screw it, Howard Lincoln, you son of a bee. Anyways, Night Trap is out on the Nintendo Switch, finally, after all these years. And I would actually cue that up, so Merry Christmas and enjoy. I haven't used OBS in probably over a week or so, and there was an update on my Windows, so usually when stuff updates, I have to go and redo some settings. I don't know. But mm. I, I yeah, guess, I guess our, our last it was like two weeks ago or something with Infinity Wars. Yeah, that's... I don't know when like, exactly that it was. It was, wasn't it like early May when we talked about Infinity War, I thought? So it's been know, about, maybe, yeah, it's been literally it's a month. it's been a month, I don't know. 
It hasn't, I feel like it hasn't been that far, really. Yeah, well, a lot of stuff happens in a month, I guess. But, uh, oh, it hasn't ever. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I'm just pulling up notes. Um, so yeah, it depends on whenever this episode comes out and whenever I feel like having it come out. So, um... This is going to be a con review. Yes, I went to Animazement once again, as I do every year. And I've got my notes in front of me from my phone, so we are good to go. And okay. I can just go ahead and do introductions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the... Do you want to do a solo this time, oh too, or, or do that another time? I mean, if you want to do solo at the end, then I, we can always use that whenever you see Deadpool, so then I could just take whatever we, we record on Deadpool. Yeah, just combine them. Yeah. So we can still do our, our usual spiel on, like, this and uh, this con and then closing remarks... And then we can talk okay. about Solo, and then I can just cut that and add that to whatever episode. Yeah, alright. Uh, let's do introductions then. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to start, and you're like, excuse me, excuse me, what about Solo? Are we still going to talk about Solo? And I'm like, Dagamit John! We don't have to. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. If you if, like, if we have time, because i got to go to bed pretty early because of work, so... I mean, we may not get to it, so we might as well just use that for another time. Okay, well, yeah. we'll see what happens. We're, we're tell- yeah, our listeners should know by now how ill-prepared we are on just about everything. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Alright, so, introductions. No interruptions. Hello, welcome to the Anime of Yesteryear podcast. This is another con review where I, Dustin, went to Animazement this year. With me is my co-host, John. Yes, I didn't go to a con. <laughs> I used to do Phoenix Comic Con uh, around this time, but uh, you moved I'm not in Phoenix year. anymore. And yeah. uh, I did see some stuff in the news about it, where uh, somebody pulled a fire alarm and they had to evacuate everybody. But uh, oh, it, it, it was nothing. It was just some prank. So nobody in a Punisher jacket or shirt pulled the fire alarm. Uh, I guess they wouldn't have a reason no, to because Jason Dan Frank wasn't even, there. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't figure out who did it or what, but uh, they, had the, they had to pull in, you know, the fire crew and look for, see if there was any problem and there wasn't. So. Okay. No, there was a there was a comic convention in Houston that I almost went to, but ended up not going. Was that the same weekend, or as in last uh, weekend? Last weekend, yeah. Okay. I imagine Houston's probably, like, I would imagine, like, since you're in Texas now, like, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio are, like, the top three places that, like, most cons happen. Yeah, um, there's probably cons in El Paso and other places too, but Texas is so big that El Paso is like 15 hours. Yeah, you're going to, oh my gosh, like if you can get well, from where you're at to 15, there to 15 hours, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, I guess that's about maybe 15, 20 hour drive, depending on how fast you go on those like back wilderness roads of Texas. Is that 10 hours? I just looked. It's not as bad as I thought. Wow, but... that. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, yes, there's many hours of driving, like going between here and Phoenix, is like long stretches of nothing. Yeah, like you never leave the state. Like honestly, I always thought like Tennessee was terrible, and even Florida because they're such long states. Hmm. But. Well, imagine like going through Alaska or something. That's I think Alaska is even bigger than Texas, even though Texas is always talking about how big they are. I, I think Alaska has more landmass. That is true. Yes. 
Uh, I've never been to Alaska, though. Have you? No, neither have I. I know they have a really big anime con up there, so there is anime fans in Alaska. There is? Yes. What else are you going to do while it snows 10 months out of the year, if that? Either drink, watch anime, or both. You decide. (laughs) I just know the suicide rate is very high in Alaska. It's like, you know, it's like dark all the time, especially like when the, that time of the year happens, when like the sun comes out at like, you know, three in the morning or something randomly, or like the, no, the sun never sets. And then there's also like total darkness. Like that really Mm. bad Josh Harnett movie, 28 Days or something, 28 Days of Darkness or whatever it was called, but it took place in Alaska. Oh. Like the sun wasn't going to come out for an entire month because it was like December. Because that's how I the Earth's access in, works. In Washington, there's and like Oregon, there's a lot of people that kill themselves because it's so cloudy all the time. Yeah, the suicide rate there is high because they don't have a lot of sun coming to them. So, yeah, I think yeah. so. Like the people that work, you know, invented Starbucks is like, well, maybe our coffee is going to help extend lives longer. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, speaking of, uh, did your Starbucks close for gender bias or is race is bias? Is race tra- bias? Well, yeah, bias training. I think it's a general all the cross board bias training thing. I don't know if my Starbucks, I think my Starbucks might have closed. I don't I, know if it affected I, I, I was under the impression one. that every Starbucks was forced to close. By I thought like a huge majority of them were going to, but I then they decided like every single one of them did. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really go there, but uh yeah. But uh I guess that everybody had to close because there was this incident where these uh people showed up and uh, they didn't want to order anything and they wanted to go to the bathroom and then they got kicked out and then it was considered to be like a racist incident for some reason and then yeah. everybody has to it has to be a natural crisis. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know if we covered that in our last like one of our last closing remarks. I, don't I feel think like we, we did. I thought we did. Maybe I was going I wanting to and then I would just kind of forgot because by then, it just wasn't so relevant, but they keep bringing it up in the news. Well, it, this happened like a month ago, and they've been freaking out about it all over the media ever since. It's considered to be like the worst hate crime in a generation or something. <sighs> and so they, 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 I don't know why it took so long for this uh, this bias training thing to happen, but it, you know, it's it, it just I think it just happened yesterday or something, didn't it? Or yeah, it was it, it was it was the twenty ninth. Um, okay, honestly, yeah, I don't think yeah. anything's really going to change. So, well, no, because there was no problem to begin with. Like, yeah. there were no racist incidents at Starbucks before this latest one, and there was no evidence that this has anything to do with race. It's not like the cashier called them some sort of racial slur or anything. No, it it's was just, just that the they fact... were loitering and that they didn't want to order anything and they wanted to use the bathroom, and then they refused to leave after they were told to. So then the police were called to deal with the situation. I mean, it's a standard trespassing situation. But yeah, they, I, the media just made it racist to for ratings. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I've always gone by like if you go to an establishment, like you know, most places want you to pay for something to use the bathroom, and I'm perfectly fine with that because it's then it shows that you're a customer a and you're not just like yeah, it's a business. Like they want people to to buy things. They don't want it to become a homeless shelter, which is what Starbucks has become now because they said they're going to just let anybody come in there. I I love that Onion article that they did. It's like now you know like. People are going to fight over like whose turn it is to jack off in the bathroom. So, <laughs> and then now like the, the punchline at the end was that they kicked out a black person for not masturbating in the bathroom. 
That's, I, I know Josh put it as like, this is like the highlight of Onion articles for 2018 for just how crazy things have, have gotten, <laughs> which I totally agree with. <laughs> um, so anyways, Animazement, um, I guess I could talk about that. Were there any racial incidents at Animazement? Uh, not to my knowledge, I don't believe. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I just, another year was pretty good. I mean, like, you know, for me, whatever time I go, it's always something different, at least a different experience. Uh-huh. Um, so this time I got to, um, room with some people that are friends with someone that I met in person last year, but I known about them online from old school Otaku, the forum. And, um, so I got to meet him last year before I headed out. And then like this year, it kind of worked out that I could stay at the Marriott, um, across the street from the hotel, uh, from the convention center. Um, I still got to pay in my share of the hotel room because I talked to the guy who actually paid for it and he was, he was cool with it. So we got, we got an arrangement set up. Um, but anyways, yeah, it was very convenient that I didn't have to like drive and pay for parking anywhere. Well, actually, I mean, they had actually what they did for in terms of parking is, uh, for years and years, my old company, McLaurin Parking always did like, I always had someone standing outside with like tickets and you basically, like, however you can work the system is, you know, they have a, they have like, you know, a deck across the street from the convention center. It was always like seven bucks a year, uh, that you can, so basically if you were staying at the hotel or whatever, you could pay $7 and really leave your car in that parking deck as long as you never left. Cause every time you left and went out, you pay an additional $7 for that day. Uh, cause it was different ticket things. Well, now everything's automated with machines. And so now it's like you pay like $12 a day or something. Um, which is, you know, depending on how long you're going to stay there can get really expensive because then they go by an hourly rate. Uh, but then it gets to the point where it's like, you know, like it gets past like six hours or something. Then it's just like, okay, well, it's just $12 for the rest of the day. So this is where you used to work and your job has been replaced with automation. Well, actually I talked to a, uh, an employee. I actually met up with a, one of my old bosses there. And, uh, basically there's another company that took over for McLaurin. Uh, the, the owners, which is a family business, basically they, have retired and cashed in, basically. Uh, the guy that's the son of the company, or the owner of the company, he's more of a consultant that, like, works maybe 15, 20 hours a week just to check on stuff. And the rest of his time, he's, he spent retiring as in working with horses, because that's what he loved to do. Um, mm. Now, Steve is a guy, like, I, I love Steve as, as my boss. Or we all looked at him as, like, the main head of McLaurin. Um, but his sister was the one that did all the paperwork and the work, so, like, she's obviously enjoying her retirement. And, um, I mean, honestly, like, I can't see that Steve, like, actually, like, sitting down and not relaxing. Like, if he's, he's the kind of guy that's very active and has to be on the move. And I remember talking to one guy that was working, like, a booth at one of the parking decks, or the parking deck under the Marriott, because, you know, obviously, when you work for McLaurin, you, everyone knows Steve. And, you know, I haven't seen Steve in about 10 years. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, you know, this guy was like, you know, when I retire, I'm not gonna, just going to sit around and do nothing. I've already done all my movement. I'm like, that, that, the Steve I remember... This is a guy that likes to be active and likes to be there, and I commend him on that. So I, I'm, I'm glad, like, the owners or the previous owners are, you know, still enjoying the rest of their time or retiring or whatever. Um, but now, like, they have a new company that's in there, which I think it's probably pretty smart that they're doing this, is now, you know, you pay sort of hourly for their parking deck. So if you're there for, you know, three hours, it's like, you know, maybe six bucks or so, which I think probably most people use those decks to go to one event or dinner. So instead of you know, being charged more for like, you know, an hour or two, they're kind of like charged at a, like a certain rate, which is more flexible, which that's just got to be generating a ton of income for that company now. 
Um, so that in a business sense, it makes sense. I mean, like her personally, I don't agree with it because then it's more money for me instead of me like, oh, I can just go here, pay seven dollars and just leave it there for four days because I'm not going to move because I only paid once. But it didn't it didn't turn out that way. But it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, <clears throat> crap. Where was I going? I, I remember I just got into talking about parking deck economies. <laughs> you were talking about you, your parking. Yeah. Um, shoot, I don't even know what I was going with. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I guess there's, there's probably not much more to say about the parking. Garage. No, I, I'm trying to figure out how I got there to begin with. I, I guess I, I must have mentioned it where I parked under the hotel. Well, Oh, well, that's right. Park to get to the convention. That's why it came up. Okay, right? thank you. Yeah. Um. So I I had my car down in the in the Marriott Hotel like all weekend, which was which was great. Um. So usually on my usual, you know, go through day by day. I left out Thursday. I didn't have to work the dealers room this year. Um. My buddy Josh, Josh Fairhurst from Limited Run Games. We did not have to run a video game booth because he is officially retired from that, and he's working on Limited Run Games. And he likes to have the idea of hanging out with his family during Memorial Day weekend for the first time in like seven years. So kudos to Josh on that. Um, but I got, I did get to go by his uh, Limited Run Games' office, and Josh hooked me up with a ton of free stuff, like more PlayStation games. I got like three extra copies of Windjammers. Um, wow. Let me think. So actually before I went there, I went to a place called uh, Joe's Classic Games in Rock Hill, I picked up a Mortal Kombat 3 arcade marquee for like five bucks, and I picked up a handful of like Super Famicom games for like anywhere between like eight and fifteen dollars. Um, so Do that you have adds, a Super Famicom system? I can I can rig I rigged my I rigged up my uh, Super Nintendo to play Super Famicom games. Oh, you you move remove the pins or whatever you have to do. Yeah, the plastic. Yeah, the plastic pins is like the region lockout thing that they had. Yeah, and I did that like years ago, so I can play Gundam Wing Endless Duel on it. Yeah, that's like their low-tech, old-school yeah. way that they dealt with uh, region importing or whatever, but everybody knew about it, so it was easy to get around. I don't know why they even did it. Yeah, I... <laughs> it's it's silly, but... I mean, you can either use it that way, or you can get, like, a game genie and then remove the pins out of there so it can play Famicom games or Super Famicom games oh. that way. Because that's, that's another way yeah. you can try it without damaging your system. But really, like, if you take out that pin thing, like, what does it matter? The system still runs. But that's for, like, people that don't want to damage their collections or their systems or whatever for collectors. When that makes sense. Can can the pins be, like, reinserted if you wanted to, like, resell the thing? And it, maybe the pins make it be worth more or something? Um, Mine, no, because I took an alligator to, the, to that son of a gun. and Or alligator oh. pliers to reach in there and rip them off completely. No, okay. I, I, I was not going to take that apart. I saw the thing, and I was like, oh, give me some alligator pliers. I'm ripping these suckers out. I don't need them. There's no it's point. It's not like there's any reason you would want them back, really. Yeah, I mean, the other reason would be, like, if you take, like, the, the import games and then try to, like, carve in where the, um, you know, where, where the lockout, like, plastic pieces are, but that's just way more work instead of just ripping it, going in there with alligator pliers and ripping those plastic pieces out. I mean, it's my mm-hmm. system. I can do whatever I want to it. So, and it's well out of warranty. Like Nintendo's not gonna like, uh-huh. oh, you damaged your product from twenty three years ago. It's like you don't care. Like, <laughs> did you see that story where somebody like called up like an old Nintendo hotline about um, some like NES game or something, and it was still functioning somehow? 
like it, no, like I didn't, Nintendo I didn't still own the, Nintendo still owns the like the phone number, and so they were like asking like, "Hey, I can't get my NES to work. Uh, what do I do?" And they're like, "Oh, blow in it or something." Like, like they still have like instructions on like how to give people advice to how to get their old NES and SNES systems to work. <laughs> wait, wait, and this didn't redirect them to a sex hotline? That's shocking. <laughs> No, it didn't. Because, like, isn't, like, 9 out of 10 of those old, like, 95% of those old phone numbers go to some sort of sex hotline or an insurance company, I think. Did, on Toonami, do you ever get the ads for the, uh, the sex hotlines that, <laughs> I used to get those when I lived in Phoenix. I haven't seen one in a while, but, uh, there would, sometimes there would be a, an ad for a sex hotline during oh, the Toonami Yeah, that, that's like, that's in the old days where they had the, uh, the, like, yeah, the, the hot, like, call girls on the television like sort of half naked they were running those um bra ads for a while too which i didn't mind at all um i know well, they, i know they, back they, in they still air at trojan condom ads on there oh yeah because it's like you know people that watch tsunami are obviously like tsunami and chilling at the same time <laughs> i know that a lot of people on toon zone would get triggered when an adult swim would air that kind of ad they'd feel well especially jt you would be like, why are they rubbing it in? I, I remember, <laughs> I remember like Victoria's Secret ads used to air on Toonami. I think that only lasted uh-huh. a few months though. This was like years uh-huh. ago. And that was just so odd to me. They, they've been back on Adult Swim for six years now. It was an anniversary last weekend. I mean, fully clean marathon. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I got that. Rec- I mean, I've been keeping up with it again to rewatch it, but, um, like, I think I missed episode three, and episode three was probably, like, one of my fondest episodes that I remember. Um, Is that the, the one with the uh, class rep? Yeah, I believe so. I, I just know the joke in there was about, like, uh, Crystal Pepsi and, like, Takun eats, like, like spicy curry or something, and they're at the school. I think that was episode three. Hmm. Well, there's the one where he's he's in the, the play as the cat, and... Uh... That's it, because he grows cat ears that episode. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's the one I, I want to watch again, but I've recorded everything, so I'll just go through it whenever. There's, Yeah, there's something very nostalgic about that show. Uh, I don't think that yeah. the new season is going to be able to match that, you know, because it's like a, it was something that was like you had to see it at a particular time in your life. Like, I just happened to record it on accident when mm-hmm. I was 10 years old trying to record uh, Big O. Yeah, because it uh, aired along with Big O at the same time. Yeah, back in summer of 03. Yeah. And so sometimes I would accidentally record something else like Trigon or Fully Cooly. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, there's something like you're not supposed to be watching it, you know, like it's so lewd. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but now it's kind of like, I guess it's not that extreme after all, but maybe they'll try to tone it up or something to make it more adult in this new season. I don't know. Although the, the, the that new episode that they aired on April Fools was, was pretty good. Yeah, for, yeah, that for season was, three. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, it's it's weird that they're airing like the season three episode, like as the as the April Fool's thing, because like it's supposedly progress- they hadn't finished starting- season two. Okay, because it like, was like they were concurrently uh, produced or something, and the season okay. three ended up being finished before season two or something like that. Okay, because pro- it goes from uh, progressive to alternative, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think DeMarco wanted, like, music themes to be in there or something like that. Okay. Or, but, uh, or maybe the pillows. I don't know who's behind them calling them like that, but, um. Yeah. 
But yeah, that, that starts on on in just a couple days, season three, and they they had an ad for or season two. They had an ad for it that they've been airing, and it seems like this is more like female centric, which is kind of weird because the original was so, uh, you know, like the the whole thing is like a phallic imagery everywhere, and like the thing coming out of his forehead, and it, it's all like a kind of like an analogy for male puberty, you know. So it's going to be weird to see like girls with <laughs> big penises coming out of their foreheads. I think it's going to be breasts. Because like that's that the Frilly Cooly was kind of like that age of adolescence and masculinity, whereas like this one's going to be focused around women, so it makes sense to be more like way more feminine and have to do something with breast. I mean, I'm down for it. At least if I if I if my assumption's correct, so maybe they'll become like that breast monster in Space Dandy. <laughs> that was a good episode. <laughs> Yeah, a good show. I'm glad uh, they yeah, had it back. A on good here. show altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, shoot. Okay, so yeah, I went to Joe Joe's Classic Games to pick up Famicom stuff before we went into that whole rabbit hole of, from Fully Cooly to Lockout Systems and Super Nintendos. Oh um, yeah, where were we? <laughs> yeah, so I so then after that I went to I went straight to Josh's office and hung out with him for a couple hours and. Didn't you say you got like some stuff for me and uh, Josh, the other Josh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh. Um, yeah. So I got uh, Josh some. Uh, got yeah. I can give you some a uh, couple of things and Josh and a couple of things. Um, the main thing that I came there for and that I got is Josh has held off a copy of Night Trap for me um, since it came out like you know back in August, and I didn't I didn't get it in time because that that whole site got swarmed. But they had like. You know, a lot of these orders held back, and they have, like, usually they print extra copies in case, like, something gets damaged. So Josh is sitting on a lot of copies, uh, a fair amount of copies of Night Trap um, in his warehouse. Um, and I won't go any any more detail, but basically I got four copies of Night Trap. I got three on PC, <sighs> and then I got the one on PS4, and the one on PS4 comes with the Kasingle. And I wind up having about a total of six Kasingles. Um, five that are still sealed and the one that I opened up and that had it on repeat in my car on the way back home <laughs> Monday to hear the Night Trap theme song. And that was some good stuff. Um, yeah, because my biggest thing is like, look, can I just get a single from you? And he's just like, yeah, I got like a ton of these. But he's also holding back on those for, um, I, I, I well, actually he's holding back on those for a reason. So that I can't, I don't think I'm supposed to say whatever that is, but eventually there's going to be news on that coming out. Um, unless they're gonna, they're probably gonna put it in their E3 review. But hey, by the time this episode comes out, everyone will already know uh, what they're gonna do with Night Trap. Oh, um, but anyways, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, what they're doing a Kickstarter or something like that? No, they don't have to do a Kickstarter for that. Um, I guess okay. I, I go ahead and say that he's talking about putting. I think they're gonna try to put Night Trap out on Switch. Oh yeah, well, so I they're holding out a lot of limited run games, right? That's their yeah. whole thing, right? Yeah, um, I think it's already been announced. No, it has been announced that Night Trap was coming out for Switch. Because they're oh, just like, okay. yeah, I bet you freaking Joe Lieberman will be rolling over in his non-grave hearing that. Or like, you know, Lincoln <laughs> Howard would be to know that a, a dirty, nasty game like Night Trap made it to the Nintendo. Because they're supposed to be a family, wholesome, friendly video game company. That's just a spit in the face from 25 years ago. Imagine that, I think yeah. Lieberman is still alive, yeah. I think Howard Lincoln is still alive too. Dead gummit, why can't those two just die off? 
Maybe Lieberman will follow in McCain's footsteps. It looks like he's uh, oh, he's, he's getting brain no, cancer he's 76. too. Oh, no, he's he's as far as I can tell, he's still healthy. I don't know, but he's darn. He's retired, so it doesn't matter what what yeah, he thinks not, about video games anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Um. So yes, I have. I am good on Night Trap and hold and hoarding those for however long I want to. Um. I've also got some other. I got some other video games. Like I got um. Some stuff like Double Dragon 4, River City Melee, uh, some RPG games, some game called Next Machina, uh, like an art book, and just a, s- some other stuff, limited run keychains that I'm going to send you and Josh. So, um, yeah, so I, it's just a matter of when I get to sending that stuff out. Um, but I have everything like set aside for, for you guys, so we're, we guys are cool there. Um, yeah, and I got a bag. Well, Joe Lieberman may be gone, but they, they, did you see the thing about this uh, school shooter video game that got uh, removed from? Oh, uh, Steam, Steam, yeah, Active Shooter. Yeah, I. So I'm, there's still plenty of video game censorship. Uh, yeah, I mean, times. like you can easily download uh, Super Columbine Massacre, like RPG or whatever, online. Like that's still like an available game. I think the developers of Active Shooter are probably just they have their own website. And like, hey, just pay us if you want us. We're not going to do Steam then. Because people are still going to get this game no matter what. I think it's going to be leaked somehow. If not, like these developers are like, you know, we worked so hard on this game. We we want you to, we want people to play it. I mean, like, no, you don't have to agree. You know, you're not. You know, it's up to you if you want to play it or not. Like, you know, it, it's really yeah, it's up to the cons- the consumer's decision if they want to play a school shooter game, no matter how immoral that might be. But you know, that's up to the person itself. It's not up to freaking the PTA fake or fake PTA of liberalism to decide that for you. So you know that Jacoon 76 is still going to find a way to download this school shooter game. Probably. I guess. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't really care. (laughs) I hope he's moved past that phase in his life. I didn't know he was in a school shooter game. Well, Well, I mean, he was Mr. Columbine 2.0. Oh, uh, I oh, I don't, I got, I got Jay Coon and Jay Turner confused, that's why. No, no, <laughs> I don't think JT is that crazy enough to be into school shooters. No, okay, that makes, yeah, I'm sure, like, Jay Coon's just tr- nipping at the bud to try to figure out, like, who's going to leak that game, or who's going to, who, someone from Anonymous or 4chan to hack the developers of that game to make sure they get the game code and... Anyways, I, I think he's it's going to come out eventually. So it's going to get CT to link it, leak it like he did with One Piece. <laughs> CG can do wonders when it comes to leaks. Yeah, he's a pro. Yeah, he is. Um. So, anyways, now I got to meet up with Josh on Monday before I left too. So we had we had lunch and I actually picked up a few more things from him too. So uh, that's actually Monday is when I got the Night Trap PC games. So I I am good with Night Trap. I can't. I am very content with that. Um, so afterwards, I went on Thursday. Going back to Thursday, I went back. I went to the con, got set up at the hotel, met up with the party I was with. I just kind of roam Thursday. I don't really remember much of Thursday. Um, and then of course I met up with the uh, the people I was staying with. It was actually a a guy. Uh, the guy who uh, had the room was Preston, and then the other guy was that was with us. His name's Austin. And um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this: one of those members of that room, in case they ever hear this podcast, they know who they are. But I'm being nice. Um, one of them snored like you were rooming with a bear. Uh, he's got 
Yeah. So one of them is a pretty large guy. And uh, I usually large guys usually tend to snore pretty loud from what my experience of ever being at like Cub Scout. Around events. large guys? Yeah. If you had to stay in a room with large guys at like events or something. So uh, so me and the well, other guy. The girls and the Boy Scouts are going to have to be hearing the, the large guys snoring now when they're uh, doing the sleepovers with the condoms that are being given out. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to be sleeping pretty happy. You know, once they have their way with the with the the girl Boy Scouts or however that's going to work, that's just. Anyways, that's that's the closing remarks territory there. We won't get to that yet. Um, so no, me and the and one of the guys in that room was like, he was on his phone because we figured the other guy was just going to you know be quiet. Like eventually, like you know, it's going to stop. And. <laughs> but it and didn't. It, it didn't. Uh, it didn't do it. Well, actually, so what happened was I looked over to the other guy that was still up, and we're just like, hey, do you have any earplugs? Do you know where we can get some? So at first we went over to um, the, 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 yeah, the girl that I know online, and she had a friend of hers. They had, their, they had a room like a few floors up from us. And we knocked on the door, but it was obviously like, you know, dead at the night, so they weren't going to get up. So then we decided to go... Me and the guy decided to go downstairs into the lobby, and I was like, I'm going to test the credibility of the Marriott, and basically stating that this, I will I will say this is the best hotel if they have a stockpile of earbuds at your disposal. So I go to the front desk, and I said, and they said, hey, sir, how are you doing? I said, I really hope you can help us. We have a, we really need earbuds. We have a person in our room that, that snores, and uh, we could really use them. And without saying a word, the guy just leaves the counter and walks straight to the back, and 30 seconds later, he comes back with a pair of earbuds for each of us. And I was like, way to go, dude. You just made our evening. So they're, they're willfully re- uh, prepared to deal with people that have to room with each other that need earbuds. So I give Marriott on this podcast of Raleigh a 5 out of 5 in customer service nice. and satisfaction. Yes. So I every night uh, with that one guy in the room, um, we I slept with earbuds every night. And it was I had some pretty good sleep. So I, I slept well. <laughs> so that 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 hugely helped that situation. Um, will I remove with these guys again? Absolutely, next year if given the chance. So, other than that, like it was just like I had a good time. We all respected each other. We, you know, no no real issues or anything like that. Like guys can pretty much get along with each other. So, um. I will say that we had that the toilet supply line had to re- be replaced because I was using the bathroom one night, and I guess I leaned back on the on the. Ah uh, shoot! And and the I should know this. I work maintenance. Um, the, the 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 thing that holds like the water, and I guess I was leaning back on it, but I had the thing was I heard my earbuds in, so I couldn't hear the water really leaking out until I realized there was a giant puddle of water around the toilet, and I thought there was a leak when I sat on it a certain way or it was coming from like the tank of the toilet, but it turned out it was like, if you lean back on the toilet, the supply line is so old that the like, water started leaking out. So I had to use like all the towels I had, even some of my clothes to try to mop that up. And then a uh, maintenance guy came up there and put in a new supply line. So we were good to go. So we didn't have any more leakage problems. Um, that was pretty much like, I can't really say that it was really a complaint because they fixed the issue when I, when I, um, I think it, like housekeeping came by or something, and then like I, or maybe I think one of the guys in the room might have called the downstairs about it, and so they had brought a maintenance guy up there, and I told him what was going on. He's like, "Oh, okay, I figured I was the, coming from a supply line from the tank." 
So I was like, cool, that's actually an easy fix, so you don't have to uproot the toilet and replace the flange or something, because that's way more work. Yeah. Well, at least they figured that out. Yeah. Um, so I'm checking on notes. So Friday, I only checked out a few panels at the at the convention. Uh, Friday, we had a, a panel in the morning called, uh, like, an anime fan panel of the 90s, which was kind of this guy's, like, overview of, like, what anime fandom was like in the 90s in terms of, like, um, basically it was more like a clip show where it was, like, less of him talking, more like, hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? Here's some Toonami promos. Toonami was cool. Let's watch more Toonami prom- promos. So I didn't really, like, take a whole lot from that panel, basically. What what Toonami stuff did they show, like, Robotech and some yeah, it was, kind of it, stuff? Yeah, it was, like, promos for Robotech, I believe, Voltron, um, the early Toonami promo with, like, Moltar and the, and, and the Clydes, like, flying around on that, mm-hmm. like, jungle planet. Like, it was stuff like that. Like, I don't really remember, like... I kind of showed up a little late to it, but I don't really remember too much about it. Um, but I mean, it was, yeah. it wasn't bad. Um, I mean, that was a great time to be a, an anime fan, but, uh, the, yeah. it was kind of limited in terms of what you could watch compared to now, but yeah, I think I, the quality of the stuff is also kind of better than what you get now in terms of yeah. like, you didn't have as many harem and Moe stuff and all that. Yeah. I think, uh, he probably covered like magazines and like fan sub tapes like before I got there. So there's probably like more in depth to it. But it was just kind of like I got to that last part and like, yeah, we know we all know Toonami and that's how we became fans, which is really you and me talking and we became anime fans because of Toonami. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give it that. Um, I will say this. So I got to, for the first time in a long time, I got to go to the dealer's room at Animazement and I found some pretty good stuff there that I bought and I will take a picture of everything that I bought at the con and... I will say that, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I found, just thinking, no, I found some, like, really good stuff in the dealer's room. Like, like I had to get past, I had to shuffle past all the, like, the Yaoi and Yuri fan art, and, um, yeah, I just kind of, like, I mean, like, when I saw things, I was like, oh, well, that's definitely Yaoi, that's definitely Yuri, just keep on walking. But in the back corner of the artist alley, near, like, sort of, like, the, this, like, uh, area where they had like a lot of the animators go and sketch stuff and they had like an art like an art dealer they had like a yeah, sketch um dealer or whatever or a uh, a bid auction there was a uh, two <laughs> two people that i bought stuff from one was a girl that was selling an initial d shirt so i got two of those one for myself and one for one of my uh, youth students and i gave it to him last night and he was super ex- excited because he's the only other initial d fan that i know and there was also uh, the girl across from them was selling um an Evangelion um, poster that was kind of like pixelated so, somewhat, but it was like third impact. And I was like, yep, I want that on my wall. So that's on my shelf of things I need to frame. Um, I picked up some Evangelion stickers from another dealer. I have to get all these names when I get a chance to look at these, but it's an Ava Unit 1 head uh, eating a um, an entry plug with like blood coming out of it. And I'm like, that's going on the back of my car. <laughs> this was like a... Artist rendition of the scene where the cannibal uh, cannibalizing scene from uh, yeah yeah from uh yeah the fifth yeah the fourth angel but it's instead of uh, the mm. Ava three it's actually the um it's actually the Ava one eating an entry plug oh and, yeah. it, and it's well done so I'm like yeah I'm putting that in the back of my car and I bought two stickers in case like something happens to the first one I have a backup 
But um, mm-hmm. I I also wound up getting a bunch of like Sailor Moon stuff from my uh, my second cousin because my t- cousin uh, they uh, all my d- dad's family extended family lives in uh, in New Braunfels, Texas, so they're not far from you. Um, <clears throat> that's the town with Slitterbond. Yes. Um, that's yeah. That's that's, that's yeah. That's in between um, Austin and San Antonio. They're closer to San Antonio than they would be Austin. But um, my cousin was telling me that her daughter is getting an anime, and so her, like I haven't seen her in a, in a couple of years. But she was telling me like you know yeah she really likes anime and she she knows that you like anime so you're like her big hero. And so I'm thinking like I don't know what she likes, but I'll tell you what a lot of girls do like when it comes to anime, and that's Sailor Moon. So I got uh-huh. her, like, some little, like, Sailor Moon, like, I got her a pin, I got her, like, a little bitty, like, plushy doll-looking thing from a from a, uh, someone in the artist alley, and then I got some, uh, like, little, like, Sailor Moon 1 keychains um, from the dealer's room next door. So I was like, okay, well, these four things, I can send it off to her, and she should be completely happy. So I hope she enjoys it. I just got to hear back from my cousin on what her address is so I can mail this stuff off to him. Um, yeah. So I'm waiting to hear back on that, but that's on my uh, my corner of my room of things to send off to people. Um, I hope that girls still do like Sailor Moon. I mean, they they're doing like a redub of the, uh, you know, the Viz. The, they relicensed it and they're doing an uncut dub. So I, yeah, I, I think that must be doing kind of well because they had the some of the movies are are being re-released in theaters with new dubs and. Uh, I, I mean, it was one of the most popular anime in the 90s after yeah. Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon. I, I think she's probably, like, the thing is, like, it's so easy for kids to, to you know, for people to get into anime because of streaming services. Everything's pretty much licensed to just hop in and dive into something. Like, you don't need to wait on cable or, you know, wait, come at, rush after school to catch, you know, a show on time. It's all online, readily available for you to watch. So, yeah. like, and as far as I know, like, pretty much any girl at an anime con that you're going to run into knows and has seen and absolutely loves Sailor Moon. So that's kind of like, there's usually like, that's that gateway for Sailor, for anime fans, at least the female ones, is Sailor Moon. Especially at the young age. So like, that's like my natural assumption. So like, that's a good safe bet. And if she doesn't know Sailor Moon, well now she can because of the stuff I got her. She's going to be like, well what's the Sailor Moon about? She'll watch it and fall, and fall in love with it and tell me all about Sailor Moon. And I've seen the first season of Sailor Moon, so if she watches that, we can watch it together and talk about it or whatever. So whenever I get to see her next time, so hopefully that's soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I was thinking about, like you know, I, I felt like I spent like the stuff that I got. I felt like about about half of it is for other people, and um, yeah, I'm just kind of yeah, I'm just kind of thinking like yeah, I'm, I keep finding more things that other people would like, and I'm like yeah, I'm going to spend it on other people. So because I thought about my my second cousin, so I was like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna splurge on her for a little bit and be the cool other cousin. Um. <sighs> In terms of stuff that I got, um, I actually speak of Evangelion. I picked up a uh, Ava Two model kit from a uh, Hobby Town USA out of Fayetteville. They were had a, they had a booth there at the con. Uh, I got some new uh, Mr. Hobby nippers. Um, Otaku Joe's was at the convention this year, so I decided to drop money on two vinyl tracks. One for Bari Bari Legend, which is Volume Two of a vinyl. And I actually found Volume One on eBay, so I just bought that sucker today. So now I have to. Is complete... this the place where you went uh, last year and you like uh, were playing some songs that you had uh, bought there on the, in the background while we were recording? Yes, yes, they still had a lot of stuff there. 
Um, also from them, I bought Heavy Metal L Game, the background music collection, volume one, on cassette. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I own a, you have a cassette I, player. For a I, I yes, I do have a cassette player because I was interchanging that between the the Night Trap uh, single that I was listening to in the car. I okay. Had to, I had to take out my Warren G. Regulate album, um, which is fine with me because I spent like less than a dollar at Goodwill for that. So, but yeah, so that was like my going my leaving Raleigh music was heavy metal L game background, um, and then mm-hmm. the like single. So that was some good stuff. Um, yeah, that's a good anime. Yeah, I also yeah I picked up like a single vinyl for it's off a series called um, Bomber Bikers of Shonen. The only Anime Ego only put the first one out on VHS, but it didn't sell well. But so Robert never decided to release the rest of it. Uh, that one there's more OVA, so I think I got one of the singles from one of the other uh, OVA episodes that I don't even believe that anyone's fan subbed yet. <laughs> But that's something I know because when I looked at it, I was like, "Holy crap! This is Bomber Bikers of Shonen. I'm picking this up." <laughs> and then Bari, and then Bari Bari Legend. I know this because it's been, it's like one of the Suishi Shingeno's like first manga series that got turned into an OVA before he ever did Initial D. So yeah, I picked that up. Um, I think there was a couple of things. I think there was a couple of things I got. Oh, I got a. I'm pretty sure. I got a Laserdisc game from them, too, for, like, 13 bucks, And that's, like, Galaxion 3. And it's got, like, Namco's, like, um, name on the top of it. And on the back, it looks like it's played like a video game. Like, it's a Galaxion game specifically for Laserdisc. So I have to try that thing out when I pop it in and then use my Genesis controller to figure out how to play the darn thing. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> the Laserdisc player can have a Genesis... My, um, mine can because I own a Pioneer Laser Active, and the Laser Active models you can interchange it between a TurboGrafx uh, 16 disc thing or the Sega Genesis uh, cartridge thing. Because if you have the Sega Genesis port thing in there, you can play Sega CD and Genesis carts. Uh, and it's not region locked, so I can play imports on it. And for the TurboGrafx, I can play both TurboGrafx 16 and the regular TurboGrafx games, but I don't have the TurboGrafx one. And to find it and buy it is heck expensive. So that's a bit, I don't know if if and when I'll ever run into one, but that's that's kind of on the list of dumb things to collect for cheap if I ever can. Isn't the Turbo Graphics the one that has that big weird like square shaped controller that's almost I, like an arcade controller or something like that? I believe I so. Be, yeah, it's. I'm pretty expensive. sure like James and Mike have probably played a few Turbo Graphics 16 games, and they showed the col- the controllers. <laughs> Yes, that's where I saw it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that that maybe the like the optimal nineteen eighties gaming setup is a laser disc player with a turbo graphics controller. Like yeah. they you can't get more retro than that. I, I some some so so some cuck on um YouTube decided <laughs> to do some video on like worst video game consoles and mm-hmm. like a top ten worst video game consoles. And one on that list they put in the Pioneer Laser Active. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. You're telling me you think this is a terrible console because they only made a certain number of these things. But also it's terrible because it's interchangeable between a Genesis and a TurboGrafx-16. What the hell is your problem? Like, really? What were the other ones that he listed? Like Virtual Boy and Engage and uh, stuff like that? Probably like Gizmondo or Engage. Yeah, like stupid. Like it's one of those click, Yeah, like the clickbait bullcrap video. I saw that. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? 
So it's a solid Laserdisc player. Like, I, I don't use it a lot, but when I use it, it works fine. So I'm good with that. Um, no, so, yeah, like, um, Otaku Joe's had, like, he was wanting to sell, like, the t- Pat Labor TV series on Laserdisc for, like, 100 bucks. Which, for Laserdisc collecting, that's actually not too bad of a price. I think he was selling, like, some Gundam series for, like, $100 and up. Like, Zeta Gundam and Double Zeta on Laserdisc. So that's well, kind of for the, the hard... Series. Yes. That's kind of, like, for hardcore collectors for Laserdisc. Like, now I don't really see a point in getting it because it's, like, I yeah, I have that Blu-ray. on Blu-ray. So, like... Yeah, and plus, like, you know, there's no subtitles for it. So it's, like, I might as well just watch the stuff on Blu-ray from courtesy yeah. of Right Stuff Media. Are we still on the right stuff, like, reviewers list? I, have, I feel like we haven't gotten Yeah, we haven't got anything in a while. I need to send an email about that and see where they're at. I know G Gundam comes out eventually, and uh, they might be sending us, like, stuff when G Gundam comes out. Um, I'll check on that. I think the last thing we got was um, Gundam Unicorn, maybe? Probably right. I know it was before Christmas. Oh, really? It's been I, six months. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's... I know with them, they're always like, oh, man, we're going through inventory, so, like, we're, everything's kind of backed up right now. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. But I I, mean, yeah, I, I thought about that, too. They might have realized that we don't review, like, two-thirds of the stuff they sent us. <laughs> I, we do get to it, though. Like, I try. Like, it's just really hard. So, I don't know. Maybe they did. Yeah, I mean, they send us these series that we have no interest in that, that are, like, 50 episodes uh, and. We don't have time to watch it all. No, I mean, like, I, I mean, yeah, I want to check out, like, Ninja Nonsense and Galaxy Angel and, um, where is that stockpile? It's it's up there somewhere. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at my Blu-ray shelf, but, uh, we got Revolutionary Girl Utena to watch, um, Sound of the Sky. The gay anime. I uh, know that's Romanjica, whatever. Um, Jojo Romanica. Yeah, that's it. I'm not sure what to do with that yet. That we've had that for like about two years. And uh, what do you call it? Um, There's also like I got Kimba, Kimba the White. Lo- yeah, Kimba. We did review. We did review the first two episodes of Super Gals. Give us some credit there. That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of reviewing stuff, we were trying to, I was trying to get you, us to watch, uh, Weisskreuz. Yes, and... we watched, like, the first episode, and then, like, Biku is being a drama queen on the chat. But we won't have to deal with that problem anymore. Yeah, so we can go back to trying to watch more Weisskreuz and get that out, get a review out of that, so. That was kind of like an on a whim, like, hey, we should probably check this out, so. Uh, whenever that gets out, I don't know. We still gotta watch more Tomino Takahashi stuff. So we we are, oh, we gotta yeah. get we gotta get one episode at least, at least this year, even if it's at the end of the year. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, I need to watch Votoms. Okay, yeah, I I've seen all of Votoms, so I think I've got a pretty good memory of like what's in there. So if you as soon as you get started on that, let me know. This is kind of random. It's not even an anime, but have you read My the Psychic Girl? I read that recently. They have it in the library. I know of My the Psychic Girl, but I haven't I haven't read or heard, seen anything of that. I think it's. It and the Spider-Man manga, which I also read this year, are by the same guy that uh, drew Crying Freeman. Oh, uh, Itagani? I think that's yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I, I love that manga artist. His work is super good. I didn't know he did a Spider-Man manga. Back in the 60s. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it was like his first uh, manga, I think. 
1970 to 1971, he, he drew the Spider-Man, and then My the Psycho Girls in 1985, 1986. Okay. And then Crying Freeman, 1986 to 1988. I haven't actually read or seen Crying Freeman yet, but I know it's something that you're a big fan of, and that's something we need to review. Oh, I, I, I love Crying... Like, I haven't... I own the Discotech series on DVD, but, like, I remember watching, like... Um, I downloaded the series off of... Um, well, when people could use it, uh, Baca BT, and I was like, this is the most beautiful OVA I've ever seen in terms of, like, everything that happens to it and just how ridiculous it is. And, yeah, I, I, I stand wholly on Crying Freeman. And I know we've mentioned about us talking about it before, but, yeah, it's gonna have to, it's gonna have to happen eventually one day. Yeah, I don't know how that's never, uh, been reviewed yet, but I guess there's a lot of things we haven't gotten to. Oh, yeah, there's several. Have stuff. you finished Mighty Orbots yet? I haven't finished Mighty Orbots yet. Like I'm, we're almost, I'm almost done with that. So when we're done with that, we can talk about Mighty Orbots for sure. I'm, I'm on episode ten. And I saw it this evening. I think I've got maybe three more episodes left. Maybe, okay, so we're I'll, at about the same spot. Yeah, we're about the same spot. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm trying to think of what else. Like everything I got is in my my room right now, so I'll get photos of that out eventually. Um, I think that kind of sort of covers it, really. Um, there wasn't anything more about the con. Oh, I still got yeah, I still got more stuff about the con, but I actually got more stories. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so I talked about the dealer's room and yeah, the convention. Uh, oh, 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 I got something to talk about. So, I don't know if you remember last year about me talking about a guy that was selling bootleg stuff. Uh, there was a guy oh, that was selling yeah, like a Pokemon game or something like that. Yes, he was there this year. And I never met this guy, but I, from what I told Josh of the stuff I saw and, of course, bought from him, he was like, holy crap, why is that guy back? Like, he's literally selling legit, like, bootleg stuff. So, I bought two things, I bought two anime, I bought two soundtracks from him. And I'm gonna pull these out right now. Um, <laughs> and I will take pictures of this. So, I got Initial D Special Stage Sega Original Tracks and Initial D Arcade Stage Sega Original Tracks. Now, what makes these a bootleg is the fact it's by a company called Mia Records, which is not who puts these things out. And on the back of the CDs, um, one, especially the arcade thing, it has all the all the all the tracks in English, and the other one does not. But what really caught my eye that I didn't notice until after I got home, because you know how observant I am, is the fact that. On the spines of both of these, they both say Initial D Special Stage Sega Original Tracks. It's even written on the Arcade Stage one, and that's not the correct spine. Even though on the back of the CD, it's got the tracks for the Arcade Stage. So, uh, oh, oh, this is even better, because I just now saw this. On the back, says, on both of these, Warning. All rights reserved. Unauthorized duplication is a violation of acceptable laws, even though this is a freaking damn bootleg CD. So... <laughs> bootleg with copyright protection? Yes. Chinese triad copyright protection, perhaps. So, <laughs> my purchase of 20-some... I think I bought another CD. Another, these might have been the only two I bought from this guy. Um, well, I knew that he had, I knew he had, for specifically had bootlegs, because I found, like, an Initial D soundtrack that had the, uh, Ever Anime logo, and I was like, nope, that's bootleg, because I had that same one. So, 
But uh, supposedly, if, if you're selling bootlegs, you're supposed to report these people. So I don't know how this guy got in for a second year. It, that just boggles my mind. But um, when I told Josh, like he went into this tirade, he's like, you know what? I'm F it. I'm I'm glad I'm not doing with dealers anymore because I I freaking would pitch a fit over that. And you're like, yeah, I know you're right. But you know what? He may not come back next year. Who knows? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I I just know because I was. I didn't really pay attention to what I got until I I got home and I saw that spine, and I was like, "Well, that definitely proves that these are bootlegs." So, <laughs> other than that, I I think I kind of covered the stuff that I got. So Friday is when I got to go with the gang and hang out uh, and go see Deadpool two, and that is a phenomenal movie. Uh, we will talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it when you see it because our our plan is to talk about. Han Solo and Deadpool 2 uh, whenever you get around to seeing it. And mm-hmm. um, so at, after Deadpool 2, um, we went over to this uh, I convinced the group to go to this uh, place called Gypsy Shiny Diner on uh, I can't think, of, I think it's it's not Wade Hampton Road, but it's it's right off Walnut, Walnut Street in Cary uh, since we're right by the Crossroads 20 because that's where I grew up watching the movies anyways. And uh, the night before, when I drove into town, um, when I was waiting for everybody to get there, I went to Gypsy Shiny Diner for the first time in like 15 years or so. And I specifically love Gypsy Shiny Diner for the fact that they sell the best best eggs uh, eggs Benedict that I know of. And I love eggs Benedict. Did you post a picture of this in the chat? Yes, I did. I did take a picture of it. So I have photos of evidence of me eating at the Gypsy Shiny Diner (laughs) with my big plate of hash browns and my eggs Benedict and Boy, it was good. It's so good that I went back the second a second time that week, which was the next day. And uh, the party I was with, they didn't really care too much for what they got, but I was content with what I had. So, this is where we get to uh, the kind of people that Gypsy Shiny Diner brings in. We had a a couple, which was basically this bulky white trash redneck dude and his wife, which his wife sounded pretty like she spoke normal. I don't know what she's doing with a guy like that, but they have two kids, I guess. I don't know how that works out. So we're just kind of enjoying our table and our food and chatting amongst each other. And the guy just belts out like, when am I going to get me a nice pair of shoes? Like at his wife. <laughs> and we're just... This sounds like a self incident. Yes. And I'm just like, who has these conversations about shoes at the dinner table in a public area at a Gypsy Shiny Diner? And he was, like, really redneck, like, white trash southern about it, too. Like, he was, like, all pissed off about it at his wife. And then I look over at Amanda, and she's just, like, looking at me laughing because she knows she heard the same thing. So we have, like, a, a we, we have like a text app thing, and I typed in there, like, you know, like, listen, babe, I want to get a nice pair of shoes, but I can't live without my bud and my dip or something. So, <laughs> so this is a group chat that thing, so everyone's getting the same message I'm reading, and we just all started laughing just behind this guy's back. What even made it better was the fact that this guy asked for, like, Texas Pete hot sauce, and he never got in and complained about it the entire time. We didn't ask for it, but it got delivered to our table where it sat at the corner the entire time. And Did we weren't going to... No, we weren't going to give it to him. <laughs> just because we, that's just so much funnier. Um... Then, behind another table adjacent to us, or right next to us also, was another guy that talked very Southern, and he mentioned, he was talking about Animazement, and he's like, so she, I was like, I heard she's over at that there Animazement convention thing at the downtown, 
or they got like the anime and the manga or something. I ain't, I don't know too much about that stuff. And, and, we, <laughs> and we're just like we're hearing all of this like these conversations going on. I'm like, I am so glad I picked Gypsy Shiny Diner for our for our Friday night dinner. Now, what made it even better as we were leaving? Now, the Gypsy Shiny Diner, you can put in quarters to request songs. They have like a a, a record thing. And as we were leaving, our, our friend Preston decides to troll the place by playing the Battle of New Orleans, which is a very great Southern folklore song. So the banjos start, banjos start going, and we all start laughing. And I said, and that's our cue to go. And we all walked out of there. <laughs> and I think we had a few of the waitresses laughing, too. So, um... That might have to I be like our um, or ending theme on this. What's up? Bar, you have some incident at that place every year, don't you? I feel like there have been other stories of you going there, or maybe it's just similar places. I, it might be similar places. No, the, the Gypsy Shiny Diner is a place I haven't been to in like 15 years. Okay, so you haven't been there before. I haven't, I, since I've been going to that con, no. Like, I've okay. always driven past it every year. Like, whenever I go to, like, make my great um, stock up of oolong tea in two-liter bottles mm. from the Grand Asian market. Which I am sitting behind a good cache of them right now. That should last me probably till July, I'd say. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, I'm always like, man, I want to go back in Gypsy Shiny Diner. And I just thought about it for years, so I just decided, like, you know what? I'm right here. Let's take the plunge. Let's go to Gypsy Shiny Diner. I got my eggs Benedict, and I was like, holy crap, I am content. So I... Yeah, that was a, that was a fun experience to go there. Um, I think that night we wound up driving around and hitting up like a um, a Publix to get some groceries or whatever. Um, and then we got back to the con. I missed Anime Hell, uh, but what I did basically just about every night, um, and even sometime in the afternoon, since I didn't have anything to do, since I wasn't a dealer, was I hit up the arcade to play Initial D. Um, but that Friday night, I got to meet uh, one of the con chair heads. Uh, his name's Bod. Bob, like I've I've always seen Bob for years, and I finally went up and t- got to talk to him for a few minutes. And he's a really cool guy. So if you guys know Bob at Animazement, he's he's a gray-haired guy with a gray beard. He's dropped a lot of weight in the past few years, and I think he's probably doing like surgery or whatever. But he's a cool guy. Like definitely get to get to know and talk to him. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, I got to yeah, I got to meet up with him and and chat with him for a little bit. Because I was trying to find Phil Lee, who runs Anime Hell, because I missed it again this year. But I think by then Phil left. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'll just go to the, you know, go to the arcade and beat up some teenagers in Initial D. Um, so Southern uh, Arcade Impact at the Myrtle Beach was there. Uh, the only issue with the Initial D machine was the fact that they did, they had something up with the network ad- adapter for the one of the machines. So they didn't have two of them hooked up for multiplayer or for versing. But... What we, what the nerds decided to do, us nerds, was to do, um, basically, each person picks the same track at the same time, and then you basically are sort of racing each other, but this is more of a time attack thing on who gets the fastest time. So if you get the fastest time, you basically won the race. So that's kind of how we did it as in terms of competition, which I think worked, worked pretty well this year. Um, I lost like once, as I usually do, um, and, but the rest of the time I won. A lot of people, I think, there know me as, like, the Initial D guru, like, the, D, the best player at, at Animation to play Initial D. 
You're the king of initial D. Huh? I'm the king of initial D in Raleigh, as far as I know at that con. So we have a, a third person on this call, uh, Cloud, who uh, hasn't said anything, but he uh, mentioned the other day that he went to some somewhere in in Boston and he was looking for an initial D machine, but it was not there anymore or something like that. That used to be there. Yeah, I remember Cloud saying and talking about that. He was just talking about it a couple of days ago, like. Yeah, but I think I think he said that they had a DDR machine that he played or something like that instead. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to come on here and mention anything. We might have put him to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening. Or not. Uh, who knows? I mean, like we're already in. Jeez, uh, I can't believe we're already an hour into this thing. Yeah. Um, but no, like it's it's. It's kind of, I mean, it's humbling because, like, I've always grown up by like, trying to be the best in Initial D, and everyone else was so much better at it. And, uh, so now it's like, I, you know, like, I'm one of these rare people that keep up with Initial D, and new people are starting to keep getting Initial D now. Um, because they have these arcade machines there, so then people play them like, holy crap, this is awesome. And, you know, now I'm kind of like this guru that's never given up on it, so now I'm kind of like the master of this game, and, you know, the fact that people, like, like respect me. Like, there's people coming up and talking to me that I played against last year. That like I don't even remember who they were, but they definitely remember who I was. And then mm. once I got to talk to them, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I think I remember you. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I played against you. It's cool. It's cool to meet you. So that's kind of like our own little like sub community there. It's just these people that go around and huddle around Initial D and play each other and talk and keep up with each other. Um, my buddy Eric that I used to know from the old arcade um, Cyber Station at Crabtree Valley Mall, he wasn't there this year. I didn't see him. So hopefully I'll get to see him next year. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Cloud just texted, wrote on the chat that, um, he went there on Tuesday and they got rid of the, got rid of the initial D machine, uh, but they still have the DDR machine. Okay. Yeah, there's some arcade in Boston. Yeah, that's, that's... The Boston area. That's sad. Um, what I was told is there's like an, uh, an arcade place called Round One in Greensboro, North Carolina. That's like in a, like a bowling alley or something. And I was gonna head there Monday to play Initial D just to check it out, but then I decided. And I looked on the Google Maps thing, and it didn't seem like they had anything there. So I was like, "Oh, I might just check it out next year or something." So I, I might, I'll probably head over there like next year on my way to the con if, um, you know, if things work out that way. So we'll see. <clears throat> but I'll definitely have to check out Round One the next time I'm around Greensboro. Um. So yeah, like I, after Initial D, I came into the hotel. They crashed. Um. And then Saturday I woke up, and Saturday I went to the, um, let's see, yeah, I'm just looking through my notes. So Saturday I got to go to the Gunplug panel, and actually what I did is, uh, for the first time in like eight years, I got to finally cosplay. And I decided to do my own Kenshiro. Um, I got a couple of people that were like, oh, you're that guy from Fist of the North Star. I was like, yeah, I'm Kenshiro, the main guy. Oh, cool. I didn't get any photos or anything, which is fine. But I did look pretty awesome in that in that outfit, I gotta say. So I, I feel pretty good about myself. This was uh your Kenshiro outfit that you Yeah. Made? Like I had to get um I got like basically like basic wrap like arm bandage and wrapped it around my right arm. And I got because I took it from home to to do it when I got to the con. And that was and then like, you know, I just had like a red Arkansas shirt that I rolled up as sleeves and then just kinda walked around the con like that. So that worked out very well. Um, but what I did is I went to a, uh, they had a Gundam and, uh, like, History of Gundam and Gunpla panel by the guys, uh, 
at a group at a carry called uh, Hangar 18. Um, I got to meet them, and I got to tell them that I was part of the Southeast uh, Gundam Club out of Green, uh, Greenville, South Carolina. So we chatted for a little bit. Uh, they had a pretty good panel, too. Theirs was more of a mixture of, like, going over, like, the basics of Gundam and then playing some video clips because they have, like, people that do videography, and I've seen some of the promos on Facebook for them. Um, I got a few of their cards, so they're, they're actually some pretty cool guys. Uh, <clears throat> now, on Sunday, they actually did a panel on, like, people coming together and building Gunplus, so, like, apparently it gets bigger and bigger every year. And I kind of stopped by and just, like, walked around and talked to people that way. Uh, let's see. I did get to meet Toshifumi Yoshida and Trish Ledoux in the autograph area because they there was, like, two big lines for people that were the guests there. Uh, Shin, Shin, uh, Watanabe was there this year, but I didn't get a chance to get anything signed from him. I was just like, oh, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I didn't, I had like a... Did you see him? I didn't get to see him. I didn't go to any panels with him because I was just doing right. something else, so... But I... I, I him before, haven't you? Yeah, I saw him when he was there like three years ago. And that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if what what else he's talked about since then, but um, I mean, when I met it, when I saw him three years ago, it was pretty interesting. We had that big panel, mm-hmm. um, but no, I got to meet uh, Toshi and Trish again. I got to catch up with them because it's the first time I've seen them like two years or three years, and uh, just kind of chewing the fats. Um, I proposed something to Trish on something I'm working on, so we were talking about that for a little bit. I'm not going to reveal what that is yet, um, and then you know, afterwards, I went to their panel later. Uh, that they, they were to talk about their history as uh, working in the anime industry for the past twenty, uh, almost thirty years, or basically thirty years at this point. And uh, at the end, because they both work for the Pokemon Company, like you know, Toshifumi Yoshida works um, as a producer for the for the Pokemon cartoon series. Mm-hmm. So he comes in with this giant duffel bag of like all these ten collector sets and ten sets of Pokemon cards. And he had a raffle where basically he he opened up like a pack of Pokemon cards. And gave it to like you know as like like a sort of like a lottery ticket sort of, or like a you know instead of using like raffle tickets as a Pokemon card. So if you called your Pokemon, you go up there and pick out whatever you want. So I got the like 2015 Pokemon Championship deck by the guy who won it, and it comes with like a Pikachu with like a giant telescope pin, and it's brand new. It looks like it's been sitting in, in Toshi's like back storage closet for three years. And I want it. I want to take it apart just to get to the pin, but I don't. I don't want to open it up because it's probably like, obviously going to be worth like a thousand dollars in about ten years. So I'd rather just not touch it, and just hold on to it. Yeah. But that Pikachu pin looks pretty awesome. But I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on it. Uh, so that's what I want out of the panel. Um, at the same time, uh, Phil Lee was doing a panel about anime fandom in 1998. That was next door, um, so I didn't get to check that out. There might be video of that resurfacing up later. Uh, afterwards, I got to meet up with Phil, so we decided to go to this burger place downtown and walk over there, so I got to hang out with Phil again and just kind of chew the fat, how life is going, what we've been up to, yada, yada. Um, and then I think... So then afterwards, I decided to try to... My goal at the con was to try to you know meet, meet some ladies since I'm on the market. Uh, I went to the bar and hung out for some, with some people, or I got, went up there basically and talked to a few people. Um, I did get to talk to one girl that had a, uh, a tattoo on her back of a bike. It's an alpha of a Salvador Dali painting, and it's an animal eating a tiger, and I can't think of what it is now, but I'm sure if you look up Salvador Dali painting and find, like, 
I think it's like a turtle or something eating a tiger. It's something ridiculous. Like that's kind of what that is. Um, Salvador Dali tiger. I'm searching it right now. Yeah, but I asked her about it, and she she told me what it was from, and I was like, well, yeah, I know Salvador Dali. I was a you know art history minor, so I got to keep up with this stuff. So we had this like pretty good conversation going, and she was incredibly beautiful. And but the thing was, she was with her friends, so then it was kind of like I wasn't important, so she just kind of like stopped talking to me and started talking to her friends, and I was like, okay, I'm back to square one. But I was like, at least I made an attempt to try to, you know, chat it up with someone. Um, so I think it's this painting called Dream Caused by the Flight of a Bee Around a Pomegranate a Second Before Awakening. Uh, which that sounds about has, right. Which has uh, two, two, two tigers, they're going after like a naked woman, there's a big elephant in the background, and, like, one of the tigers is, like, inside of the mouth of a fish or something. That's it, yeah. Just coming out of a pomegranate. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that that's... She didn't have the naked lady on her back, but just, oh. like, the, 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 the eating of animals part on, like, her mm-hmm. right shoulder or something. Um, it says it's a yellow eye rock fish that's got the tiger inside of it. Oh, nice. Okay. It's very... Weird. Yeah, because she was but Dolly is like a great artist. Yeah, um, because yeah, because I saw that because I was like she was sitting next, like she was standing next to me, and I was like, and I looked at her back and just kind of studied her tattoo, and I was like, you know, all right, I'm gonna talk to this girl, and I was like, you know, hey, you know, tell me about this tattoo on the back, and so we chatted for a little bit. Um, In high school, I had to do there was like an assignment we had to do like a replica of a famous painting, and oh, wow. I did this Dolly. Painting, and they were gonna put them on the on the ceiling, and uh, <laughs> in the in the school, like the, we were painting like ceiling tiles. And uh, w- when I went to Turkey, apparently the teacher somehow they dropped the painting and just destroyed it <laughs> and threw it away. <laughs> this, this was your we painting. We've been working on this as yeah, as oh. like an art project for like months. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's some ditzy redneck bimbo teacher that works at the <laughs> Harmony Science Academy. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. That sucks. I-, I hate it like you worked hard on something, and then, like, it's your freaking teacher that's like, oh, you did such a good job. Bam. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. destroy it. Like, oh, well, screw you and this education system is supposed to be on my side. I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, I think they're trying to put it in the roof, and then they dropped it and broke it, or something like oh, that. Man. But I'm sorry, man. I, 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 from from an artist perspective, because you know, I mean, that's personal to me. Because like you work hard on something, and then it just turns to crap when you're freaking, you know, adults. They're supposed to look out for you, like mess up and drop the ball, and they're just like, "Oh, we're so sorry," and that's all they can say because they're very worthless individuals. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, going back to that, um, pretty much like I got, I, I had the, uh, so every year at that hotel bar, they have, um, like these like combination drinks that are anime themed. So I had a super Saiyan blue, uh, like, or super like Saiyan, like, like, yeah, super Saiyan blue or something, which is like the DBZ themed drink, which is basically like a mixture of like Smirnoff, like vodka and some other stuff in it. And I had, like, two of those because it was really good. And then I had, like, a gin and tonic at the end. Um, so I was kind of, like, you know, pretty... I was feeling pretty good, and I went to the arcade and just kind of sobered up and uh, played games and beat up to some more people and talked to them for a bit. And then I went back to my hotel room and went to sleep. Um, and then Sunday... 
Let me see. Yeah, so Sunday then was the Gun and Build panel, and other than that, I just kind of went through um, going, <clears throat> just kind of going through the dealer's room again, and just going through the artist thing. Um, I will say this: I think it was Saturday they had the uh, they had like a uh, an auction for like art pieces and sketches, which is what they do every year, and they make it like so official. Where like if there was like a sword art online, like f- like. They were trying to, they got, someone bought a sword art online, like, figure or whatever, but then there was also, like, this, like, you know how there's, like, images and stuff, and, like, those, like, clear glass, um, like, squares or cubes or whatever? I, I, I'm sure you've seen these, like, at other places, um, if you're ever, like, like, yeah. a, like an art store, yeah. Uh, so they, so they made one of those of, like, Kirito on it from Sword Art Online, and I think Asuna. And what they were doing, like, I couldn't be there for too long, because I probably, like, would have been kicked out. Um, we're basically, I was just like, just making a mockery because I was sitting with my, uh, my buddy Austin that I was rooming with and I was, we were just cracking up at this stuff and I was like, I can't be here anymore. But like they were passing around and people were like staring at it, like, you know, all like intently. It was like, Oh, look at the beautiful design of this, like, you know, Kirito, you know, glass box thing, you know, like art piece and, you know, they're passing it around and I'm just wanted I just wanted to like. You know, someone to come out there with a monocle and like really inspect it. You know, it's a, like if something that's like $45 or something, like come on. And I, I was so like, I was just, ha- I was just joking with Austin, like I had to be like, shoot, I should get up and be like, excuse me, but this is a fake or something like that. Just, <laughs> just the troll of the art auction. But yeah, and then I, was, and then people were like coming up with bids and I just wanted to like bravely get up and just be like, one million dollars and put like my pinky to my mouth like, uh, like the, the villain from the Austin Powers movie. And just to, <laughs> I, and then after like a couple of those things, I was just like, I just kept making jokes and just like, dude, these people are way too serious. I can't be here. <laughs> And so, because I was just going to like check it, I was like, you know, why not? I got I got nothing to do with this con. This is great. I get to go to an art auction just to see what this is like, and it's kind of treated as like an actual art auction. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, these people are really serious. And I was like, I it probably got really more serious like when I left, but I I wouldn't know. Yeah. How long were you there? Like maybe five, ten minutes or so, and they had like a uh, like one of those like. Like a, a camera thing that kind of like overlooked the table, and he put the art piece underneath it, and like you know, people can look out on the on the projected monitor screen, and then people take bids, and then if you win an and like an item or win multiple ones, you go over to the table to pay cash for the item that you won. Supposedly, people were like selling like sketches and stuff for like three four thousand dollars. Um, they actually, what I understood, because, like, the group that I'm part of, was part of, like, they're really big into collecting cells and sketches and art pieces. Like, they're saying, like, that, that Animazement didn't make this amount of money this year, as they thought, or had they previously did. And that's probably mm. due to, like, the amount of people that did, weren't at the con, like, higher-up animators or whatever. And, you know, like, usually how they usually do. And so then eventually what they said is they, at the end of the, I think, the art auction, they were trying to pass around a bucket for people to donate more money to them. And it's like, hell no. Like, it's like, no, you guys just had a sucky year. And, you know, that's what you get when you have, like, a lax, like, guest list. Because I think Momocon was the same weekend in Atlanta. And Momocon had a pretty solid guest list for, like, I think for a lot of, like, Japanese guests, I believe. 
So yeah, I, I think it's, cause even I was tempted to go to Momocon this year, um, but I was like, ah, anime spins my home convention, so I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna stick with it. Um, Is that in Georgia? Yeah, so that's in Atlanta. It's interesting because I was in Atlanta the previous weekend. I was there with, um, staying with my buddy in Atlanta, uh, with my brother and I, and we were driving along in the interstate, like, uh, I think it's 285, and they had, like, big advertisements for Momocon, like, off the, off the interstate. Mm. And I, I never, I never see that for any con, like anywhere that I go to. And I guess, I I guess like Atlanta has like such good marketing and they can, they can have like deals with people that set up advertising or whoever runs the Momocon convention has like enough pull to like, you know, be able to be able to, um, put up like billboard advertising up there. And we were at, um, like a coffee shop near, there's like a, like the hipster like college area of near Emory university or Emory college. And we went inside this coffee shop to use the bathroom, and they had, like, all these stickers for, like, Momocon and AWA or whatever, like, near the bathrooms. Like, that's, like, your designated area to put, like, all your stickers of your crappy band and your crappy anime con, which AWA is not a crappy anime con, and I think Momocon has gotten a whole lot better from what I hear, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, college town, obviously college kids like anime, so you yeah, that's the perfect place to put your advertising for that stuff. Um... But no, I was in Atlanta and I actually got to, um, my, I went there, uh, I got, I paid $40 for lawn tickets, uh, for a Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan concert that my brother and my friend were going to. And I wound up sitting in the $105 section by basically pretending like I acted like I was there because my brother knows how to get into places that he just knows how to cheat the system and doesn't care. And you just follow his lead. This is basically what we did. Um, well, the thing was, like, I I paid for the cheap seating, but I just pretended I was with them. And so then I had my beer, and we went down to these seats, and we had to sat next to an older couple as, like, uh, Doobie Brothers were finishing up. And, um, they were like, oh, like, you know, if you guys aren't supposed to be here, we're not going to say anything. We don't really care. So this, like, older couple was, like, really cool about it. And so, like, I just kind of basically just sat there and enjoyed Steely Dan, which basically Steely Dan is down to Dan. Because Steely died like last year, um, it was still a good concert. Like I don't ever go to concerts much, but um, that was that was pretty fun. And you can also smell, you can see and smell the pot smoke in the air too. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was like I think someone like a few rows down before us. Like you just like before every start of a song, you see this giant puff go in the air, and about thirty seconds later, you get a whiff of like, yep, there's the pot. <laughs> so it was. No, I like I had fun just kind of you know just sitting there like you know sitting around enjoying the music and you know just having fun. Like my brother was like was very converse conversing with people, so like he was chilling out with the people that were cool with us sitting next to them. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, like yeah, like that's when I saw the promotions for Momocon. I'm like, man, like, they gotta have some pretty good marketing to like you know pull this off or whatever. Um. So, anyways. Yeah, so going back to Sunday at, at Animazement, um, yeah, we pretty much like ditched the con that afternoon because there wasn't much else to do after like three o'clock. So we decided to go see the Han Solo movie. Um, I got uh, my tickets were recovered by the group I was with. Uh, the only thing was we got our tickets in the very front row, so like I basically about broke my neck trying to watch the movie for two hours. Um, it's very uncomfortable, but other than that, like I really enjoy the Han Solo movie. Um, but we can talk about that. Oh, are we getting to the Han Solo now? Um, I was, 
I was just going to basically talk about the con now, and then, um, and then we can do closing remarks on stuff. But we can save Han Solo for um, our next recording. Like whenever you see Deadpool two, we'll talk about both of those movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, you were sitting at the front of the theater, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, the thing is that the Crossroads Twenty like has upgraded their seating greatly since like I used to go there. So they have like rec- reclining seats now. So even with the reclining seat being all the way back, like you're still kind of like I still have, like you know like it hurt my neck after a while, and it just kind of sort of bothered my eyes. Like when, especially when action scenes happen, like you're sitting right there and you're looking straight up, and it's just so jarring to look at. But like you know we, that was the best seats we could get at the time. And we're like, you know, let's just, just F it. Let's just go watch it, like, you know, at this at this weird angle and enjoy the movie. And it was, it's still a good, like, it's still a, a great movie. Um, I knew I was going to have fun with it. But uh, we will... Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Um, I feel like compared to the others, I don't have much to complain about. I mean, it's just a fun action movie. Yeah. We're probably going to bring this up in our own review of Solo, but um, did you like it more or less than Rogue One? Or was it about the same? Um, I, I guess, I guess more. I mean, it was, it was just a fun movie. I mean, I, I don't really have much to complain about. I feel like it was maybe more original because I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, as much as I enjoy Rogue One, I mean, I, I, I think if I, I need to see Solo again, I probably would see Solo again because I have a better view of the movie. Uh, depending on the seating that I get, which I'm going to do a whole lot better so I can comfortably just sit down and enjoy it. And um, I'm probably going to, like, get more out of it that time. Um, but anyways, we'll we'll definitely talk about that movie in our, in our next recording when we get to that. Um, but other than that, like, I basically... What was interesting was the fact that we had a, a tropical storm come through that went to, like, the other southern states... But apparently it was like, really affecting Florida, so like the, some of the people that um, in our group had to leave like 5.30 in the morning to, to try to beat the storm because they live in Florida. And on my way back, like in terms of the rain, like it was kind of sporadic. Like when I got to Charlotte, it, was, it seemed fine, and it just kind of drizzled in spots. But um, other than that, like my ride home was great, so I didn't have any issues with that. Uh, yeah, there was that little tropical storm. I think it killed like a weatherman, but it's not been a big thing like then become a whole hurricane I don't think. Yeah. Um looking at notes based on what I can think of, that was I can't like I kinda covered everything. This is probably like one of the shortest animation reviews I've done, so mm. how long are we at? Like an hour and a half or something? About an hour and a half, yeah. I mean, I mean that's kinda basically it for for animation really. I mean I yeah, I didn't have to deal with, like, weird people in the dealer's room or whatever, and if I did, it's kind of like, I didn't have to deal with them one-on-one, like the guy that complains about, oh my god, the Sega 32X is a piece of junk, and then, your perfume, your perfume hurts my sinuses, but you, you look, you smell really nice. Oh, that nerd. Oh, that was funny. I can't believe you're selling that here. Yeah, I can't believe he's not down. It's such a disgrace. Or whatever the heck he said. Gosh, I... Anyways, but... <laughs> that guy really pissed you off to remember him a year later. Uh, yeah, he's just like ranting and I was like, do you agree? That I do. Well, yeah, shut up. <laughs> Gosh. 
Uh, um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't really think of anything else. I just kind of basically hung out in the arcade and played an initial D, and then just walked around and checked out chicks and tried to talk to them and just met up with new, some new people. And like, I met up with a couple of people out of the Gundam uh, panel that were like. It was a kid like that was basically about to graduate NC State, so we had, and he, go, he helps out at a youth, uh, youth ministry the same as I do, or actually as I did because last night was my last night helping in my old church. So um, I'm not part of any ministry right now, so that's it's, it's a nice little break. Um, <clears throat> but we were just like just chatting about like our faith and you know just stuff and our fandom and here and there, and he was a really cool guy. Um, I cannot remember his name, but. If I don't know if he's ever gonna listen to this, but if he does, you, you know who you are. So <laughs> that anyway, yeah, like that was he was someone else that was really cool to talk to. Um, oh shoot, I got a good one. So Saturday night, the thing is, I might I think I know this guy who did this. So I was kind of just hanging outside with all like the raver people because they just sit outside and and vape and. You know, just chill out and whatever and do, like, lightsaber battles, like, techno music. Because that's what you do at cons. And there was this, like, drunken dad that was stumbling down the stairs outside the convention center. And there was, like, five or six teenagers behind him on the steps just laughing at him. And I was heading that way. So, like, I walked past this guy. And <clears throat> and so then I'm going up to this girl and they're still laughing. And I'm just like, man, I hope that guy's okay. And she just kind of chuckles. She's like, yeah, he, he's okay. He's going to be okay. He's my dad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, he, and she's just like, yeah, he, he does this. He, he needs this. And I'm like, what the hell kind of daughter are you to let your dad be a drunken mess at a freaking convention? Like, what the hell? Now, the thing is, I saw that guy in the hotel lobby the next day. And I believe it's someone that I probably have met before. Um, actually, I think it's probably someone that... I, I, a few years ago at Bonsai Con, I had like an audio recording of me sitting around with a bunch of like older guys. And they're talking about fandom or whatever. And the guy at the table with like a really dark, like gray hair. If you look back through our con photos at Bonsai Con, he's a guy with like gray short hair. And I believe that's the same guy, but he's probably gained a lot of weight. And I don't think he recognized me, and I sure as heck looks like someone. I it might be the same guy. I don't know, but if that's so, that's really sad. Um, I sure as heck hope it's not him, but it actually might be. But yeah, it's just it's just what what kind of family are you to like? You take your your dad just is so miserable at an anime con, he gets drunk in public and just like stumbles down steps, and you laugh at him. Like what what kind of family is that? <laughs> like really? It's the south. What do you expect? Yeah, it's, it's the South, but it's just like holy crap! Like, and I'm just like, is he gonna be okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, he's he's fine. He just needs this, and I'm like, he needs to get drunk at an anime con. He's a fifty effing year old man. Let's play what Steve does. Good point, John. God, he's probably he might be way worse than this guy. I don't know, but um, he probably does this at the Ghostbusters convention. Oh man. I don't. I don't want to know, but um, and he's probably got his daughter there, and, and he's like, "Hey, none of you use any foul this anime con, all right?" <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I'm glad I remember that story. That that's pretty. That's some good stuff there. Um, other than that, I didn't. 
Oh, um, one of the guests there was actually in the same elevator ride. Uh, one of the guests is J.P. Yates or something. Um, and they had uh, one of the guests was dressed up as Char, too. Um, mm. I think it might be one oh. of the guys from Bandai. Um, <clears throat> but we were in the elevator together because they had, like, their, their whole guest floor is, like, the fifth floor of the Marriott. And we were riding up, and I saw his Char thing, and I was like, hey, man, Sig Zeon. And I, I was wearing my anime jacket, and I had my Zeon patch on it, and I patted it. And he was like, oh, and he's like, you know Zeon? I'm like, oh, yes, I know Zeon very well. Zeon. Yeah, and I told him that. And uh, and I was just like, dude, you make a great Char. He's like, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so that was, I, I got to meet, like, one of the guests dressed up as Char. Do you Do what? Do you get a picture? I did not get a picture. No, it was a quick. It was a quick thing. So they were like mm-hmm. in a rush somewhere. So it's like the mobile suit Gundam outfit, or no? It, yeah, he's dressed up as Char from Gundam. Like he just had the uniform on or whatever. I didn't see a helmet. I guess on. he pretty much looks the same in Char's kind of attack as he does in the mobile suit. Yeah, I think I might have found a photo of the guy, like either on Instagram and um, I, I think I, I think I might have found him online. But if I do, hmm. I'll, I can definitely use that for show notes. Yeah. Um, no, what was interesting was like one of the guests there. It's like. Um, Rachel and June, they're like YouTube celebrities, and they've been to this is like their third year at Animazement, where they basically like live in Japan and YouTube their experience in Japan. Nice. And I go through the the autograph line. I think it was like you know Saturday when I was going to see. Um, it was either Friday or Saturday, and there's people lined up to get an autograph with them. And I'm like, they're YouTube celebrities. They, they're not. They don't do anything. They don't do anything for the industry, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and I'm like, th- that's just fascinating that people like f- are so fascinated by this this YouTube couple, and you know they have like a long autograph line compared to like people that've been in the industry for 30 years, like Toshi and and Trish, which is kind of sad. But it yeah, is what it is. More people know about YouTubers than about that people who actually work on anime. That's 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's basically kind of the nature of the beast, which is, it's the tr- sad truth, but it is the truth. Um, so we're at an hour and a half right now. That's kind of all I got to say for Animazement. Um, okay. what do we have for closing remarks? Um, I mean, we kind of peppered some current events in, like, throughout the thing, like, we mentioned the Starbucks thing, and the, yeah. uh, Boy Scouts thing was mentioned briefly. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, really, the, hell like, doesn't exist anymore, according to the Pope. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's news. <laughs> well, no, like the the Pope said, like God loves gays or something, and I'm like, um, he said God made gay people that way specifically to a gay person that became gay because they were molested by a priest. So it's kind of like God is telling us to molest you. It's like that, almost how it came across, which was kind of weird thing to say. Yeah, that, that no, that's effed up and it's not biblical or biblically backed it up. So the Pope, the Pope Francis is a piece of worthless shit, so... I feel like he's going to be removed, because he, it happens like every... He's got to be. Every week he says something, like, totally outlandishly politically correct. Like, he's obviously just a communist infiltrator that's just trying to turn... Yeah, basically breaking up the Catholic into, Church, which shows just like... Just trying to turn the Vatican into just like a just an advocate for socialism and he's yeah. always sending out tweets saying like we need to ban all weapons or ban all carbon emissions or like all he does is advocate for just left-wing political positions and he didn't speak out at all about this uh, as far as I can tell about abortion being legalized in Ireland like that 
would have been something past Pope's would have been very active trying to not allow that to happen, but then he didn't do anything about that. And so I don't know how long they're going to let him stay as Pope. I mean, I guess the Catholic Church is too afraid to get rid of him, but it's it's a bizarre thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be... (laughs) <laughs> embarrassing to be well, a Catholic. At this well, point. yeah, like the, the Pope says, there's no such thing as hell, which really contradicts, like, uh, I believe it's like Revelation, like twenty or twenty-two, where it talks about God judges the damned or the people that went to hell. Um, if there's no hell, then God's got no one to, to judge. When uh, when once Revelation happens in the tribulation stage, so I, he, I think con- they, he contradicts like the afraid, Bible all the time. They're afraid, like, we're going to be seen as like mean or something like that if we. Uh, believe in sin or something like that because it, uh, oh, that's, that's the truth. That people could do anything wrong or, or something like that. Oh but the whole gosh. point of religion is to to have a social stigma around certain t- types of activity so that people can behave in a moral way because they feel like they can't do things that are wrong because then they'll go to hell. Like there, there's a social purpose for that. And that's why it's been, you know, people have believed in that sort of thing. And it's, it's been helpful for society that people have believed in morality but now yeah. it's like it's become totally gone from the Catholic Church now, and it's just a social activism thing for the left, and that's like all the church has become. Mm-hmm. Israel was a prosperous nation nation in the Old Testament because they had the stuff that's written about them in the Old Testament made them so prosperous because they were not pagan nations. They did things how God wanted them to, and they and they survived that way. And the only way they only failed was when they turned their backs on God constantly over and over again. And that's all documented in the Old Testament. And it's all right there. And even there's his, history to back that up, too. So, I, yeah, it's... I will say this, uh, since we're going on uh, religious tangents, um, about Jesse Duplantis saying him wanting his, wanting his prosperous Christian church and his followers to pay $54 million for him to get a new jet to help minister to people and reach out to people more which is utter blasphemous. And his comment about like, well, if Jesus came back and he lived in this time, he wouldn't be riding around in a donkey. He would be flying in a $54 million jet. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This Wait, is a, who said this? Jesse Duplantis is a televangelist. That yeah, ought to tell you something. Well, is he like John Hagee, that kind of Mike Murdoch, John Hagee, uh, Pat, uh, Pat Robertson, all those guys. Okay. This, what what channel is he on? Like, uh, probably TV, CBN or TBN TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. The the thing is, so this is the hypocrisy that I see, and I remember having some conversations about like churches and stuff, which I agreed with. Is he just trying to like justify his lavish lifestyle and say like yes. Jesus taking t- using his contributions from the members of people that gave him money to have a prosperous Christian life is used to spend on a jet for only him and like a few other people to help reach out to the world. Which is just just so blasphemous to me because here you know here I'm seeing this and it's like okay wait a sec didn't Jesus say it's easier for uh, a camel to be going through the thread of the needle than for a rich man to get into heaven or something yes, like that yes this is this is basically kind of like there's a, there's a lot of like I've been re- looking up a lot of things online like there's like a guy that um. There's a YouTube video of a guy that goes through all these these televangelists and their fake doctrines and like taking things from the Bible that only better for themselves, and he and this guy's like, nope, wrong, it's not biblical structure. They're they're false prophets. So Jesse Duplantis to me is is just a false prophet, another one. 
Um, here's here's the thing about that. So the thing is that when Jesus came into town riding on a donkey and came into town with people, he was around people, people that were not his inner circle. He was not his disciples. He went. His purpose is to reach out to everyone. So if that's his purpose, why in the heck would he want to have a private jet? Jesus would be flying coach with the rest of the people trying to minister to them on the plane, which is what Jesse DePlantis ought to be doing instead of riding on a private plane. He wants to reach out with followers. He says he's a Christian for Jesus. Ride on the plane with the other commoners and low-class people and reach out to Jesus that way because you just F you, man. That, that pisses kind of, me off. It kind of reminds me of the uh, people who preach about global warming like Al Gore. Then they have their own private plane that they fly around the world in. Yeah, all these it, it's, uh, conferences it's such where they talk about people yeah, need to reduce is, carbon emissions. Yeah, this is such hypocrisy right here. Like, it's it's proven right there. Like, and they're trying to like have this cash cow thing. And the thing is, Jesse Planis is going to get his money to get his private jet, which is like his number fourth one, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> they, yes. Why do you need more than one? Like, why do you even need one? Because it wasn't holy enough. I don't effing know, John. I'm not rich from televangelist money. I don't have a I mean, clue about people, that stuff. Just, a lot of them, they just are doing it for the money, of course. Yes. They don't believe in it. Yeah. They, you they preach that guy what that people want to, to hear. A, turned out to be a homosexual or something that was, I think he was in Colorado. Uh, I forget which one it was, but oh. Pastor, um, he was one of the big ones. It was like 10 years ago or something. Maybe. Um, I... I don't I'm an interesting gay pastor here. I'm sure that there's like a, a big televangelist that uh, that got in trouble for Ted Haggard. Oh yes, the name yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah, I remember. Um, what was it? We we're going through like storage a couple of years ago, and, and like my parents bought like all the this Mike Mardock stuff and like a prosperous life or whatever. And, like, my dad pulled up, like, this 20 cassette series by Mike Murdoch, looked at it and goes, Mike Murdoch, that goes in the trash. Like, not even a thought. He's like, I'm not keeping this pile of crap. Like, heck no. So, <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, no, these people are not humble in what they do. It, it's, you know, like, you got, like, I think there's, like, a mega church at Elevation out of Charlotte. And there was a controversy about, like, the pastor of that church owns, like, this million dollar home out in Charlotte with all these other rich people and you know people are like aren't you supposed to be giving to the poor isn't that what Jesus would want you to do which is exactly what Jesus did preached about it helping others it's being selfless you know not selfish and they completely spit in the eye of that and I, I mean I don't, I'm not saying like it's you know you don't want to go totally like if you're a Christian and go homeless or whatever like give everything away but you know, there's sort of a balance there where, like, you have to have, like, you know, like, live humbly at least. Like, live within your means. And, you know, people get, like, they get all this money in and they just go crazy. Like, it's not going towards missions. And if it did, a lot of these problems would be solved. I mean, like, money, money pays for a lot of problems to be solved. I mean, that's kind of how it is. I just went to Mike Murdoch's Wikipedia page. It mentions he spends a legal minimum of 1% to 3% on uh, helping the needy or any other public interest from the money that he raises in his church. And the rest of it was all spent on his salary. I I know Josh like my uh, Josh and I had a conversation about this um, <clears throat> when I saw him uh, Thursday, which he was just like he told me about the Baptist church like he used to go to, and I know the Baptist church because like I knew of it before they had this big building built, but they keep adding more buildings to that, and he's just like I don't understand why churches need to spend all this money on buildings that are going to sit empty throughout the rest of the week and they're only full one day a week. 
when that money could be allocated and better spent on reaching out to kids, like, you know, houses that should be built in Syria and rebuilding that country and reaching out to the needy for that. And I said, you're exactly right. I have an issue with that too. I can't, I can't answer why, why it's because you have elders in the church and they think that's, or the pastor or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's wrong. I understand. I agree to that, Josh. Like, but yeah, it should be, yeah, like you want to build a building if your congregation is growing, not just to build it to make yourself look better. You, I can't answer the question on why, like if, you know, if these buildings are being, like if they're being built and they're used every single day, either as a, like after school program or like a rehab center or just for people to get together and then and, and have Bible studies every single night uh, with different groups or whatever, that's fine because at least the building's being used. But, you know, just to have it sit empty, the whole parking lot empty for the entire week, except on freaking Sunday, that's where, you, yeah, that's where you got to take some issues with that. And I, I, I agree with that. So, you know, it, but I can't answer for the heart of the people that actually work on that. I don't know what their intentions are. You're just kind of looking at, you look at the, how massive the world is, and there's this, you know, this faith of people that are supposed to be out to help serve others, and they show more of them serving themselves. And I guess I am part, I am part of that Christian community, but even I admit to those, I see those problems, and like, I don't want to end up like that. So what well, not you to. leaving your church or the leadership oh, of it or whatever I, happened? I just felt like it's time to move on. That's all I can really say. So it's it's I've started to see things about it um, that I'm not entirely agreeing with, and I just feel like something's just kind of off being there. And I started checking out of the church in Greenville, and I feel like that's kind of where I feel like I need to be or God wants me to be at. So that's that's kind of my interest point right there. So you found another one, or yeah, yeah. I I haven't like, like I was still like my like my thing was I was going to stick out to the end of the school year, which was last night, at the youth ministry I've been part of for almost four years, and the youth pastor there was like, you know, hey, like I was like, because I told him a couple months ago I wanted to step down, and he was just like, you know, I I think you should stay until the end of the semester, you know, like make sure we get this transition thing going. I was like, you know, you're right, I. Because we've had yeah. a lot of people that, that join up with the youth ministry and they flake out after a few months and they don't say anything, they just disappear. Um, and I was like, no, that is not me. I'm I'm very committed to this. And I had like, mm-hmm. I had one guy that I used to actually like. He was in my class. He was my in my my first year there, and he was just like, dude, I commend you for sticking as long as you did. And with all I've seen, all these other people flake out and leave. He's like that. I, I give you I give you mad credit and mad, mad props for that. And I was like, you know, thank you, Drew. Um. But I had like a, you know, people pray over me and this other guy that we were leaving together and his wife, uh, cause they're stepping down, whereas for me, I'm entirely done with that church. Um, <clears throat> but afterwards, like the pe- I had people like come up and like, you know, my, especially my youth students that were there, they were like, dude, we're gonna miss you. And I was just like, hey, you know, keep in contact with me. Like, you know, like if you ever need anything, let me know. Because like I'm, I was, the, I'm there for that four years, not for anybody else, but to serve those kids. And my actions show that. And that's, that's how it is. That's how it should be. So, and I've, the people that didn't stay there long were only there for friends or like, you kind of know the reason why they, they were there and they didn't last long. So there you go. You remember Vimon Josh was talking about, he had like some scandal at his church where uh, his mm-hmm. pastor had to step down because there was a secretary that was going to come forward with a me too accusation against him. And yeah, that's, that's said, crap. Yeah. And he was saying he didn't believe it was real and that it was, there's like some sort of division in the church over people that didn't like this pastor and that they were kind of weaponizing the me too thing against, uh, against him because 
you can yeah. just have your career destroyed immediately with no evidence now. Yeah, and uh, Me Too exists in the um, in the church circles. Like it's, I mean, the church is just becoming more feminist, and they're not. Yeah, feminism and the Bible do not mix. They will never mix. If you actually look at the scripture, and in terms of dare I say gender roles, they are there. God designed them that way. Only, of course, if you believe in, there is a God that made them that way. The the what the way the way that feminism is being preached now and, and being told, it will not and never will be aligned with what the Bible says. There's no way. And but there's all these <clears throat> there's all these like pastors and leaders out there that are trying to get feminism ideas into the Bible, and it does not work. It can never work. And I've been looking. I mean, I mean, I've been researching this stuff for like months. And it's just like the more I really like diving into the scripture, because really it's based on like if you believe, you know, like I believe in what the scripture says, it's there for a reason. And that's part of my faith. That's my foundation. And the world has no, you know, the world's viewpoint does not, will, will and never will agree with that. And so that's well, my stance on it. That the, that the Bible was not used as the reason for feminism. No, it, it, about, it can't. Right? It, there's no way it, it can't. Was, it was be designed to be in conflict with religion, you know. It, yes. It, like the the whole ideology of it is contrary yeah, well, to what people had believed for thousands of years, based on the clear text of the Bible. Yeah, I mean, even the Bible mentions about like the laws that the, the, the priest had, and even Jesus went against those because it's it's going it's contradicting like the Old Testament, and or at least like the Ten Commandments or whatever. And then like all these priests come up with all these laws to just burden people more. And Jesus is like, no, that like. You know, you. There's no point of that law when I am the why I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, is that why people, uh, you know, non-Jewish people, but Christians don't believe in, you know, you can't eat shellfish and that sort of thing. The strict regulations in the Old Testament, like yeah, I, it's I, no longer necessary because of Jesus. There's, in terms of the Old Testament, like there's there's Christians that like I think a lot of them just like oh that's old school Jesus like that Jesus is there to. Once Jesus came, that Old Testament stuff doesn't count anymore, and that's not necessarily true. Like Jesus is there to fulfill Old Testament things, and he brings that up in the New Testament. But a lot of that's been sort of twisted into the wrong means by the Protestant Reformation, by other church members. Yeah, and and a lot of I think now people are really looking into the Word and being like, okay, this is what it really says. We've been taught wrong for many years, and this needs to be corrected. And people are speaking out against this, which they're going to be targets by people that are liberal feminist or Christian Christian feminist, which. I know a few people like that, and I want nothing to do with them. And it, it's sad. Like, it's like you know, th this is. A, do you believe what, how God made us? Do you believe what the Bible says? Well, if you do, your feminist ideas cannot match up with this. If this is what you say is true, so. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned the Protestant Reformation because it seemed like that, that was trying to uh, get away from some of the corruption of the Catholic Church well, that that's been going too, on with the selling of remittances and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, was, but and then Martin of, Luther had written up the grievances about that. Yeah, but some of that stuff sort of sneaked in, if not has, has reared its head again. Um, especially like human sexuality. Like, I'm, the church has done a terrible job teaching about like human sexuality when it's all right there in the Bible and like they condemn like male masculinity, masculinity and, or, and male desires for sex as like an evil thing, whereas women, it's they're perfectly health, you know, fine. And, and and that's not true at all. And that's some stuff that I've been taught wrong for years. And I'm now like, Oh my gosh, I know the truth. Like I, my eyes have just been open. I'm like, wow. Like I, I need to like, you know, tell other people about this and like, you know, show them and that, you know, whatnot. So is, is that really true that they teach against 
male heterosexuality now or, or that sort of thing? It's in, more of in, like in mainstream it's more, churches. It's more like oh, like if you're attracted to a woman, that's lust, and that's not true. Because like, well, that's why people were designed to have yes, impulses like that. That's to be that's a God given nature to have sexual impulses. Lust is when you covet something that's not yours, and which is in the form of theft. So it's not wrong or lustful for you to find a lingerie model beautiful because that's how men are designed to look at women because the Bible talks about female beauty all the time and describes it in great detail and compares it to other beautiful things. And your sexual nature from that is good. It's only sinful sinful if you find a way that you want to take that person and have sex with them outside of marriage, whether they're married or not. So Yeah, I feel like they tried to kind of stigmatize it as a way to... Uh prevent people from going overboard with it and uh yeah but there's no there's doing it with everything that they see you know yeah and there there's no yeah there's no there's no biblical line that like you know like yeah there's there's like the stuff that they try to teach or you know push on kids and like make them feel bad for like you know being attractive to women it's not biblically backed up at all like that's and it's the biblical back, backing that up is like it's good for you to find women attractive and sexually arouse, arousing to you, you know, if you're a guy. Um, and the same for women, how they feel for men too. So it's all like laid out there in the Bible. If people sit down and read it, and the church actually preaches on it. So, <laughs> uh, once again, this is another episode where I go into rel- religious and Christian rhetoric. Um, even though I always said that, like, you know, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't involve my beliefs in this podcast. Well, eventually that stuff leaks out, so. Uh, yeah, I mean. I but this like is closing remarks. Always... This is this is the wild west of whatever we want to talk about. So <laughs> this just comes right. to the territory. So this is, I, yeah, I, this is the stuff I've been looking into for, like, months now that, like, I'm glad, like, I know what I know now. And I, like, there's peace on that. And that's how, how it should be. But anyways, yes, so I think it's ridiculous that Jesse Duplantis needs a $54 million jet to minister to people. When he has what, enough, what is, he has he can use that money to allocate to buy that? more plane tickets. What's up? Where's he even going with that? Like to Africa or something? Or? Yes, that's his, his thing is like, oh, we can take more trips to Africa. And I'm like, you're using $54 million. You could just pay the airline company and, you know, like... I, I guess it's for them to bring, bring like you know, just just buy tickets. Everyone's gonna get there the same. Like no, like that's that's lavish. That's that's not biblical at all. It's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh so that's 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 my rant there in closing remarks. So, and none of this is gonna be edited out. So. Just suck it up. <laughs> um. So, what happened with that Santa Fe shooting? Because I remember hearing about it, and I haven't really dove into any details about that. Um. Yeah, I didn't actually look into it that much either. It, it, it gets tiresome. There's one of these things all the time. Yeah. And, uh, it, I think they were blaming it on the incels again. Have you heard of the incels? No. Explain this to me involuntary celibate it somehow became combined with to become incel. And this is some excuse that people who are virgins, they've come up with this term to refer to themselves. And they're saying like, oh, uh, we're being spurned by women because they just want attractive men. 
and it's unfair to us because we were born unattractive, and so we've formed a movement to complain about it on Reddit or something. But then they got banned on there, and so they've had to like go to other places. And then like there have been several of these things where there was like one in I think Santa Barbara by somebody that was an incel, and then there was one in Toronto, and then. Okay. Now, now this new guy, they're saying like he did it because some girl turned him down. And so then he was so angry about how he couldn't get a girlfriend that he, uh, went and shot up to school. But I feel like they're, it's kind of ridiculous. Like this is just like sexual frustration from failed men. Like this is something that's always been a thing. And they're trying to turn it into this like devious new movement that uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it really is a movement or if it's just, just individual loser virgins acting out like this it's happened. It's the latter, history. yeah. Well, there was an incident a few years ago where like a guy shot up some girls like outside of like San Bernardino or something, and it was a kid that like he couldn't get a girlfriend either. But when you look at him, he wasn't ugly. I don't think he was. I think he was a pretty good looking. I mean, from a guy's perspective, I was like, he, you know, he looks pretty good. I mean, like, I think a girl like there's a girl out there for him. I mean, I'm not the ugliest guy in the world either, but like, I don't have women flocking to me, and you know. Like, I love that, but it's not, not, you know, how it is. And maybe that's actually probably a good thing. Cause then I'm out with the wrong girl. So there's always, there's somebody out there for somebody. And so these ugly guys that are like, think that they put down themselves and get themselves down and being ugly. Like either you better yourself to make yourself attractive to women or at least desirable by the attractive ones, or you date the lowest self-esteem women cause they're desperate to take anybody. So either way, you're going to wound up with someone. Just because you didn't get the girl you wanted, that that's that that's selection. That's that that that's normal. Like there's girls that I won't go out with, and there's girls that won't go out with me. Yeah, I don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. And you know what? Fine. That they're probably crazy enough. So maybe that's a good thing they don't want to go out with me. I mean, it's this entitled attitude that they're supposed to have everything they want. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's 100% like why it happened. That was just either. one report that I saw. Yeah. But uh, now I'm on the Wikipedia page for the shooting, and it mentions that he had some uh, note that he had written down that said, Hammer and sickle equals rebellion. Rising sun equals kamikaze tactics. Iron cross equals bravery. Baphomet equals evil. Cthulhu equals power. So, I mean, he, he's probably just a crazy guy who happened to ask out a yes. girl and then got rejected. And then he was angry and then he shut it up. I mean, the, the, the people always try to find some sort of like systemic movement that they can denounce. Mm-hmm. And so now there's like all these charges of like, should you be allowed to employ incels? Like this was in some sort of article. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you know someone to... is this incel or whatever the hell? Like, how, how are you going to know that? Like, yeah, it's like, are you going to be like asking about every employee you have sex life? And like, if they're a loser, then you fire don't them. hire them. Like that's that other freaking piss. Yeah. This yeah, is, this is getting way strange. too personal and like people's like sexual orientation and like, no, like if you can't like, man, that that's way too personal. Like, yeah, come on. I mean, it, it I don't even, like, I don't see how it helps this whole movement to just fire anybody who is a part of some something that you don't like, that you have to just destroy their lives. Do you think that's going to make things better to to, yes. just, to just destroy people 
that like like this whole thing with Roseanne is going oh, on now. Oh boy, yeah. So uh, breaking news, her entire career. Yeah, breaking news. Roseanne's number one hit, the cash cow for ABC, is canceled because Roseanne said um, somebody looked like a monkey. Which basically, I thought evolutionists were like, oh, we're all we all we're all from monkeys. And then Roseanne makes a comment towards that. That someone does look like a monkey from Planet of the Apes, and then she gets her show entirely canceled. However, you get freaking that cunt, Samantha B, that calls Ivanka a cunt, and she still gets to keep her show. What the heck is up with that? Yeah, she, she's she says that she thought that uh, Valerie Jarrett was white or Saudi or Iranian or Jewish. These are all different explanations she's given. Yeah. So I don't know what she was actually thinking, <laughs> but uh, uh, this was the person that she insulted. And then now she says, what I meant is she is like the character in the movie who controls human beings, prevents their uprising. I'm still sorry to have offended my black fans, even if I misunderstood tweet. And I was impaired with Ambien, tweeting at 2 a.m. with bad jokes. I do not forgive myself, though. So, so she said, uh, Valerie Jarrett equals M- Muslim Brotherhood meets Planet of the Apes. Uh, because Valerie Jarrett is this Obama advisor who... Is black apparently. I didn't know this. I've known about this one for a long time because she was always, you know, on TV defending Obama. She doesn't look black at all. Apparently, her mother no. is a quarter black or something like that. I mean, um, partially, yeah. I, I mean, based on the <laughs> images I saw, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I don't but it care. said like she has like French and Jewish and uh, Scottish and all these different ancestries. If you look at her Wikipedia page, they have like a list of all the different. Like she's very mixed race, very cosmopolitan, um, and uh, so it, you wouldn't think it, partially Native American. It says as well. Uh, so it says she's forty nine percent European, forty six percent African, five percent Native American. So she's actually more white than black, but um, and she doesn't look black at all. She's the lightest skin that I've ever seen. And, and Roseanne says she didn't know, and that this was a some sort of comment about the ideology of the Planet of the Apes, because if, if you look at the, the actual Planet of the Apes movie, like, that's the what human beings de- devolved back into, like, tribalism and dehumanizing one another, so they have, like, the apes that are hunting down the remaining humans yeah. and treating them as less than human, so that's kind of, like, what human beings are descending into as we speak, you know, people have fallen into this trap of identity politics of, like, white nationalism, black nationalism, all these terrible ideologies of, yeah. like, only our group matters, only our lives matter, not all lives matter. Which We're doing this for the better slogan. humanity by saying that our, our race is better than yours, but everyone else is a racist. Is like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, like, this isn't helping to just be constantly trying to pick fights over misinterpreting things. And I get how people misinterpreted this tweet, because it's an idiotic tweet, and Roseanne is like, crazy so i i mean there you go and she didn't even try to explain what she meant by the eight part until like 10 (laughs) minutes ago and so it was just out there for a couple days and everybody was interpreting it as racist and you know maybe maybe this is just like a bs cover story i don't know but uh like the point is that somebody's career can be ruined now by a tweet and what is the result? Is this bettering things for the black community? Because there were a bunch of black people that worked on the show, like writers, actors, uh, all sorts of black people that lost their jobs because ABC canceled the show. They were making money on it. Now they're not. 
Yeah, now they're so back to, to being nothing. Yeah, and that's just what I don't get is this whole concept of, like, you just have to destroy people and then they'll make everything better. You know, I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, this whole kind of lynch mob mentality is really in any way helpful. No, lynch mobs are never meant to be helpful, no matter who's, no matter who's behind it or what their motives are. Right, and there was this incident, um, some white person was lynched in Peru, I think it was, and it was on Twitter moments. You hit a sense of what like the elite want you to believe by looking at Twitter moments. Yeah. And it was all people cheering it, saying, like, well, he must have been up to something shady. He probably had it coming. And, like, that's something that we shouldn't be doing lynch mobs against blacks. We shouldn't be doing it against whites. We shouldn't be doing lynch mobs against anybody. We should have a due process. You know, that's that's what our whole legal tradition is based on, is yeah. innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And nobody gives anybody the benefit of the doubt anymore. They're just looking to destroy one another and cause fights and it's it's not helpful, you know, at all. That's all Trump, it's all Trump's out. fault because he got an office. Right. They just say, Oh Trump showed up, now everybody's racist and yeah. <laughs> that's the way the media portrays the situation. Good but, <laughs> yeah. And and Valerie Jarrett, she had been uh defending Louis Farrakhan on T V because there was you know, the Women's March embraced Louis Farrakhan, and uh, Louis Farrakhan is anti-Semitic. He says that Hitler did nothing wrong, and the Jews are at the root of all evil, and that they need to be wiped out and all this stuff. And he's, oh my God. he's been meeting with, uh, with Obama and with Keith Ellison and literally dozens of members of the Congressional Black Caucus, and they, they wouldn't denounce him, like... There was one, I think, in Illinois. They like tried to get him like five times or something, and eventually he finally said, "Like, okay, I don't agree with him on the Jews, but otherwise, you know, I'm with him, and I think he's great, and I'm gonna keep meeting him." And so, you have somebody who's a black nationalist, who's anti-Semitic, who's Islamist, and it's understandable that Roseanne would be upset that Valerie Jarrett is defending this person, who. If he were white, everybody would consider him to be, you know, to the right of Richard Spencer. Yeah. Like, because he's a literal Nazi, except for he's black, so it's okay. I mean, it's not okay. He's a horrible guy, just like Richard Spencer's a horrible guy. I mean, black nationalism and white nationalism, the extremes of both are, are Nazi, and so we should denounce Nazis. Like, is that really a controversial opinion? to say that the Nazis are, are bringing us to a, a Planet of the Apes type situation where everybody is grouped into tribes and are attacking each other based on race and religion. And that's that's a terrible situation to be in. Yeah. And so I don't see it as really that that bad to be against that. But somehow, you know, we had uh, the, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, which did this Starbucks training, uh, they they were being attacked by the Women's March because they had denounced uh, Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan for being anti-Semitic, and uh, and the the Women's March was saying like, oh, you're attacking black people, that's racist. But the, like they said, ADL is like a Jewish group that is defending Jewish rights, and so 
what do you think they're going to do? They're going to say like, well, yeah, that's actually a pretty good point he has there about how all the Jews need to be wiped out. I mean, of course they're against Louis Farrakhan. Like, why should they only be against white anti-Semitism? Isn't anti-Semitism bad if it comes from black people too? It's all, they're all eating from each other trying to see who, who's the best person. And it's just a, it's a bloodbath and it's now starting or it's been going on for a while, but it's just getting, they're eating, taking more bigger, bigger chunks out of each other. And and all I can say is don't get caught up. Like we're looking at this, we're looking at this from the outside and we're just like, all these, all these people are, are crazy. And it's like, you know, like if you don't take a side or something, like you're, you're, you're the worst person ever. It's like, no, you (laughs) being involved makes you even worse. If you don't yeah, know exactly how to person's... go, like if you don't know how to look at this the right way, and, and most people don't, you throw one person to the sharks, and they get a taste for human flesh, and there's a feeding frenzy, and that's what's happening right now. They threw Roseanne, and and she's getting eaten alive, and mm-hmm. now they're coming for Bill Maher, and they're coming for Samantha Bee, and they're coming for Trevor Noah, and they're coming for Keith Olbermann, and so all these liberals that have made off-color comments now they're getting boycotts and. The result is free speech is being eliminated, and everybody's everybody's thoughts are being scrutinized to an insane degree. And you've got this this thing going on with uh, Joy Reid, where they dug up a tweet from well, not a tweet, a blog post from her from like 2006, and they've been doing this for months, where they're trying to get her fired from MSNBC based on things she said literally a dozen years ago. Yeah, and and it's like okay, they. You can never forgive and forget. You can never move on from anything. That's like, the, that's the problem right there. You cannot. They cannot forgive and for. Well, you can't forget, but this the problem is they can't forgive. And I mean, people would have forgotten in any era except the way back machine. And you can scroll through her blog. People yeah. have been doing this compulsively for months, looking for things, trying to destroy her. It's very unfair and. She doesn't even remember saying these things. So she came up with this uh, crack-brained concept that the Russian hackers went into the Wayback Machine oh and altered her posts to make her seem homophobic because she's taking a strong stance against Donald Trump's collusion with Russia. And so, look, I think she's insane, but she has a right to be insane. There's an audience for insanity on MSNBC. Like, her Russia conspiracy theories get millions of people watching because millions of people believe in that crap. Yeah. And I think it's all stupid. But, I mean, she had, that's a free market, right? I mean, people believe in her, her shit. And so, yeah. they, they, sho- they shovel it down their throats, whatever. Let them do it. It's freedom. You know, that's what America is. It's they they have, they have their platform of MSNBC the same way people have their platform for CNN, Fox News, um, you know, CBS News or whatever, whether CBS is kind of all the same, but I think CBS is trying to be like more neutral, but they're definitely more leaning towards left. I mean, I watch it every single day, pretty much, to get like current events and stuff. But yeah, it's yeah, it is a feeding frenzy, and you know, I just and it's just I guess it surprises me that the people that are on social media like take these stances, thinking they're doing the right thing, and they just seem like they're just saying like, do you do you not know what you say? And it's it's sad, and I just hope like one day they just wake up and realize like this doesn't mean anything. Like my like my life is worth more than just me getting on Twitter and ranting about how I think I'm right and saying this one thing like it's going to change the world or whatever. Like it's 
you're just adding more flame to the fire. Like, you know, we're preaching the same rhetoric that's just only only getting people to destroy itself where you have no basis or definition of actually what you're trying to say. Like, well, what do you mean by it when you say that? Well, I don't know. I just know it's... I say it because... Just because. And it's... Yeah, it's... I, I found some... I find things that, like, you know, I, I know from people and, you know, I meet them in person. They're great. And then, you know, they go on social media. It's like, dude, like, you know, what the hell happened to you today? Like, why are you so pissed off? Like, <laughs> so... Yeah, people go into this hive mind of yeah. the constant hysteria of freaking out about stupid shit and acting like it's the end of the world if somebody says something that they don't agree with and then they have to, you know, completely annihilate that person and organize a boycott and uh, just... I, I think it's gotten very out of control and it's it's not a one-way street as we're seeing with the yeah. Samantha B thing. She's gotten two sponsors pulled out already. And, uh, you know, what she said was, was terrible about Ivanka. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of people who hate Trump who think that what she said was okay. Uh, you know, I think it's it's really mean to target the president's daughter like that. So. No, yeah, I think the the biggest rule, like that line is don't go after your president's kids. Like, I mean, unless they I mean, really screw when, up. But I like, remember when, uh, when Rush Limbaugh in the 90s, he said... Uh, like oh why uh, why are uh, Hillary and the Bill getting a a dog when uh, we've already got Chelsea Clinton and yeah. that was considered for like decades they kept bringing that up as like proof that he's like Satan incarnate but then you have Samantha B doing something that's even more vulgar by far you can say cunt now on television I don't I didn't even know it but apparently you can I, I guess she's on basic TV so the FCC can't do anything. Well, I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's, like, late at night. If it's past 10 o'clock, it's in the um, the safe viewing rules for, for adults or whatever, so. Um, well, she's on she's on TBS, and uh, I'm not sure well, what no, the no, time no, slot is, no, but that I thought she was actually on in the afternoon. No, no, that 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 doesn't affect TBS. It's, it's main, like, those television laws um, or safety guidelines for, like, what can be said or what can be programmed, like, that's all for, like, basic TV. Like, TBS is... Shouldn't I don't think it's part of that, but they still have a, they go by the late night programming um, rule or the safe the safe safe zone area or whatever. Um, so after ten o'clock, she's it's it's open to whatever she wants to say. So it's like you know because kids aren't going to be able to, to watch that show. But all I can, all I can really say about that is uh, you know what, let it be, Samantha B. Ayo. Yeah, Samantha B. It airs at ten thirty, but still, I mean. Yeah. If you're on the West Coast or something with satellite, that's on at 7.30. You know, do you want kids seeing, like, someone calling the president's daughter a cunt? And, and the thing is, she did it for, like, I don't even understand why she did it. There's, there's this totally fake hysteria about the it's supposed the, 1,500 for, kids that went missing. Yeah, but that, and then and then she posted up a picture totally of her daughter fake. on social media. Like, yeah. yeah. It, there, was no, there was no reason to call to, to say that at all. Yeah, the kids that's why they were I, that's, settled with foster families, so that's the, now they're considered to be missing because they don't want to talk to ICE or Border Patrol or whatever because they're afraid of getting deported because some of them yeah. are illegal. But whatever, I mean, they, they totally twisted it and they came up with these photos from like 2014 under Obama when all these unaccompanied minors were being sent by their irresponsible parents to the border and just with the intention of them being resettled into America. I mean, what kind of parent does that, that they're going to send their kid to another country? I know they think that they're giving the kid a better life, but 
don't you care about your kid? Don't you want to be with your kid to just send them there and then hope that it works out? I mean, they're being sent there by human smugglers through the desert. A lot of them probably ended up dying. I mean, the left glamorizes illegal immigration, but it's a dangerous, terrible thing. And Mm -hmm. it's very, very risky to just have a a policy of like no enforcement at all against Mm -hmm. illegal immigration. And if you have people running now in the Democratic Party, major Senate candidates, House candidates on abolishing ICE and Border Patrol and having a completely open border system, if you do that, you're going to end up with constant terrorist attacks. You're going to end up with your country being overrun by MS-13. It's a problem. Well, I mean, what also doesn't get covered is the fact that there's all these stories that I've I've heard about is... um... You know these uh these coyotes like you know they, these people pay these coyotes they get them over the border, and what they do is they basically collect the money and don't do anything with them. They'll set a trailer out in the middle of the desert and let them starve to death in the trailer and die off. And yeah, and then so then they never make it. And you and a lot of them there's a number of those that do that. And <laughs> I mean not all of them are going to be honest coyotes, and you have to figure out which. It's it's a dangerous game, and it's not trustworthy at all. It's not a solid system whatsoever. And yeah, that's terrible that they have to, you know, you know, that's what it takes to, you know, take a chance to try to get a better life in America and hopefully not get deported for that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 all screwed up, man. So, uh, but yeah, that's 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 the stuff that they won't put on the news unless there's a, a need to put it on there or something. So it's. It's whatever. They don't like to talk about it. I remember no. when Jen Brewer, um, the governor of Arizona, back in 2010, she was talking about some of the dangers of illegal immigration, and uh, she was talking about like headless bodies that were found by Arizona police in the mm-hmm. desert um, that were killed by illegal immigrants or something like that. And the media went nuts about it. They were like, where's the proof? And it's racist to say that and stuff like that. And well, like, maybe she knows something that you don't. She's the governor of a state. Yeah, maybe there, there's a reason why she's not showing things, because it's like, holy crap, people don't need to see this. Like, this is, yeah. Yeah, it's I for, mean... Yeah, the protection of the of the general populace. But Yeah, and, and if they, what if they think it was going to be on the news, they were going to show it. But, anyway, it... There's a lot of problems in the world, because we we covered a lot of them. Yeah, we talk about every time we had closing remarks. (laughs) We haven't been able to figure out how to solve all the world's problems, but um, I don't think this podcast is going to achieve. No, we're not. We can't. We don't think there's. We don't know how to achieve that yet. I don't think we're ever going to get to that state of enlightenment. (laughs) No. Uh, Maybe we should just like say positive things and be happy and or fake fake it fake nice. A lot of other podcasts do that, and they seem to be more successful instead of being the hard bearers of truth and justice. And talk about things the other podcasts won't. That's us. That's where we come in. Yeah. Well, if you want to be positive, at least there's anime convention. Yeah, the positive thing happened at the anime convention. Now this is this whole segment wasn't. So the, 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 you came into this at your own risk. <laughs> and that's our closing remarks. Yeah. I... Yeah, I got nothing else to add. I got to get to bed soon because I got work tomorrow. I'm supposed to be going kayaking this weekend, but there's all these flood warnings and crap around the south, so I doubt that's going to happen, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's 
going to be another podcast soon on Han Solo and Deadpool. Yes, and, and then we got uh, E3 coming. E3. I've been looking forward to E3. Um, yeah. yeah, I have no uh, idea. Let's... There's a rumor that the PS5 is going to be announced because Sony said something about the PS4 is nearing the end of its life cycle. I just bought my PS4 last year. It's still good. I don't... Yeah, it's... You know, you spend all this money... It's probably a while before it actually comes out. Yeah, like, I finally... Like, I wait till I get a system for a game that I want to... That, you know, there's games for it I want to play. And, you know, now it's like, oh, well, the PS4 is at the end of its life cycle. We don't need it anymore. And it's just like, you can still develop on it. Like, you know, they make these systems, and they never tackle its full potential before they have to put out something else. Um... I think there have still be PS4 games for years to come, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm still waiting for them to try to make an initial D for PS4, and I think it'll probably might happen. If not, they wait for an arcade port for PS5, which means, great, i got to go buy, get a PS5 just for the one game I want to play, and that's initial D. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I, I like my PS4. It's great. It's, you know, like, a limited run with Josh. He's giving me, like, all this content to play that even I got last year that I haven't been able to dive into. So, yeah, I have, I have plenty to go on for the PS4. Um. Yeah, I yeah, cause so apparently I looked at the 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 schedules. Like all the conferences start on Saturday to about Monday or Tuesday, so it always ends with Nintendo. And Saturday EA is starting, and then Sunday I think it's Microsoft, and then Monday is Sony. But then there's also like Devolver Digital. Well, it's the big ones. It's like EA's the big one, and then it's Microsoft, and then you got um. I think Square on Sunday, on, on Sunday or whatever, and then like Sony's always on Monday, and then Tuesday's Nintendo with their with their stuff, and then after that it's just kind of, you know, whatever. So, the yeah, call, be the like call of death is back. Uh, the call of hell is is rearing through my my speakers. Yeah, my that's headset. the bird saying. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, time is up. It's the Gong Show. So, like your birds, like. I'm, you know, you're making me depressed. Get off this con, John. Or this call. Uh, um, so yeah, stay tuned to whatever's gonna be coming up next. It might be the movie, it might be E3, or it might be a combination of both all at once. Who knows? Or mighty Orbots. Or this might come out in five months, and so the, the next episodes were already aired of what we just talked about months ago. You never know! <laughs> yeah. That's I agree that with that too, Mr. Bird. You're misgendering the bird. So it bird? Because I don't know what his gender is, so just it's, it's just it. It's, it's a female. Thing. Female. Mrs. Yeah. Bird. It's gonna sue you for misgendering. You're gonna have to pay it damages for uh, transphobia. Can I just give it a bag of bird seed and call it a day? <laughs> That'll do. Okay. Got we we got glad we got that agreement done. No lawyers in tech too, so we can we reached the settlement. <laughs> you know, it was funny on on Twitter earlier. Like someone brought up, uh, someone had a Digiview copy of Captain of Cosmos, that Korean anime that's like a Gundam knockoff. And so me and this oh. guy went into a conversation of like, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to add that to my collection of Digiview DVDs. And he's like, what do you got? And I'm like, well, I've got. Two copies of Space Thunder Kids, um, <laughs> Protectors of the Universe, Space Transformers, and if I can get Captain of Cosmos, that's kind of like my my pure collection of Digiview. And I'm like, crap, we that's need another to... thing to review. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we gotta 
turn this into the cool Koreans cartoons podcast. KKK is <laughs> coming back, baby. So we got we got to get on that. We've been we're talking about that like what two years already? Jeez. No more. Yeah, whenever I mentioned the first time, whenever Mason had uh, Ocean Paradise 2011, and I think that's been two years. We should put it out like the day that Trump meets with Kim or something, like it's a celebration of culture. Oh my gosh. All right, so we got we to gotta talk about Captain of Cosmos. Like, that's June 12th, dadgummit. We got, we got 12 days to do this. We got about two weeks. Okay, we got about two weeks. Um, yeah, we got to we got to set that up immediately as soon as he has that meeting. So today, like, or maybe the day after, like, this is the historic day of the Cool Koreans Cartoons podcast. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Send it to the Korean embassy as, like, a, a missive of goodwill. Yeah, from an, an from a, from an anime podcast by two, like, know-it-all gaijin fools that talk about American politics and religion and bash on it for an hour and a half, or an hour. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to go ahead and shut this down i got to get to bed Thank you for listening, whoever made it this long uh, Tune in next time for Whatever, because you never know and That's half the fun So, later guys Later took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we caught the bloody British in a town in New Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept a coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run on down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. We looked down a river and we see the British come and there must have been a hundred of them beating on the drum. They stepped so high Okay. All right, now cool. we're recording. Okay, cool. All right. So are we going to just do, like, a con review? I guess we could do, like, <laughs> now that Pop Team Epic is over, we could, like, talk about how shitty that is, but I don't think there's really much to say about that. Well, I haven't even seen the last episode of Pop Team Autistic, so I... There's nothing to spoil. I mean, <laughs> it's not like there's a story to that shit. Okay, alright, fine. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about the con and then we can do a mini, mini review of Pop Team Epic. There's probably more to say about, like, Fully Cooly 2 or something. It would be more interesting. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, let's just do the con. (laughs) Forget about that shit. Alright. So, this is, alright, to our listeners, whoever's listening to this, this is gonna be probably part two of our MegaCon return podcast where I just mix two con reviews into one because I hold off on my animation review for three or four months. Oh, I knew you were sitting on an episode of some sort. Well, it's that one and then our JoJo's episode, which I was going to work on this week. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's right, JoJo. And this, and this one sh- will be out sometime in the month of October, hopefully. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Maybe we'll get out JoJo before... Um... Part 5 starts airing in Japan. I think that's supposed to start pretty soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll but see. Part 4 has already been on Chinami for a month or so. Yeah, I think they're I think they're at episode, what, 4 or 5 at this point? Yeah, I think probably episode 5, I think, just aired. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, this is our 
this is the part two of our MegaCon review. Yeah, we're recording in late September. Yes, uh, I just got back from an amazement. Crap, I just hit a box, so but we're good. Mm. Um, I didn't even hear it. Oh, that's awesome. Good thing the mic didn't pick that up. So this is, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we already introduced what this podcast is, Anime of Yesteryear. I'm Dustin, you're John. Get that out of the way. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I went to Animasement this weekend, and my experience this year was a whole lot better than last year, um, basically because I had a, a, a group of people that I hung out with most of the time, and mm-hmm. I I had a whole lot of fun with that, and I can just kind of go day by day on how things went. Um, yeah, I saw you posting some uh, tweets about um, like the anime that you were watching last night, I guess Voltez V uh, dub, and... Yes. Stuff like that I was posting it in the chat. Uh, yeah, I can... Uh, let me go ahead and get into the loot that I got from the con. I can just go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, so, you had, like, a picture of it and stuff. Yeah, let me go... Let me pull up Twitter real quick and take a look at this. Yeah, I... I didn't use Twitter the whole weekend because I... You know, I'm so involved in, like, talking to the people or whatever. I just don't really care to just sit there and live tweet and take mm-hmm. photos of things. So then I wound up just checking out what Daryl Surratt posted and just went with that. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, I kind of... Yeah, you, you responded to some tweet by some guy who had gone to a con, and it must have been, like, his first con, because he was all uh, freaked out that there were, like, uh, tons of booths run by uh, homosexuals and transgender people and stuff like that, and uh, yeah. upset that the con had so many uh, left-wing panels and stuff. Which isn't surprising at all. No, uh, but he's probably, like... All, he, he probably only goes to, like, that anime news site that we found the other day, where it was, like, some oh. cat girl that's pro-Trump or something... That's probably, like, his interaction with the anime community up to now. And oh he's my. like, wait, there's gay fans of anime, too? I thought it was all just Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> that it is not. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, I'm pulling up the tweet right now. Uh, let's see, I'm looking at the photos. So the things that I got at the con, uh, let's see, I got a nice Initial D fan artwork at the top. I got that, I went to Artist, I got that from Artist Alley on Sunday, actually. I it was kind of... I finally went through Artist Alley, and it was mostly, you know, half-naked boys and half-naked women. I didn't... I, <laughs> I, there was more... There was actually way less, um, like, sort of homosexual fan art than I thought, or at least from what I saw at um, Animazement, at least. Like, most yeah. of it was the typical fan art of, like, you know, half-naked chicks and half-naked dudes. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, clearly there's a market for people to buy this stuff. And, you know, I'm just kind of right. like obviously checking it out. Um, <clears throat> but I got a couple things in the fan art area. But one of those was a guy that was that um, I bought an initial D print from. So I've got to get a frame for that um, from Hobby, or <laughs> Hobby Lobby tomorrow when I get a chance before I go to teach school tomorrow. Um I'm looking, and I found, uh, so I went to Ochaka Joe's and bought a few things from him. Like, uh, there's some sort of, like, SPT Lasner poster, uh, with a main character in that, so I definitely picked that up. I picked up some Laserdisc, uh, that's an OVA, and I have no idea what it is, but it was, like, 12 <laughs> bucks, so I was like, what the heck, I'll dive into it. You don't know what the, what the kanji says or whatever? Have you never heard well, of it? Well, the, the English title is Utsunomiko. I have I've never even heard of it. It was just like it just said original video animation. I was like, all right, what the heck? You know, it's it's not too bad. I'll tell you that. Um, well, there's a couple of interesting things. So I bought one vinyl from him, which was something that I saw last year, and uh, I got it in front of me right now. I can go ahead and read it off. It's uh, 
Karu Izawa syndrome, and I guess it's from some it's from from some anime. I I don't even know what it is, but when I originally flipped it over on the back, it was like they had it like you know it was like a insert card that they put on the back, and I think I know why. Um, <clears throat> but they had it flipped. I got it flipped now, so then it's not too lewd in my um <laughs> in my vinyl collection. But it was. I didn't even bother to check the back, but the back of it had a, basically like some sort of, I guess it was like a, maybe some voice actors for the anime, but like it was her topless. Okay. And I was like, okay, I picked up something with nudity. That's not the first <laughs> time, but without me checking things. So then I take it you out. Didn't realize it? No, I didn't realize it. I didn't think about looking the back of the vinyl. I just okay. picked it up. I was like, all right, I'm going to get this. This is the thing I want. And so then I take it out of the wrapping, and then one of the anime characters... Um, on the back of the actual vinyl is like a whole lot larger image of her being fully topless too. So, okay, I guess Otaku Joe covered the that back of the sheet with another sheet with a, with a smaller image of a naked chick. And I was yeah. just like, oh well, whatever. Um, it's from some company named Kitty Records, and maybe that's like I don't know if I got like a hentai album or something. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past me to pick up something stupid and and, and it'd be porn in some way, but whatever. <laughs> um, I have no idea what that sounds, but I'll definitely check it out. Um, let's see here. Are, are you going to play it during the recording? Like that stuff you got? Uh, no, the, the vine, no, I didn't, I'm not going to do that from last year because the vinyl player is, um, there's no way to hook it up to speakers that it's going to reach. So there's not going to be any audio this year. Okay. Uh, well, I looked up Utsuno Miko. It sounds like it's like a, Historical fantasy set in like the 762 in the Jinshin War. Okay. Which is, uh, like an ancient uh, Japanese war over who should replace Emperor Tenji, apparently. But it's like people with uh, powers. Uh, yeah, mystic powers. Kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Using samurai era. Yeah. Like that was kind of like the images on the back, too. It seemed very um, Japanese. Uh, Shogun era, so mm-hmm. I'll be curious to check that it's probably out. Probably cool, but yeah. there's a 13 episode OVA and a, a, two movies apparently. Maybe this is one of the movies, or maybe this is one of the episodes of the. OVA. I think I don't know. I'll find know. out. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things I found is uh, I found two mini discs from Victory Gundam. Uh, one is uh, Don't Stop Carry On, and the other one is Kicks S, which is a uh, tenderness. So, like, I'm usually one to pick up anything for Victory Gundam, so I found that in, like, these these bin of, like, these several mini-discs that Otaku Joe picked up. I also picked up a couple of uh, vinyl singles. One is from Giant Gorg, and the mm-hmm. other is a singer that did music for City Hunter, so I figured I'd, I'd check that out. Also, along with that, as I picked up four issues of old issues of Hobby Japan Magazine, uh, one of those being uh, Sci-Fi 3D, which is basically uh, this model kit magazine, and... There was a couple of articles written about Sci-Fi 3D from uh, Sean O'Mara from Zimmer.moe. So it's kind of cool that I got something like that to add to my collection. Uh, these are very small books, but I figured like I got them because one of them's got a... Um, I'll swipping through one of them. It's the it's like, like one dedicated to Gundam 0083. And there's a Nina resin figure on the front. And it's actually somebody who actually handmade a Nina, uh, Nina Purpleton resin figure. Because I was flipping through the images and it was just showing how the guy made it. Do what? 
uh, interesting that you know Purple Dune has fans like that where people would be buying that kind of figure. Well, I, I think at the time that makes sense, so then someone can dedicate making a, a really good uh, vinyl figure of her. But you know, now like no one, yeah. no one cares about Nina Purpleton. It seems like she's like hated because she's so fickle or whatever. You know, yeah, I think that's the most, uh, hated part of Double Eighty Three. Like everybody loves the animation. Everybody loves the. Uh, uh, you know the ba- the battles and all that kind of stuff, but then people don't like love plot and how she's she's yeah, into she, the she's a complete stuff. she's a complete bimbo. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how she screw over Ko and and, and Annabelle, like towards the end and trying to make throw in a, a half hazardly throw in a love triangle, but I mean that's we've how co- kind of miss. Yeah, I mean we've covered this in our double eighty three review that's in our archives. If anybody wants to check that out. Right. Um, I will say this: one of the unique buys that I bought is below my initial D image, is the first half of Gundam Z- Double Zeta, and I didn't get this from Otaku Joe. I got this from professional translator Neil Nadelman, because I wind up going back to the booth and I saw Neil there on Friday, and I hadn't seen him since last year. And I was like, "Oh, hey, Neil, what's going on?" And he's just like, "You know, oh, pretty good." And then he tells me how he's trying to, you know, go to tell or. Uh, basically trying to sell this uh, Laserdisc set to Taco Joe to get some money for it. And he whipped it out. I was like, hey, you know, let me take a look at it. And then I saw it, and then he was showing me that it's like six discs, so it covers the first half of the series. And the box is a little beat up. And I was like, all right, Neil, I might be curious. How much do you want for it? And he, he kind of thought and nodded and said, well, well, maybe like 40 bucks. And I was like, yeah, that's all right for me. So I, I handed him 40 bucks in cash there on the spot. And that was like the last of the things. Bird, shut up! Birdman, shut up! <laughs> um, and then so yeah, so basically, with the, the story with that is that Neil was uh, they have a, a sale like a garage sale on Thursdays called the Super Happy Fun Sale where people bring in whatever and try to off it off. So Neil brought in like pretty much a, a large amount of his vinyl collection, from what I understood, and. So that was like the thing that was remaining that he was trying to get rid of, and so then I wound up buying it from him to add to my Laserdisc collection. So that's yeah. so I'll definitely be able to cur- I'll be curious in checking that out. I think the I think the discs are perfectly fine. Um, it's just the box is a little beat up because he's had it for so long. And uh, mm-hmm. just taking a look at this uh, the stuff that I see. So I wind up getting two Super Eurobeat al- um, CDs from another dealer. And I got a Hobby Japan magazine from like a couple years ago. I picked that up. That mother effing bird, I swear. <laughs> I remember you might mic, mic for a little bit until it, be, until it quiets down. All right. Why is you it so... Okay, well, well, then why is it so upset? Like every time we record it, it's like, John, don't you dare do that podcasting thing. I have something to say. I know it's our mascot or unofficial mascot. It has to chime in. Can you hear yeah. it talking to him occasionally? It's just like, heard, yeah. <laughs> it knows I'm talking crap about it. It's. I think it's a smart bird. It knows that it hates me. Uh-huh. That's how it is. <sighs> yeah. Um, so I picked up uh, Hobby Japan Magazine. I went by the uh, Discotech Media booth. And I always do this every time I go there. I want to pick up something Captain Harlock or Matsumoto. And I always wind up, like, getting something else. Because I think about, like, oh, I'm going to get, like, In the Saga Odyssey SSX. Or maybe the Captain Harlock series on, on TV. Or, you know, the TV series on DVD. And, but then I decided to um, get Gun Frontier. Which is uh, one of the latest releases, like, a year ago or so. 
That's like from the 2000s, I think. It's like yeah. 13 episodes, right? Yeah, it's 13 episodes. It's like basically set in the Wild West. I had a, um, an old time, uh, I had a, uh, a, somebody that's been going to the cons for years and, and he's pretty regarded an anime fandom. I was hanging out with Wal- this guy named Walter Amos and, uh, he was asking me about like, cause I thought about the, uh, the NS Odyssey series and he's like, well, have you seen Arcadia My Youth? And I'm like, yeah, I've seen Arcadia My Youth, but the, um, the really crappy English dub of it. But I do have the, um, Anime Ego DVD, so I don't really feel like I need to upscale to the Blu-ray of Arcadia My Youth. Um, and he's just like, yeah, no, if you know about Arcadia, then, like, you know, you'll understand in this Odyssey. And I was like, yeah. And, and so then I chose Gun Frontier, and then I, I asked him about that, and he's just like, yeah, no, that's a good show. And I was like, all right, I'm getting it. That's, that's sold. I think I picked, I think, no, I picked it up, I think, Friday or Saturday. No, it was definitely Friday I got that. Or it might have been Saturday. Um, so then that's added to, added to it. But one of the mo- also one of the most unique um, <clears throat> things I got that I didn't have to pay for that I almost completely forgot about getting, uh, and I got this from Dave Merrill, who um, does panels at AWA and does Anime Hell at AWA. Uh, we talk on the old school taco forums, and I, I gave him some um, Filipino English dubs of Mazinger Z that I got from my spleen from somebody who uploaded the, uh, some stuff up there months ago. Because I figured, yeah, this is something Dave would like. And then Dave was like, hey, I got the Filipino English dub for Voltus 5. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, well, heck yeah. And then I get a message from Dave like about a week before the con saying, hey, just letting you know, I got those Voltus 5 DVDs ready to go. And I was like, I don't even remember having this conversation with you three months ago. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> I would have completely, I completely forgot about it. So Sunday night, like after coming back from the convention, I was like completely crashed and worn out. My friend, I thought, was on the way home from where we live because he went to go see his grandparents, and, and then he wound up coming in like after midnight because he was talking to somebody. So, like, I was basically occupying his um, PlayStation Four and his uh, big ass TV to watch uh, English dubs of Ultis Five on TV. And uh, if anybody wants to know what the English dub of Ultis Five sounds like, I put up a brief clip on uh, Twitter, so I can definitely tag that into the uh, podcast show notes. So people can check out exactly what Voltus 5 sounds like in English. And it is something. It's pretty great. Like, <laughs> Voltus 5 doesn't pull any punches whatsoever. I, I've, I finished the first disc, and it's got about five episodes on it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> literally in the first disc, a lot of people die. Like, there's a, there's a, like, so three of the characters are brothers. Yeah. And the mother works for, like, the agency that made Voltus 5 or whatever to defend against these aliens that are invading. And the second episode, she sacrifices herself so they can get away from this uh, robot's cl- evil clutches, because it's the only way to save her kids. And That's her, how it she, goes. Yes, and she, she's in an airplane, and she flies right into the mouth of that sucker, and it explodes. And I was like, "Yeah, this show does not pull. Is not nice. It does not pull any punches." Attack on Titan. They must have stolen that from <laughs> both his five, having the mother uh, get eaten. Uh, yeah. At the very beginning. Yeah. Oh shoot! I gotta. Uh, I'm let not me play a call. the clip here. Oh, are, are you taking? Yeah, a call? yeah. I, I no, I'm not taking a call now. Um, no, see if you can I try to play. The, yeah, play I have the, the, the video clip of the dub. All right, put the mic up to it. Oh my god. <laughs> Our courage for the team 
shelf is horrible. <laughs> No, John, I'm telling you, that kid, anytime he talks on that show, anytime, I can never understand what he says. <laughs> Which one? The little kid. The one with the squeaky uh-huh. prepubescent voice that's trying to, like, he's going through puberty, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know who voiced him, but, like, it's, it, like, I can't understand anything he says. I noticed when the woman was talking, like, the the video, it was, like, Five seconds out of sync or something like that's how the old dubs are. <laughs> like they didn't try to match it with the mouth lift very well. No, they 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 try to do their best. I mean, you can only get so much quality from the Philippines. But yeah, like that's my right. whole evening listening to to that English dub. It's actually how many episodes is this thing? Um, I don't I don't know how many episodes I got. I got four DVDs, so I think I probably have like maybe roughly twenty episodes. Oh, I I I think the show is way more than that. So, is this like a a bootleg or like an official Filipino release or something? I think no, it's it was definitely no, it's TV rips. Like so, Dave uh-huh. must have got this from somebody that ripped it off Filipino TV, and mm. that's how he got a hold of these files. And he put everything on DVD for me. I guess he got it. I guess he's had it on tape for so long, and just converted it from tape to DVD. But no, I I, I I highly appreciate Dave for hooking me up with Voltus Five. How, how many were on the first DVD? Did you see? It was like five episodes. Okay. Five to six, I think. Yeah, I, after yeah, about... I think there's 40 overall episodes. But, but Discotech licensed it, apparently. Maybe, maybe yeah. they have the dub. I don't know. Oh, I doubt they're going to put this dub on there. Now, I wish they would, but... I mean, like, what, what uh-huh. was magazine... Like, so they released Mazinger Z. But uh-huh. they didn't, they're not going to... But they didn't add that uh, Filipino Mazinger Z d- dub on there, as far as I know. Yeah, but we got that We got that off my spleen. Right, we have to yeah. watch it. Yeah, we have to... We'll have to go through... These English dubs and just and just judge the show on based on how the Philippine Filipino people dub these robot shows. What right. was interesting? I mean, I'm sure it's not very fair that I watched like Vehicle uh, Voltron, the English dub, like without having seen the Japanese version. But there's still like a sort of enjoyment you can get out of like a really terrible '70s dub like that. Oh yeah. Dub. Oh yeah. Um, Five, that was the show where the, it, it got banned in the Philippines by uh, Ferdinand Marcos. And then the, the the Filipinos were so upset about this that they made uh, they made like statues of it uh, like yeah. forty years later that they were still upset about yeah. it like over like once the, yeah the once Marcos died once he died that was the end of his era so all these like super robot fans in the Philippines like made statues like you know like you know the giant robots will prevail over this fascist tyranny that we've been up, we've been under since like the eighties where we can't watch uh, robot cartoons. They didn't air the last five episodes, so this was like this is like their equivalent of how uh, in the, in the U.S. nine uh, eleven happened, and then they they couldn't air the last five episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam, and like people are still upset about that, like to this day, like Gundam fans will be like tsunami, they screwed Mobile Suit Gundam, and that destroyed the UC's chance of possibly becoming bigger than Gundam Wing, or <laughs> you know these sort of delusional UC fans that think that 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 really screwed over the UC. Even you know, though they I, I didn't have to meet OHMS and 0080 I, and 0083 all after that. I didn't have to talk to those rabbit UC fans when I had my Gundam panel on Saturday. Actually, I'll get to the panel stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, what was interesting it was uh, on this on these DVDs. There was uh, they had promos for like up next is Dimos or whatever, and so oh, I wonder if cool. I wonder if Dave has those episodes of Dimos. 
I don't I don't know. Maybe I'll have to get that from him next year at the con, but we'll see. Um, did 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 this air? Um, it's not like a U.S. dub that aired on uh, Terry Force Five or anything, was there? Probably not. Huh? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think Voltus Five is part of uh, the Shogun Warriors line, which I think all the Terry Force Five shows were like shows that tied in with the with those toys, like Guy King, gotcha. and, uh, Grandizer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, going back to the stuff that I had, and that's pretty much sums up like kind of what I mean, pretty much what I bought at this convention. Uh, uh-huh. Voltus Five being the best uh, coup de gras that of the highlight of what I got. Uh, yeah, so I'll just kind of go day by day. Actually, when I got there, I got, so I got to Atlanta on Thursday and I hung up with my buddy Evan. Uh, I didn't even go to the con that day because I was going to go on Friday because I was going to hang out with Evan. And so what we did is we decided to go downtown Atlanta. And if anybody's ever in downtown Atlanta and you're looking for some Vietnamese pho pla- uh, place to eat, uh-huh. go to a place called Pho King. And let me tell you how Faux King promotes themselves. You go, I go, I go into the restaurant, <clears throat> and they have T-shirts, and all the all the workers wear these shirts, and they say "So Faux King Awesome." <laughs> and I, I am not kidding. It is. I think I'm going to get a shirt in a couple weeks because they they put an out. My friend put in an order for one for me because they didn't have my size. Because I was like, I want to wear this at the convention. Because it it is literally so fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm scrolling through the chat trying to find uh, this John Benjamin thing that uh, that Josh posted this morning. Did you see it? Uh, I don't know if I did. <laughs> okay, it, it's related. Uh, mm. He says, "Oh no, guess Disney will cancel Bob's Burgers," and the headline is "Bob's Burgers star apologizes for offensive tweet uh, because he made a joke." that people got upset about. He said, quick idea for the name of a tea shop. Ooh, me so horny, me love you ooh long time tea shop. <laughs> and then he apologized and said, my joke was lazy and incompetent and formulated quickly while making a cup of oolong tea. I'm sorry I ever made that cup of tea. And thanks for making me realize this in quick order. The fact that it was a famous line in a movie does not give me license to make light of the big picture stereotyping Vietnamese people and Asian Americans in general. Oh, God. This is... So maybe this uh, groveling will save his career and stop Bob's Burgers and Archer from being canceled. But I doubt it. <laughs> I honestly think that they, those shows probably need to go. But, That's right. I think that Archer is on its last season being made right now anyway. I didn't, which, I didn't uh, even see the last season. I haven't even seen that That's good. Yet. Okay. It was really that. That's, well, that's nice. So the last episode of it starts with like a, a close-up of Pam's naked ass, and then it, she's farts. Like That gives you an idea of like the level of humor of that season. Uh, there was like a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I, she's naked for like the whole season, just wearing a coconut <clears throat> bikini. Which is just disgusting. I, I missed it's it. It's like an I, reality. I thing. missed it when Pam lost all that weight when they were trying to be drug dealers because she ate all the cocaine supply, and she <laughs> looked damn hot. I, I prefer Cheryl. <laughs> um, man, that's a that's a good question. Well, which which one would you prefer, Pam or Cheryl? They're both uh, crazy. Uh, yeah. 
But Cheryl is at least like attractive, kind of crazy. <laughs> well, I, no, I'm saying like if I take that season where Pam was on, like lost all the way from a cocaine, like she's just a thick girl crazy. She's not like obese crazy. Yeah, uh, like that. That's when I can get into Pam. But when she gained all that weight back, I, back, I was like, uh. Yeah, you know that that's gonna happen with her though. So that you have to like take that into account because like either she's gonna be a drug addict or she's gonna get fat again. Yeah, I, I wish I just put her back on drugs, but. Anyway, this is not the Archer podcast. Or maybe I, they can just I, OD that character and kill her off. I, I just, I honestly, that's probably the funniest thing John Benjamin has said in a long time, and then now he has to apologize for it. <laughs> that, that's that's good comedy right there. Like and there were like replies from Asians saying like you shouldn't be apologizing for this. Like it was a funny joke. Like I'm mean, Vietnamese and I don't even care. You know, <laughs> that's what they're saying. Yeah, and yet they, he has to apologize anyway because white people uh, got offended. Right, but I mean, I. I, I think that you can get away with making a joke about, like, the Vietnamese, maybe, compared to, like, making a joke about black people would be the end of it. Yeah, well, the Vietnamese, I mean, shoot, they made a, I, I want a shirt that says, so fucking awesome. Like, because yeah. that is fantastic. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. That's why I was like, I want that uh, freaking shirt. And they're, like, laugh about it. And they're like, yeah, we'll see what we can, what we can do to hook you up with a shirt. Because they're selling, oh, like, they give you 15, one? No, they didn't. They didn't have my size, but they're like fifteen bucks oh. each. So my friend's gonna hook me up when they get my size in. <laughs> okay, but so, anyways, um, after the fo- uh, after leaving that that fucking place, um, <laughs> we decided to ride on electric scooters. So electric scooters work like this in Atlanta. There's first of all a ton of them, but second of all, there's two different companies. One is Bird, and the other one is Lime. And what you do is you basically find these scooters, and there's a barcode. You get the app, and there's a barcode you have to scan in order to start it. But you have to re- you have to take a photo of your uh, your driver's license to show that you're eligible to drive these things, and then also like um, put in your credit card, so then you get charged like say five dollars for an hour or something. Uh, <clears throat> so what we did is we rode down to we were very close to the uh, Adult Swim wall next to the old Turner Broadcasting Station. Oh, so you're we, taking pictures there. Yeah, the so my my friend my friend wanted to go back there since um, we were there earlier this year, but he didn't get his photo with his, uh, with the mural because he was arguing okay. with his fiance on the phone for like three hours or whatever. So oh. then, and then I was like, "Hey, we're next to the wall. Let's head over there and we'll get your photo with it." And he's like, "Yeah, sure, awesome." And uh, he wind up getting a, uh, a a scooter that was relatively a whole lot faster than the crappy ones the crappy one that I got. So. He was, I was trying to get used to mine. And, uh, so we wanted to go over, going over there and I got some photos, uh, of him, uh, with the wall, with the, the anime that he liked, which is Bebop and Inuyasha. And it might've been a, another one. And, uh, so then we kind of rode around for a little bit. I wound up swapping to another scooter, which was from another company. So I had one from Lime and then I dumped that to get one from, uh, from Bird, which was slightly faster, but his was still way faster. Uh, they're actually yeah, they're, they're I good way. What was the anime there? Uh, did they have, like Trigon or something? Or no, Trigon isn't listed on the mural. I mean, I took mm. a, I took a whole bunch of photos of that when I was there um, earlier this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have very many anime. It was mostly like original series, but they had some of the the yeah. classics on there. Yes, like you know, Bebop, Inuyasha, um, Big O Big was another one. Oh, Big O, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we wound up hitting up a Starbucks that was close by, and we just kind of got drinks or whatever. But, like, I was, like, with me on the electric scooter, like, he's, like, you know, skinny, so he's got better balance than I do. And I'm uh-huh. trying to avoid hitting people and, like, freaking telephone poles on the sidewalk. 
because that's just how one land is built where they'll put like a freaking uh, power pole in the middle of a sidewalk and so you have to like you have about maybe two feet of space to try to squeeze through there depending on what kind of size of person you are and here I am trying to ride on a mo uh, one of these electric scooters to get through them at like eight nine miles an hour <laughs> uh -huh. so it was it was something um Luckily, I, I came out of there with my life, so I, I was happy, and I'll definitely ride electric scooters again. So whenever I'm in Atlanta, uh, <clears throat> I'll actually probably be going to Atlanta a lot because um, I wind up quitting my TV station gig about two weeks ago, and oh, I, I gave yeah. it my two weeks so that I got my weekends free back because it was just it was just too much for me to be there on the weekends. Didn't they want you to drive in during the hurricane? On. Uh, I called in to get out of doing that, and they understood. Right. And and because with that, and then the following weekend of me going to the con, I was like, well, there's my two weeks right there. You know, see ya. They still haven't mailed me my check. I called them today and gave them my address for them to mail me my check, and they better do that. Uh, so yeah. that's that's 150 bucks I could use. Yeah, so I worked 24 hours on the weekends at $8 an hour only to make 150 bucks. That's That's garbage. And this is after taxes, by the way. And I could I could make the same amount of money staying where I'm at, substitute teaching, and still save more. They should have paid your hazard pay in case you like died laughing watching that donkey cartoon. <laughs> uh, I I never watched the donkey Ollie cartoon. That, that was I I couldn't do it. I, I I would come in and I would just get started on like recording and scheduling stuff and checking through the schedule, make sure everything was working. So I didn't even focus on that crappy cartoon. <laughs> okay, you saved your life then. Yes, I did, and my sanity. You um, watch that show, and you're just immediately like raptured. It, it brings <laughs> you to heaven just watching it. I uh, no. I love the Evangelion video that you linked, <laughs> the, the, doing the Ava op with the the, don, the donkey in it. Don't you mean the Dragon Ball Z opening? Oh, maybe there was that one too. Yeah, but yeah. there there were like several that we found. I didn't even think. I think people are trying to turn that into a meme, and it's definitely worth it because it's just it's such a crappy show to look at. You find the weird. You can find the strangest stuff on YouTube. Like there, there are fans of every weird cartoon that will make like AMVs of it and stuff. You know. Yeah, and someone put the time and the effort to make a Dragon Ball Z opening to Donkey Ollie. <laughs> I don't know why. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> it's like Chala Head Chala, but there's like, instead of Gohan like walking on the dragon, it's like the donkey. Yes. And we're not making that up. That oh, wait till, wait, check out show notes if you don't believe us. <laughs> um, no, with them, they're just terrible communicators. Like, I've been trying to get a hold of my bosses to make sure my shift for the con was covered because I didn't know and I was hoping they would tell me. They gave me peace of mind about it and none of them would get back with me. But they only got back with me when I sent one of my bosses a text saying, hey, I'm quitting. Thanks for, you know, I enjoyed my time here. I'm, getting, yeah. I'm doing a lot more hours being a substitute teacher. And their immediate response was, well, where's your two-week notice? And I'm like... And you're like, this is your two-week notice? Yeah, this is it. <clears throat> this is my two weeks. And so I called I called her up. And she's basically the station head. And I told her. And, and, uh, she, and they were just like, oh, okay. Like, and they act like they didn't care. And yeah. I was like, okay, fine, screw off. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm very questionable to work for another Christian company. So, I'm, I don't think they're all like that, but they seem to be 
I mean, again, in the Christian companies, like our ministry is like, you've got, uh, I've heard like really bad stories about like people working for, um, big time Kenneth Copeland ministries and like how he doesn't, nobody has ever seen him. He, he like, and if he goes to the office, he doesn't talk to anybody. It's like, Hey, we're the ones that like, you know, so, like check these like prayer requests that you're supposed to read over and you don't, and you pay us like crap. So, you know, and there's like all these like horror stories coming out of these people, which like they sit on like tons of money and donation money from people that if they give money, God's going to like bless them with a billion, jillion dollars. And that is not how it works. It's not even biblical, but <clears throat> that is, yeah, a, that there is... Are lots of people who exploit people's uh, beliefs in order to just yeah. make money. Yeah. It's, um, I can understand why people have issues with televangelists. I do too. So. Yeah, I mean, there's all these famous ones that, you know, pretend to uh, heal people on live TV and that kind of thing. You know, in the 80s, you know, there's like videos of, you know, they, they'll go up to somebody and say like, oh, I'm going to cure you of your blindness. And it's like somebody they planted in the audience to pretend yes. to be blind and then they open their eyes. <laughs> yeah, and then they have, and when they try to get real sick people down there, they, they won't even meet them. Yeah, there's too yeah. many. There's too many cases. They're not all like that, but it's but once they become on TV, then it's all a show, and right. that's where you come into real issues there. So, but anyways, that's that's a discussion for another time. So, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Friday I, I got to go to the con, and uh, I didn't know like where I had to go to get my panelist badge. So I wound up going to the main registration desk, and they wound up hooking me up with like a regular 10D badge. And, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. So then I started walking around the con, and then I saw a sign saying, if you're a panelist, check over here in an event, events room. And I was like, okay, fine. And I go to the events room, and uh, there's a woman, there's a girl there. I guess she's college age. I'm not going to mention who her name was, but she would not give me a panelist badge. Even though she saw that I was a panelist, I showed the piece of paper that I, I was supposed to get a free panelist badge I have my three panels for the con. I want my badge because I didn't want to get accosted by like the, the convention security. Like you're not allowed in here because you're not a panelist. And I'm like, Oh yes, I am. I just can't get the badge for it. What's that about? Why didn't she, why didn't she give it to you? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I asked it wrong, but I was like, Hey, I'm supposed to check in with you. I'm a panelist. And I showed her my attendee badge and she made it sound like she just refused to give me the badge. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, and then I thought about it some more, and I met up with a, a good friend of mine, John, uh, that I met last year, and we were talking about it, and he was just like, all right, well, you should probably go ahead and work that out, and I'll go over there and help you, because we know who exactly who to talk to. So mm -hmm. there's a lady that basically, she's the kind of the go-to person for AWA, that if something's wrong, you go to her, and she'll fix it instantly. Good. Um, and so we went to her first, and she, we explained our situation, and she's just like, okay. So we all go over to the events room. And she basically, like, and this, like, the girl was just, like, so clueless. Like, it was just so hard for her to grasp the concept of her giving me a panelist badge when I am a panelist. And there's proof to show it. And then the girl that we went to to help us, she was just like, just give him the badge. Just go ahead and give him the badge. Like, she was just, like, tired of her, like, how airheaded she was. And I was just yeah. like, thank you. Thank you, woman, so much for helping me. So, like, there's no problems. Because, like, you know, I, I, I earned that badge. I put it in my panel time. If it says I'm a panelist, I'm getting that panelist badge. So that yeah, that's might... pretty stupid that you wouldn't go Yeah. <clears throat> so you eventually got the badge, though. Yeah, I got the badge. Um, so I'm, I'm all set there. Um, 
I'm just thinking about what I did Friday. I basically kind of went to the, uh, the the dealer's room for a bit. That's where I bought most of my stuff, just kind of going around there before I met up with uh, with John, and then we took care of the, the badge thing. Um, I had, on Friday, I had my, um, let me think. Yeah, on Friday, I had uh, my anime and high gear panel, which I had one of the smaller panel rooms, and it was actually pretty crowded in there, so a lot of people attended to, to that, which I was very surprised of. And... Um, hmm. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people enjoyed it. So, like, after the, uh, yeah, so after, like, the panel, I had people, like, come up and talk to me, like, hey, do you know about Capita, Capita? and, uh, you know, Shokutan Boogie, which Shokutan Boogie is done by the, uh, the manga author that had an OVA anime that just got fan subbed and put out by King Menu. And I was like, yes, I know about that anime. I need to watch it soon. Uh, but I know who it's by because it's done by the guy who does Wangan Midnight. And I got to show clips. I got to show the people what um, F was, which is the Formula One anime that I've been obsessed over for many, many years that I need to sit down and finally watch eventually. So I got to show some clip panel clips from that. Um, I got to show uh, Redline. Redline was the big hit at the end. And I got to show like a clip of the monopod racing on uh, from Venus Wars. And just kind of just different stuff here and there. Uh, I definitely dedicate a part of it to Initial D. So I got to show like part of the uh, the old uh, Tokyo Pop dub of Initial D to people in there, and then I got to show the Pop Team Epic uh, parody where they had the um, they're doing like the the sledding parody episode where they race some guy in a with a head of the G, on a GTR, and that's actually one of the characters from Initial D called uh, Nagazato. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, there's our there's our review of Pop Team Epic. That's the one good scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I mentioned, like you know, like hey, you know, Initial D's been parodied so much, but you know, let's go to a recent anime that came out, like Pop Team Epic, and see how they handled it. So then I showed that clip. Um, but no, it, it, yeah, it went very well. Um, and so then I wind up uh, me and the group I was with, um, which was consisting of this guy named John that I that's we hung out basically the whole weekend. He's kind of a, he, in a way, he's kind of like, he's an older guy, so he's sort of like Steve, but he's not Steve. Not crazy? Not crazy, no. Um, he's very, like, detailed and, and nerdy in ways like Steve was, but this guy is actually really cool to hang out with, and we both have, you know, the same faith beliefs, which is how we kind of started talking last year. And uh, so we wound up going to this um, Tex-Mex place that was across the street from the convention called Chewy's. And um, that made Walter Amos very happy because Walter was originally from Houston, and so Chewy's is all over Texas. Uh, you might have one at College Station, I'm pretty sure. Probably. All right. I didn't know, like, if you knew of Chewy's. I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't know if it's if there's one locally. I can search. Uh, there is one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, you got to check that out. It's 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 a good restaurant. Like, we got one in Greenville. Uh, close to where I live, and then there's also one in Atlanta too. Yeah, I just looked. There's one like uh, Rural Rudder and Harvey. Yeah, that's just ten miles, ten miles from here or something. Yeah, you gotta you gotta convince your family to take to take you to Chewy's so you guys can enjoy Mexican food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now the audience knows about Chewy's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, I got a I got a shirt from Chewy's that I got for a couple years. It's um like a Mexican holding a uh a, a... actually no I got to take a picture of this. It's it's on one of our old show notes. Um, and it's a it's a Latin, it's a guy it's a Mexican in a sombrero and he's holding a, a red hot chili uh, a chili pepper, 
And but it, it puts an image of uh, Han Solo, but then they call him Juan Solo. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the best Star Wars shirt I could ever ask for. So that's that soon that will be canon. That, that's like the next time they do a Han Solo movie, he's got to be a Mexican or holding a, a red pepper. Yeah, they're gonna take account of that article that said that like it, it bombed because it had a white male lead actor, and they could be like, okay, now Han Solo is Juan Solo. Just forget about old Han Solo. <laughs> nice. I, I definitely will watch that version of Star Wars. Um, yeah, that's, that's space. Uh, well, what, what would you call it? A cowboy in uh, in Spanish? Uh, uh, vaca hombre. <laughs> did you just Did you just Google translate cowboy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know there's there's like another term for it, uh, but <laughs> that's not gringo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not uh, Spanglish or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> I will say this: I got to um, when we were at Chewy's. I got to there was part of the uh, the nerd group that was there that I also hung out with, which was uh, Dave Merrill. Uh, but one of the guests that came, he wasn't really a guest at the con, but he went there to do a Yamato panel, and that's Tim Eldred. And Tim Eldred is someone I've been wanting to get to know in anime fandom for a long time. Um, I actually bought some stuff from Tim Eldred a few years ago when he had some sort of marketplace on his website, but then he wound up closing that down because I think I was the only person that bought anything from him. And um, I got to I got to finally meet him in person. He's like a really mellow, chilled out guy. So like he's super cool. And Tim Eldred has uh, worked on several car- car- American cartoons. It's a producer for like the MTV Spider-Man cartoon in the early 2000s. Uh, I believe oh, he worked the, on the, the, um, the CGI. Yes, yeah. and then also the um, let's and I think recently he worked on the uh, that Disney Avengers cartoon. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that the uh, the Spider-Man uh, cartoon is actually. S- still on TV. Uh, they started airing it again recently on. Um, uh, oh, I'm trying to find what the name of the channel is, but uh, they're uh, oh, Vice TV. Okay. Uh, and uh, they're also airing the Iron Man anime that aired on G4 at one point. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I have. I mean, I have the DVD set to that, and I haven't done a whole lot with it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's airing on Saturday mornings though. Um, it's it's interesting though because that show was not very successful. I don't think it only had thirteen episodes. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, I, I saw it a couple of years ago. I have it on DVD. It, it is kind of interesting. I, I mean, they try to tie it in with like the uh, the movies, the Tobey Maguire movies. I think it's set like between the first and second movies. Yeah. So no, like so, Tim Eldred directed. Avengers Assemble for 49 episodes. Okay. Yeah, so he and he's just he's wow. just sitting there chilling out at, at at Chewies with like other anime nerds and I got to talk to him on Saturday too and um it's a really cool guy. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Tim so I can check his IMDb cuz that's where all the cool people go. So, let's see. He's known for yeah, the uh the new animated series of Spider-Man Avengers Assemble, Ultimate Spider-Man um and then also um we did some work on. They were eleven animes, it seems. So he's done. He has. Mm-hmm. He's work, he's been, he's busy working on American cartoons. So like he did us. He was a storyboard artist for Batman: Brave and the Bold. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. It's very story like yeah, that was the show where Batman was always like teaming up with other characters. <clears throat> I'm just clearing my throat. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so then after yeah, so after eating at Chewy's, we got back in time for Neil Nadelman's uh, Totally Lame anime panel. And then I stayed... And then after that, uh, Dame Rail started showing anime Hell, and I kind of left early so I can try to get back uh, home in time to so I can get some sleep for the next day. Because that panel went like way past 1am, and I was like, nah, I don't know if I can do this. So I wanna, I stayed for a little bit of Hell... Um, I heard it was all right, but totally lame anime was it was still a good panel. Um, so that pretty much I think concludes Friday, and then Saturday, um, I got there early because I went to Dave Merrill's uh, Devilman went down to Georgia panel, which is basically his version of doing a going to guy panel for like twenty thirty years of coverage. So he did a whole panel talking about about every single show from that going to guy did from nineteen seventy to nineteen ninety. Um, and just kind of went into details. So he went uh, the talk about it was mostly like the super robot stuff that Gona guy worked on, and then um, Cutie Honey, and then he got the uh, the OVAs he did in the um, in the eighties with Devil Man and Violence Jack. Uh, so it was a really good panel, and um, I, and then of course after that I just kind of hung around and, and did some stuff for a little bit. Uh, now I had my two panels on Saturday, which was. Um, I was surprised that a lot of people showed up to this, and I, I, that's what really touched me because that's kind of the reason why I wanted to do it. And so I was one of two panels at this convention that was really that was based on um, Christianity. So I did one on Christianity and anime, and basically the panel was to showcase how Christianity is represented in Japanese cartoons. Which the simple answer to that is not very well. <laughs> Did you include clips from the classic anime Crystal Triangle or Ninja Resurrection? Yes, I did, John. Um, so I the first clip I showed was let me think. I could probably pull it up. Ah, shoot, I can't even. Oh man, what was the first? Was curious, we have reviewed these anime previously on Easter. Yes, they these anime were our Easter specials. That you guys can go in the, in the archives and check out, um, yes. but I'm just trying to see exactly what I kicked off with on that panel. Give me just a second. I think it goes right into. Oh, so I kicked it off eventually, essentially with uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, especially the second episode when the when Shinji's thinking about the events of what happened with him fighting the angel. Because Evangelion is is like the anime that people relate instantly to Christianity, even though it's the least Christian referenced, accurately referenced um, anime that's out there. Um, right, because I mean, it has the crosses, which I think well, they edited that out on when the tsunami aired it on Giant Robot Week. Yes, yes, they edited it out. Avoid yeah, offending the Christians. Yeah, I guess I don't know, that wouldn't that didn't offend me at all when I first saw this. But anyway, so yeah, so that's it's it's got crosses in it. It talks about Adam. Um, it talks about the Dead Sea Scrolls. It brings in elements from the Christian faith and, the, and, and its beliefs into the show to kind of have world building towards it. Um, even though they've said like, oh, we did it just to see if Americans thought it was actually related to the Bible, and it's not. Uh, yeah, I remember they said stuff like it just it was included to seem cool in the same way that like a American might embrace a Buddhism when they're in college or something to seem hip or worldly or something like that. Yeah, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of detail to this show because it all connects to each other in some way. And because yeah. fans have dug in so much into Evangelion over the years, and it's, you know, it's hard to say that it's like, you know, 
oh, they just threw this in there and didn't think anything of it. I'm like, no, I think they did. Because, like, even if you take, if you break down what Neon Genesis Evangelion means, it's Neon is basically like, um, like the, you've taken like the 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 Latin definitions. You know, it's basically kind of like a new uh, beginning um, evangelism or whatever. Because you take in like uh, Genesis is always the beginning. And then uh, Evangelion is an actual term, which is basically just kind of a, a spreading of the gospel or evangelizing in a way. So that's yeah, an actual word. specifically chose that as a uh, translation as a for it. Because in the Japanese version, it doesn't exactly translate to that. You know, something like, oh, well, I'll have to pull it up here. Uh, Shinseiki uh, Evangelion. Yeah. Literally the gospel of new century. So yeah. they, for whatever reason, they, they knew at least enough to like specifically choose the words, you know, for, for the translation and have a preference for what it would be called. And I, I'm sure Anno did think about this stuff a lot because he, you know, he had the the end of Evangelion movie, which I feel like incorporates even more kind of religious elements to it, with uh-huh. you know, Ray uh, transcending. Existence and all that kind of thing. And, yeah, kind uh, of just being Jesus Christ and and starting the yeah. world over. It's kind of like the, you know, it's the second you know, coming or something. Yeah, second like the, coming, you know, the, but the second it, impact is the, the second coming. You know, that the, there's there's definitely some overlap to like the terms that they would use in it. If yeah, nothing else, it's kind of its version. Of, it's its version of like what events. It's kind of its own version of the Book of Revelation in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's the end of the world, and you know everything. And once the world ends, and everything begins anew, and then uh, you know it's back to Adam and Eve with Shinji and Asuka, and it instantly goes to Shinji choking Asuka on the beach, and Asuka telling that she feels sick. So they're off to a great relationship. (laughs) Um, Yeah, humanity's in good hands. Uh, So to get back to that, so then I went. I went to showing a clip from Crystal Triangle, which was basically. God being the caterpillar grub and the Russian stealth bomber crashing into a spaceship and him being and him dying. Um, and then after that, I showed a, a unique clip from the ending of Armored Trooper Votoms where Kiriko meets God, but God is a computer inside of a planet, which is Deadworld Sunsa. And he's about to receive some sort of divine blessing from computer God. And he winds up blowing it away and shutting down the computer. And then like one of these... Uh, you know, uh, Gilgamesh generals is like, how dare you? You're the chosen one. You just killed God, you know? Um, and then the next clip, so I showed Ninja Resurrection and Ninja Resurrection is sort of the basis of why I wanted to do this panel in the first place. And I showed the scene from Ninja Resurrection where the church is burning down and the kid is like, why has God forsaken me? He must explain this to me. And then you got the old guy that's just like, God is a fool. How dare you believe in God? He's just a myth for weak people. Here is my daughter. I'm going to cut off my finger. My finger is going to be possessed to go up her cooter, and she will have sex with you to, to spawn the seed so then you will make Satan to take over the Tokugawa era. Wait, what are we talking about now? Ninja Resurrection, John. Keep paying okay. attention. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, this all happened in Votom? So no. <laughs> no, Votom's is too good for that. Yeah, so, no, I, what I, so what I did was, like, I, I tweaked that, those clips several times. And I decided to put a mosaic and speed up the footage to get through that, that awkward sex scene as quick as possible. So I was like, okay, okay this is still PG, guys. And, um, 
yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't get kicked out of the con for that. So I, I, I covered my butt. Um, and then I had like the scene where the Virgin Mary statues crying tears of blood. And then, but what I did interestingly enough was at the end of these clips, I, um, for the first half, I added in Bible verses to kind of tie it together to kind of show like a theme. So, you know, for Armature of Otoms, the computer God was talking about being afraid. So then I added a verse about, you know, do not be afraid, you know, for God is with you or whatever. Um, the best verse I found for Ninja Resurrection was uh, the verse about Jesus weeping, which is just Jesus wept. And then I had the caption image of the Virgin Mary crying tears of blood. So that had the crowd uh, pretty in good spirits with that. Um, they got a pretty good kick out of that. I was like, guys, it, I, I couldn't think of a better verse to go with this. <laughs> um, so then the next clip I showed was from an anime called Butt Attack Punisher Girl. And Butt Attack Punisher Girl is basically... Okay. <clears throat> it's about a girl that's a devout Catholic that goes to some sort of like religious school where other religions go together, and I, I don't what? know why, but it's like a, it's like an interwine religious school with like different cultures and beliefs. And she has a roommate who is a Buddhist, and she's like believes in the good side of Buddha. But then there's like this evil sect of Buddhism, which is like a black side of Buddha or dark Buddha. And, her, and Dark okay. Buddha is about, like, total perversion or whatever, and sexual perversion. So they mm. kidnap her for their means, and then um, she, this girl gets on her knees, and she prays to God for to be delivered instead of, you know, freaking calling the police. And there's a glowing light that comes from heaven, and she's like, oh, God's answering my prayers. And it turns out as a giant Buddha statue that comes to answer her prayers... And Buddha statue is telling her to dress into the sexy outfit to show her butt in order to go save her friend, uh, her friend to be the superheroine. Uh-huh. And that went over well. So then I, um, <laughs> I need to find that one. Um, I knew about the title because Anime World Order did a review of it years ago, and okay. I and I downloaded it because it was on. I found it on uh, I think Naya, and I was like, oh, what the heck? I'll try it out. And then I when I watched the beginning of that. In the first episode, I said, okay, this is going to be good panel content. I'm going to save this. I'll put it aside for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I showed a couple more other clips. But the main stuff I focused on towards the end, because I went from like stu- silly and stupid in the beginning, and then it got better after that. Uh, so I showed the intro to the, to the Flying House and the intro to uh, Superbook, the old Superbook show. And then the fir- I showed the fir- part of the first ep- the episode of Superbook, where they're in the Garden of Eden and how they kind of like are there just to see the events of them eating the uh, the Tree of Knowledge, um, and that dub is um, that dub is pretty dated, but it's I think it's still a pretty good dub. It's it's a it's a fun cheesy dub. Is it Saban or no? So Superbook and Flying House were co-productions with Tatsunoko or Toei, I believe. Uh, between yeah. uh, CBN and CBN is like the Christian Broadcasting Network, and they did this back right. in the '80s uh, under um, you know Pat Robinson to make a cartoon series um, about these kids and having adventures in the Bible times, and then you know kids can watch it on their, ch- on their station. And mm-hmm. uh, you can, and anybody who's listening, you if you want to watch Superbook, it's all available on uh, CBN's website to this day. Even the new crap. Uh, Silly, or the, I'm sorry, not silly, but stupid CGI version of it too is on there. Um, the, the new version's not so good, huh? <clears throat> the new version's alright. Um, it's, it's not the same. Yeah, it, it tries to take itself seriously, but it's, it's just not that good. Um, 
So what the, the one the, the second the last clips I showed was this anime called In the Beginning, and the history in, in the beginning was the Roman Catholic Church approached Osama Tezuka to write a manga based on the Old Testament in the eighties, and so Tezuka was working on that, but he didn't work on it for too long because he was soon passed away. So then it kind of that project is just kind of left in limbo for a number of years until they um, a production company picked it up to work on it. I think it was Tezuka Productions. So then they decided to turn it into a 26-episode series that was directed by Osama Dezaki. Um, and and we reviewed Dezaki anime recently, Mighty Orbots, and so anything I've ever seen by Osama Dezaki has not been bad whatsoever. So one of the episodes I picked from that, from in the beginning, was an episode regarding Moses um, out in the desert uh, with the Jews that were liberated from uh, uh, the Pharaoh. And I picked the scene in particular from uh, when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments after talking to God and all the people worshiping the golden ox. And then Moses just loses his shit. And um, basically, like, it involves, like, you know, him saying that, you know, thus says the Lord, everyone take up their sword who has sinned or people who have sinned in this camp must be slain by, by people, by the people who did not sin. So then it shows, like, you know, basically people pulling out these, like, lightsaber swords and impaling people and slicing them. And now, granted, this is a show for kids. This was put on, like, probably the Trinity Broadcasting Network. And I kind of made a joke. I was like, okay, I remember in the 90s when, uh, you know, pastors and preachers were all against Pokemon, how evil and demonic it was and how terrible it was. But you can show little Timmy people of uh, uh, people beginning impaled by light swords. It was kind of like censorship from, like, uh, the old uh, Four Kids One Piece episodes. <laughs> like you know hey this is my rubber light sword I'm impaling you under like my holy Jesus sword or whatever yeah except for they all actually die right oh no these people in this one die yeah there's just no blood yeah so it's perfectly like, acceptable yeah, now, you, now you go to the next dimension or something <laughs> well I guess in a sense they do if hell is the next dimension <laughs> yeah Um. so the the last thing or I should HFIL as they call us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, the last clip I showed was, uh, I showed the full, uh, Jesus anime. If you Google search Jesus anime, it's gonna be basically Studio 4C did an anime based on, um, basically kind of interpreting the Passion of the Christ, but it just animated it. But it's told in the perspective of the thief that accepted Jesus on the cross, um, in his last moments and accepted his salvation through Jesus. And, it's it's a very it's a very powerful video. I think it's probably one of the best Christ videos out there regarding, um, you know how how the Bible is represented, and they didn't do anything stupid. It was basically just like you know animated version of Passion of the Christ. Like I get I get like you know I I I feel like I feel it when I watch it. Like I get like you know pretty torn up. Like just how well done it's so it's done. Um, and I just noticed that um when I was like, you know, I had it on and I look up in the crowd, nobody was leaving and everyone was so focused on that screen. And I was like, this is a good sign because yeah. like my purpose of this, of this panel was kind of to use it as a way to, as a ministry really. Cause I, I you know, like, you know, being part of a, the Christian faith is to go out and spread the word of the gospel. And, you know, with me doing the panel like this, um, I don't have to preach to anyone. I don't have to say anything. I let the animes. I let this anime do it, and 
so then after so then after it ended, I was like everyone was like you know it was it was pretty quiet in there, um, and so I just kind of explained the crucifixion just a little bit more. And um, <clears throat> so after that, uh, the panel ended, and I was getting my stuff together. I had several people come up and tell me like, "Wow, this was amazing! Thank you so much!" And that that really touched me, like to the point that I. I, I kind of welt up in my eyes a little bit because, like, that this is what I wanted to do. Like, this was like you know my outreach in a way, and it was like people were were like responding to that positively. I had one girl come up to me. Uh, her her and her friend were together, and I think her friend drug her along to this panel. And the girl like talked to me. She said, "Hey, you know, I want to let you know this is a great panel. I'm an atheist, and I really needed to see this." And that 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 touched me. Like that meant a lot for me to someone for someone like her to say that. And I was like, "This is this is what this is about." Like I know this is like this panel worked out the right way, and that that I could be able to show this stuff. So, and then I talked to a guy afterwards that came up to me that was a new believer. So we talked a little bit about um, you know kind of where he's at, and just kind of shared our ideas on the Christian faith. And his thing was kind of like you know like is it all right for me to be an anime fan and be a Christian at the same time? Because he was like you know he was like you know am I sinning being here? And I'm and I just like okay, well let me put it to you this way: if if anime was such a sin. We wouldn't be talking because I wouldn't be doing a panel on how Christianity is represented in anime because that would require me to be a fan of, of anime in the first place that God has not condemned me for. And he was like, okay, I get it. And I was like, look, you know, whatever you're going through, like, you know, it's, 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 that's between you and God. And, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing, there's nothing unbiblical about watching anime or being into there, the arts. There isn't exactly an 11th commandment that says thou shalt not watch anime. Yeah, there, there's the Bible's the Bible itself is clear on what is allowed and what isn't allowed, and I think and then when you get these like you know these street preachers or whatever or anyone that wants to condemn anime because it's against some sort of like self religious belief and um uh, it, it, yeah it's you know it's this uh, false doctrine or whatever of kind of what Paul talked about in the New Testament about you know how these people are preaching thou shalt not taste and thou shalt not touch or whatever like kind of this um. I can't think of the term, but it's basically kind of like condemning yourself from any kind of pleasure because it's unbiblical or ungodly when there's no backup to that whatsoever because God has pleasures on earth for us to experience that he wants us, that it's okay for us to, to you know, enjoy food and to enjoy how uh, how beautiful the opposite sex is and how much you want to have sex with them and to have good fellowship. And the, the Bible doesn't condemn people drinking alcohol, but it does condemn drunkenness. So... <laughs> um. But it's just, it's like, it's splitting hairs, and then when you split hairs, you, that's when you become put more religion than what the actual Bible says about stuff. Because if the Bible doesn't condemn it, it's not, it's not unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So, how are you going to condemn something that God doesn't condemn? Um, so that's when I told him, and I, and I was like, talking, having that conversation with him was like, this is my ministry here. This is exactly what I want to do. And this is kind of the seeds to that. And so I'm really excited to see where that goes. <laughs> And I think, uh, and I'm really glad that Anime Week in Atlanta approved this panel. And I will gladly do it again next year if they if they accept it, because I can add more material if I find it out there. Uh, I even had people tell me about more anime regarding Christian themes that I can add. So that's that's something to check out. Um, but then immediately after after my Christianity and anime panel, I had my Mobile Suit Gundam in America panel, which I just I went off script. I mean, like, I, I didn't really have a script, basically. I just kind of went off everything off the top of my head and just kind of was honest on some things. Um, I kind of went into a bit of a swearing rage for uh, for a bit when I got into talking about how Gundam Seed was on uh, Toonami. 
and how I didn't know that it was still airing at one thirty in the morning, just not on the tsunami block, because I thought they canned it. Yeah. And I had no recollection of this until months later when I was hanging out with a friend. And one night we were up, and I was like, all right, well, let's put something on Cartoon Network to make us go to sleep. And I was thinking it might have been like Looney Tunes or Johnny Bravo. No, it was the second last episode of Gundam Seed, and I was going, what the hell? And I was and I, I was like just pissed. I was like t- explaining how I threw the remote down on the couch, and I was like, you know, F this, Andrew. I'm going to bed. I'm just so angry because I had no idea. And you know, the crowd thought it was pretty funny how, how goofy I acted, but... I was just being straight up honest with them. Um, but I went into a whole lot of the um, how like the model kits were, were put out on shelves and the marketing for that. Um, it was interesting because I had uh, I met up another guy at the convention named Darius Washington. Darius Washington has been in fandom for a long time. Been part of the uh, Anime Week in Atlanta scene. Um, he goes to other convention, uh, conventions and does panels. So he's someone I've been wanting to meet for a long time. And I got to meet him the day before. And I told him what my panels were, and, I, and then I was, mentioned that I wanted to bring the Gundam official guide. And he's just like, oh, well, I got that at home. I can go ahead and bring it for you tomorrow at the con. Well, the thing was, he decided to contact me on Facebook in the middle of my panel, so I'm trying to talk, and my phone keeps going off. And I'm like, oh, great. Darius, what do you want? I'm like, yeah, Darius is here. And I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't talk anymore. And I get into it, and then he rings again. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, shut up, Darius. <laughs> And then, he, and then, like in the middle of the panel, he shows up with a book, and and I'm just like, "Hey, everyone! Thank you, Darius, for showing up with this nice stuff. He's a cool guy." Um, so then I got to read the excerpt, excerpt that I wanted to read out of the uh, get him the official guide regarding model kits, and um, so then after I, I did all my video presentation, I showed a bunch of um, trailers, um, promos that were on Cartoon Network for like Gundam Wing, Shars uh, Counter Attack, the Gundam model kit f- commercials. Just to kind of give people an idea of how this stuff was promoted. Um, uh, and yeah, I start... They made a great uh, Toonami uh, promotion for Gundam Wing before it aired. I think it was like almost two, two minutes. Yes, that's, that's the first thing I started out with. Yes. And then people were like, holy crap, they made an HD version of this? And I was like, well, I think what people did is these fans took the audio and then recut, recut it with the Blu-ray uh, copies of Gundam Wing, which is why it looks right, so good. Right, and by the Blu-rays from right side. Yes, by, yes. Oh, so promotion time. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Right Stuff Anime. Buy their Gundam Wing Blu-rays and their collection sets. And G Gundam is coming out on Blu-ray, so please buy that too. Yes, G Gundam. That was another great uh, Toonami Gundam. Uh, they, they had some good intros and stuff for it. Yeah, I, I did not. I didn't put that in this in this uh, promo. So I was just I, I I couldn't have put everything in there. I just kind of put a couple of things. Well, maybe you can do it next year because by then the Blu-ray will be out, and then yeah, that remastered. No, that, yeah, that's like that's a good stuff. idea. I'll definitely do that. Um, <clears throat> but what I did is when and I first Charles Counterattack that was on uh, Adult Swim, like yeah. uh, New Year's two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, that that one night only premiere. Yeah. Um, but what I did is um, when I first did the panel, um, I talked about there was going to be a, a Lionsgate live-action film of Gundam. And I only know this because there's uh, one guy who's writing about it on Zimmerit.moe, and he actually got a hold of the, the director uh, or the uh, writer for that movie, and they only did like mm-hmm. they only did like one script to try to get approved by Sunrise, and that's all available on archive.org, even the storyboards for it. And uh, the story with that is the fact that the movie was canned because Sunrise Company in New York said, "Scrap the project, you guys aren't doing this." So that's it. Only got as far as the script. Um, 
which is which I'm, and then there was also some concept art by Sid Mead that was working on it and then when he got the, he was still working on the concept art while still doing his business and then it was just kind of like he got the, the the notice about like you know the project scraps so just don't even worry about doing any more concept art for it and he's just like oh okay but then you know years later he does the he works on uh, the art for um, Turning Gundam and design work for that yeah. um so that was pretty interesting starting out with that um, as the beginning. So then people kind of knew like how far back Gundam was, was trying to get his foothold in America. Uh, and this is all in the knowledge that I happen to know off the top of my head. Uh, but of course I wound up ending the uh, panel the best way I knew how, and that was to show the doozy bots pilot. <laughs> and there was some people that groaned about it. And I was just like, all right guys, we're going to watch this. And then, and then I, I met, and there was a few groans in there and I was like, you know I love you guys. No, not really. And I just hit play. <laughs> so you, you should do a whole panel on the Juicy Boss and, and play our, our podcast review of it. Oh dear God! I don't even know if I want to hear that again. It, yeah, it goes on and on, and then until Biku yells applesauce. Applesauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh man. Oh. We, we come up with like some fake plots and stuff. That we... Yeah. I'm trying to invent it, and yeah, that 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 spiraled pretty downhill. I thought we still had potential to do that, but according to Viku, we didn't. I don't even remember what the plots were about. I think Josh wrote them in the wall. I I came up with some off the top of my head. I was like, yeah, you know, there was about inequality between the handicapped kid and how he's being bullied or something. Or I don't, I, I don't even remember what I said on that. It's, it was so long ago. I'm thinking like you know, Amuro and Char like drag race. Or something. Oh, <laughs> That'd be too good. So. A, 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 P, a PSA on, on on proper safety, where like you get the, the 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 gun tank drag racing or something, or oh, that would actually be a fun episode. <laughs> I've watched that. Yeah. Um. The initial D meets uh, Gundam. Oh gosh. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, um. No, the panel went over very well, and then that panel was when we ran out of all our podcast pins. So oh. I'm going to have to be on the mission to make more podcast pins for upcoming conventions so I can get started on doing some designs for that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, instead of just getting the same image reprinted, I might as well just, like, every time we run out, we'll just, I'll just make another one. So mm-hmm. then, like, whoever has them, that's, like, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime once a thing. So then I can make just keep making more better designs for them just to make it unique or whatever. But it's not like anybody's, like, hounding for our podcast pins. So, and I give these things out for free too at cons. I mean, maybe we ought to be making money or trying to sell them on like Etsy or something. <laughs> okay. Maybe that and like anime of yesteryear them. panties and coffee mugs and <laughs> bikinis. You can, probably, you can probably still buy uh, like Twin Radio stuff like that. Oh my gosh! Do I With their old logos and stuff? Oh my gosh! Do I? Do, do you, does anybody really want to spend money on Tune Radio underwear? <laughs> I think Mason said like one or two items that sold like an entire like fifteen years or, so, or whatever that he had that store open. <laughs> I kind of want to get like a tune radio hat and wear it at a con, and oh, no yeah. one no one is going to know what tune radio is. Uh, they can like go to tune radio dot net like like wait this is like some Korean fish game or something. No, it used to be the Korean fish game. I think it's a Korean like love site or like a dating site or something now. That's, that's right. I think now it's I a Japanese it's, yeah. dating site. Who knows? Well, I haven't checked it in months. So. Uh, I don't even want to... Do you want to bother check it? 
Okay. What, what is it today? It could be something totally different. Yeah, we'll see in a second here. I'll, right. uh, I'll type it in. Hopefully it's not like going to give me a virus or something. Yeah. TuneRadio.net. Oh, and Mason has repurchased the, the domain. Walk home with. It's not loading anything. I don't think anybody owns this domain anymore. Wow. Yeah, it's just it's just a dead link. Oh well, R.I.P. Team Radio. Officially, R.I.P. Team Radio. It's not it's it's not even a, it's not even owned by the Koreans anymore. They don't even want it. Nobody wants like, it. Like, jeez, like that that must be that bad. If the Koreans don't want it. Uh huh. Oh man. The the Tune Radio Twitter account is still active. He's tweeting about the Grinch movie today. It says Grinch Wait, the remake, new Grinch movie? Yeah, Grinch remake has Tyler the Creator music, and then he links to TuneRadio.org, which is the new Tune Radio website. I'm clicking on it to see what it looks like. Okay, it probably looks like a Web 1.0 like <laughs> TuneRadio.net. Yeah, also. it's yeah, it's a pretty simple website, but uh, <gasps> he's, he still posts stuff on there. I can't believe we've been talking for over an hour. I didn't think it was going to be this long. Oh well, because I'm still on Saturday. <laughs> oh um, yeah, you still have Sunday to do, or are we? Yeah, on Saturday I still got. Or? Yeah, I still got Sunday to do. Um, Sunday isn't too much, but Saturday. Um, actually, I got to meet Michael Center Nicholas again. He was at the convention, so I was looking oh, Michael for Michael Santa Claus. Yes, Michael Santa Claus. He was at the con. I think he had his girlfriend, fiance, with him. I don't know, but. So I got to I got to meet him and talk to him for a little bit. He did remember who I was. So he was actually in okay. a in a some sort of cosplay panel because I was after the Gundam panel. I was trying to get back, hook up with um, Darius to give him back his gun his uh, anime magazine so I can like you know I don't hold on to him. And then I finally got a hold of him and then he told me where he was. So then I went over there and was trying to find the right Williams room. And then I saw Michael sitting sword towards in the in the the back. And then I walked up and I was like, hey, Michael, Senator Nicholas, right? He's like, yeah. And I was like, do you remember who I am? Do you remember talking to me in Animation a couple years ago? And then he kind of paused and then he snapped his fingers like, yeah, I do remember you. And so we wound up just catching up for just a few minutes and just tell, I told him like what, what I've been doing. And I worked on the Otaku video, no video Blu-ray project. And so I got my foot in the anime industry in a way. And he was catching up like, you know, how life is going for him. And, you know, just kind of yada, yada, yada. Um, and I told him that like, he was interested in getting a uh, bubblegum crisis blu-ray from robert like years ago or like a couple years ago when the when the kickstarter was funded and robert and he was just like yeah i'm still trying to wait back from hear back from robert i'm like well let me go ahead and talk to robert on your behalf and see if you can find that email otherwise i can try to see what i can do to hook you guys up um yeah so we're just kind of just chilling out and talking for just about maybe 10 minutes or so and then i, I got i got with darius and got him his stuff back and then as I was heading out, I was like, hey, man, I, I really enjoy this, the latest season of Venture Brothers. And, you know, Dean's off to college. He's like, yeah, my character's off to college. And and then I, I had my two fingers up and I said, hey, man, go Team Venture. And then we both touch fingers. And he's like, he does the Dean the Dean voice of, go Team Venture. And, <laughs> so I, I was like, hey, man, see you next time. So I'm, I'm glad he remembered who I was. So um, that, that really meant a lot to me. Um, no, Michael's a... That's like the third time I've met Michael Center Nicholas, actually, because he was at Animazement years ago, and I remember talking to him in the autograph line to um, get something signed, and 
I was actually signing for my some, something for my f- friend. No, I didn't sign anything for Josh. Maybe I did. And um, yeah, so that was the first time I, I talked to him. And then I talked to him years later when he was at the con with Robert Woodhead, and that's how I got into conversation with him. And um, so it was good. It, yeah, so it's good that I have like you know somebody knows me in in, in the anime industry, kind of like that. Um, and I'm in part of the industry too, so in a very small way. So that was really nice seeing him again. Um, after that, I the group and I just kind of did some stuff. Um, I'm just thinking. Um, we wound up going to like a place to eat called Ted's Montana Grill, which is like an actually a really nice restaurant that I didn't expect it to be because I was like really hungry and I was like, guys, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings across from the mall. Let's just walk over there. And they're like really dedicated to eat at, at Ted's. And I'm like, all right, fine. So we were, we were in the waiting for like an hour for to get to get a table because it was so packed that night. I think they were short staffed actually, and uh, <clears throat> and then Dave Merrill had like a, a room party going on that night, so we wanted to be in late for that anyways. Um, but we still we still hung, we went there and hung out. Um, I wound up getting like a a pretty good bison burger actually. I thought it was I was just so hungry I couldn't care less, but I, I enjoyed that. It was uh, like a bacon cheeseburger. But you can add uh, like say bison meat with it, and um, that was that was some good stuff, and that kept me full that whole night. Um, so then afterwards we went uh, back to we, I, we got invited to go to Dave's uh, room party, and when I was up there I got to meet uh, another guy that's I've known online for years, and that's Matt Murray. Matt Murray. Uh, Matt Murray is part of. Um, he does this, He's got the name for Cornpone, or Cornpone Flicks, which does did these goofy videos in the eighties and nineties when they were fans. <laughs> and he does like basically movie reviews now on YouTube. Um, but I've kept up with him for years, and I finally got to meet him and and talk to him for a little bit. And then I got to uh, get. To, I finally got to talk to Daryl Surratt uh, in the room too. So we were just kind of talking about stuff. And he was just kind of. I was just letting me know like you know where I was you know in life you know like yeah you know I was I was hoping Gerald would. Because we had his co-host Gerald on our podcast when we talked about Ghost in the Shell. So then I was like, hey, I'd like to get Gerald on at some point. And he's just like, yeah, Gerald's open for anything. So, And then I might be on their trivia. They do like a once-a-year trivia podcast, and I might be on that. So I don't know, but that's coming up in a couple months. So we'll see. Um, <clears throat> but I wound up uh, going up there and just kind of doing a couple of Jack and Cokes. And then I wound up having to – I realized how late it was. And I was like, okay, um, I gotta get back. I gotta sober up, sober up, so I can get back home because I can wake up early at a good time and shower and head back to the con in the morning. Um, so then I think I got back to my. I stayed at my friend's place the whole weekend because he was out of town. So I had like his whole apartment to myself. Um, so then I woke up that morning, showered, and headed back to the con that Sunday. And I wound up going to Tim Eldridge's Yamato panel that was like nine thirty in the morning. Because his panel room was closer than Dave Merrill's panel, and I was just like, F it, I'm going to hear about Yamato for an hour. I don't care. I'm still trying to wake up with McDonald's coffee. So I got to, so Tim got to go in all these details about the new Yamato series, uh, 2202. It showed merchandise and trailers for that. Um, interesting enough, the, one of the last clips he showed was that they made a Yamato toy boat. That's like one one hundred scale, and they put it, and they had it like this reflecting pond in the front of the Yamato um, museum in, in Japan, and that sucker can fly. 
So I didn't I didn't realize they made like a little like uh, Yamato toy boat, but it's like a big size toy. But it takes like three or four people to get in the water, and uh, that was like one of the cool things that I saw. Um, and I, I talked to Tim for a little bit um, as we were walking out, and I was just like, you know, yeah, it was you know great to see you. And then I, I've been telling some people some ideas on a documentary that I'm wanting to work on, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Um, but Tim seems to be interested in doing helping me out with that and just kind of seeing where that goes. Uh, <clears throat> I basically uh, went back to the uh, – checked out Artist Alley and got the stuff that I got. I uh, met up with John again. Uh, we talked for or, for a bit, and then it was like three o'clock or three thirty by the time I went downstairs and hung up with uh, Darius again. And we were we got we, ate, we were eating Subway and watching the Falcons play the uh, the Saints in like some sort of bar next to us um, as we we're having our Subway sandwiches. And then after that, I just kind of took off. Um, and then when I got back, when I got back home, I was like basically crashed on the, on the air mattress cause I was just so exhausted. And I was just like, I am not packing up and driving two more hours to, to head back home at this time of night. And I'm just going to, and I called my friend up and I was like, Hey man, I can't make it home tonight. Can I just stay at your place for another night? He's like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Cause he didn't get home until like after midnight anyways. Mm-hmm. So... I think that in terms of the convention, that's about it. They had so the con had initial D this year. I played one game Friday, and I was I've been meaning, I was kind of meaning to go back to it, but I never did. And so I was going to play a little bit on Sunday, but then there was a whole group of people playing it, and I was like, I'm worn out, I'm tired, I don't have time for this. I'm going to head home. So I really didn't get my initial D play, and I didn't get to show off any skills um, this year at the con. But next year, I I, I vowed to play more initial D eight. So and and school people, um, so that's pretty much my AWA experience. Um, I had a wonderful. Oh shoot! So Sunday, I was so I hung out. So I got to meet up with one of the video game dealers. Um, let me say this anecdote real quick. Uh, I know this. I know this. Uh, him and his wife for many years at cons. Um, and so I was talking to his wife, and she was just like, "Hey." I heard there was like a, somebody had a seizure like um, outside the exit of the, of the dealer's room, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know about that." So then I'm kind of walking towards the exit, and then I see that it was completely roped off by security, and there was like eight people huddled around one person that was on the ground, and her feet was kind of twitching, and I was like, "Oh, so that's where the person had the seizure at? Okay." And um. they were just yeah, they were just waiting for somebody to come up there with a with an um like a medical group or whatever. So it must have just happened. So they had like the people like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, but they like roped it off with like those, like, like those, um, berries you're finding like, um, uh, like banks or whatever. And they just, they were just like watching for people to make sure they don't come over near them. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so that's probably, I just missed the, the seizure happening. So I was like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're, hopefully they're okay. So I go downstairs and I meet up with uh, Daryl, John, uh, Walter, Dave, um, outside. Like basically in the main registration area where the AMV room is. And I remember we we're talking and then some guy started screaming like bloody murder and running towards where the con, like the, the medical area was. And we we're mm-hmm. just like, what the heck is going on? And then we go by, we look over to the bathrooms and then there's another person having a seizure in front of the bathrooms on the ground. Oh, well. Yeah. And okay. and then um 
I can't. I, I think it might have been Daryl or somebody else made a comment like, "Huh?" Then maybe they, everyone, maybe someone got to have a panel where they showed the Pokemon episode. <laughs> and then, and then Daryl goes in this whole tirade about like, you know what? It was actually a thing that that was all a hoax. And no, and one what? kid, yeah. So apparently, it was year. According to Daryl, years later, this is like a Pokemon trutherism. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's Daryl's the Alex Jones for Pokemon Truth. They're all crisis actors, a bunch of children faking their. I was talking to Daryl Surratt, and uh, he told me that. You know, like these kids. So here's what happened. You know, this is this is firsthand experience. Daryl Surratt is a, a real knowledgeable person on anime fandom and all the BS that comes with it. And again, my Alex Jones rant there for a minute, but like basically it was him. It was like, yeah, he was like, yo, it's totally confirmed that. You know, years later it was turned out the whole thing was a hoax because apparently one kid had a seizure while watching that particular episode of Pokemon, and then it's, it got reported, and then kids were using that as an excuse to not go to school. So then the parents are like, oh, no, our, our child, we have to, like, you know, this is an epidemic, so that's why the episode got banned, basically. But it wasn't until years later where everybody figured that out, but then the damage was done. This is according well, to, to Daryl Surratt's information. I, I, I want to believe it, but, I, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about it. No, I haven't heard this before. Neither uh, have I. I never heard my, it before until now. My impression was that uh, it aired, and then the, the that night on the, the news, they... Uh, reported that a bunch of kids had 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 seizures and then a bunch more had seizures watching it on the news. But it's possible that the kids saw it on the news and then pretended to have seizures so that they could go to the hospital to not go to school or something. But that that seems very implausible to me. Okay. (laughs) So I'm checking, okay, so I'm checking motherboard.vice.com. So this is a Vice article. So this could be one of two things, either full of crap or actually accurate. So, okay. the title is, of it is, I'll just post it in the chat here real quick, of Did Pokemon Actually Give Kids Seizures in the 90s? An investigation. So, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, so it's just leading to an audio where they talk about it. Is it Daryl Surratt talking about it? No, it's written by somebody named... Kaylee Rogers. This was printed over a year ago, so maybe this is like the new. Okay. Um, you know, we found out that this is all just hysteria. All well, right. it is interesting because there's so many other things that have flashing lights that didn't have that same mass effect, like the Incredibles movie. You know, it had flashing lights. The second one, and they had to put a disclaimer before when I went in there. Uh, there may have even been a, like a poster in the lobby or something warning about it. Yeah. Um, but but there were no actual incidents of anybody actually having a seizure. They were just worried that it might happen. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. there, there were anime that used this technique for years beforehand. And so it's it's always been a bit weird that the, this one had such a mass effect. And, and maybe it was overreported, some sort of like, you know, a child's satanic abuse in the 80s that people always use as the example of mass hysteria. Okay, so I'm on Snoops right now. So Snoops, I'll, I'll go ahead and post this up too. So... Let's see what Snoop says. Just kind of summarize it up. Pokemon Seizures. Okay. An episode of po- popular kids TV show Pokemon causes over 600 young children in Japan to have ep- epileptic attacks. That's the claim. Status. Um, 600 children suffer epileptic attacks brought on by viewing a particular episode of Pokemon. False. A handful Whoa. did experience a handful did experience photosensitive epilepsy as a result of that episode. True. So this only affected a couple of kids because of the colors and how this um, 
basically like affected kids that had that probably dealt with seizures already, and then you know this gets out on the news, and then the, then the kids use it as an excuse to get out of it or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe like it. It seems like this is something that's spread on the schoolyard, and then kids use it to their advantage to not go to school. So, so it looks like the evidence to back up Daryl's claim is true. Um, so that's actually very interesting. So, <laughs> so there were crisis actors. <laughs> oh, I bet you it was the same actors that, um, or the ones that are um, protesting for the for guns to be banned from school because they claim that they're students of that of that Highland uh, High School or whatever. Or Midland High. So, I don't know. CNN might have fabricated this whole thing. Uh-huh. Fake news. Fake, Very fake, fake news. news. Fake news, totally. Um, yeah, I, I just, I remember being there and I was just like, is this some sort of epidemic that's going to break out where, like, people are going to just, are you be walking and then one by one just starts getting seizures? But I, I think it's the fact that people probably have a lack of sleep and they're like, you know, they don't get, if they don't get their sleep during the, you know... Like they're supposed to, and they're by themselves, they're going to make decisions or have too much caffeine that can mess with their brain and cause seizures. It just so happens that two people had seizures the same day. And I remember, like, we had a, uh, there was a con staff lady next to us, and she had this, like, the most I don't care attitude about her. She's just like, it was kind of like, a, sort of a let God sort them out attitude, where she's just like, yeah, yesterday we had a pretty good day, there was no issues, but then today there's two seizures. Like, hey, you know, what can you do? And she just kind of, like, rolls over there in, in her hover round to go ch- investigate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was. It was like basically she's just like, yeah, it's just like I've seen some heavy shit, so like I'm a veteran of this stuff. It's just how it goes. And I, I kind of uh-huh. made a comment like, you know, it's not really a real anime convention unless the, the ambulance shows up. <laughs> Hopefully, and, our podcast is not delisted from iTunes for a Pokemon seizure denialism. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> maybe. <laughs> Are they going to pull our PayPal account? You know the amount that people, the amount that people pay us, so that we can try to keep the .dot com hosting every year, which is all we've been using the money for. Yeah, we're really going to be suffering from that. With oh like, man, that, that, that's, a, that's a hard that's a hard hit on my wallet right there. If I can't pay twenty six bucks to keep a .dot com site, I, I don't know how we're going to make it, guys. <laughs> we encourage anyone who wants to fight back against uh, the. Uh, Pokemon censorship agenda or whatever to <laughs> donate to our PayPal account. Gosh. Oh me. So that that now so that if that officially. Oh, by the way, did you hear about there was a band? Okay, okay. Let's go into closing remarks here. Did you hear there's a band Pokemon episode, a new one, just a few weeks ago? No, I did not know there's a new band episode of Pokemon. Explain this to me. Yeah, the the Porygon thing it got me thinking about it. Uh, there's an episode where Ash uh, it dresses up like a uh, maybe Cloud has the link uh, a uh, and, uh, some sort of like baboon Pokemon or something. I don't know what the Pokemon is called. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were they're considering like, oh, is this going to offend people if we air this because they'll think it's like blackface because he, he dressed up like a monkey and blacks are like monkeys or oh. something. Like that was what the Japanese thought. Oh so they're God. like, well, we better not let the, the gaijin see this one because they might get a little bit butthurt. <sighs> okay, he, he linked to uh, Degasu. And Degasu is very politically correct. Um, like he was like all in favor of Jinx becoming purple and stuff. So he's mm. he thinks this is like a very problematic here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they've got, they've got pictures of Ash, uh, 
but he doesn't have like uh, he doesn't have the lips. You know, they didn't put the big uh, sambo lips on him like Mr. Popo has or anything. Yeah. That uh, you know, Viz removed from the uh, Dragon Ball manga. Uh, he, he's he's just got you know black and black face paint on him, and it's not just on his face; it's like on his body, and it, it looks more like a lemur or something to me than like a gorilla. Is he a Harambe or, uh... cosplayer? <laughs> yeah, I, I can try to find the most... I mean, none of these look at all like a black person to me. I mean, it, it obviously looks like he's dressed up like the Pokemon because it shows him right next to the Pokemon. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I will say this on Sunday. Um, I got to meet the guy that did the uh, Nerd Church and it's actually a, a voice actor that... And he's actually done some acting too. Uh, for the convention, uh, Andy Field, I believe, is his name, and I got to because apparently, like, people that went to my uh, panel on Saturday were there on Sunday to his to his to his church service, and I didn't wasn't able to make it till the very end. Um, and <clears throat> and when I got there, there was like people telling him that like about my panel on on Saturday, and then I got to introduce myself, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I was the guy that ran the Christian anime panel. And the guy was like, dude, I wish I knew. You had that panel. I would have loved to come see it. I was like, it was very well. It was like I, it was I was very impressed with the turnout. Um, and apparently, yeah, and then I, I was because I kind of went over there to see if I if I would catch anybody from my panel that was over in the church service, and I did because I, I met up with the atheist chick again and her friend. And I was telling I was telling the girl I was like, hey, you know, I you know you got my pin. I love that. I'd love to keep in contact with you. Uh, you know, just send me an email whenever. So she was like, oh, okay, cool. So maybe she might. I don't know, but. I, but it was really it's really nice just kind of meeting other people of the, of the Christian faith and from what I understand like they had a pretty good uh, one of the biggest like rooms that they used um, near the in the hotel area and I think they got about a hundred people or about maybe over a hundred people to show up now granted mm-hmm. this is a convention of like you know thirty thousand that shows up and then you got about a hundred and hundred and fifty or so people that are Christians that are you know praising Jesus or whatever and like in their cosplay outfits and, and you know crazy colored hair or whatever so that's that's definitely something you won't see on a regular Sunday service which is kind of unique in its way um, <clears throat> so I I definitely have to check it out next year um, I was trying to make it but the thing the thing was it was like that the Yamato panel was going on at the same time and I was like oh I want to I want to say hi to Tim before he heads out so but I got to talk to Andy Field, and Andy Field is someone that was actually a background extra in the Avengers Infinity War movie. So he was telling me about, like, his role or whatever, and he's a very chill guy. Like, he lives out like, Birmingham, Alabama. He's not, you know, he doesn't want to move to, like, these big, like, L.A. cities and relocate his family, so he'd rather just fly out there or do everything from his house and, or, you know, from his home base, because that's where he grew up, and he's a very chill guy. So I was, I was very impressed. You a lot of money to be an extra if you can fly out to L.A. just to do that. Well, actually, no. They did. They did part of the filming in Atlanta, so he didn't have to. Oh. Anthony, he didn't have to drive too far to do that role. That's true. I, I, I yeah, forget so, about that kind of thing. They have all these film incentives where you see yeah. always at the end of a TV show, made in Georgia, and the, yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia's becoming a big film, like a film area. So, right. I, I think and it's. Turner's I think it's there. I think it's like great that I'm talking to these people that have like connections with like you know, big budget Hollywood. So then I can you know look into seeing what kind of jobs are out there and I have some people to use as a reference. Yeah. So that's 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 the great thing about the fandom is the fact that you meet people that are like you know in in like these Hollywood circles, and you know if you get to you know you get to know them and they're you're impressed you know they you give a, you leave a good impression, 
that can lead to bigger things. So maybe that's where God wants me to go. I don't know, but you know, right now I got I got my um my substitute teaching gig, and I'm I'm pretty good with it. But I mean, I do need to get something that makes more money. But we'll just kind of see how things go. Um, but yeah, I guess just kind of meeting these connections with these people, and then just kind of just seeing where that goes from there. So then people can. You know, like, hey, I'm looking to have, you know, do you know, know anybody that needs someone that does video editing or work on video work? I Here's here's my resume. You know, you're the only person I know that maybe can, might, might be able to help me. So we'll just kind of see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's, that was something I wanted to throw out real quick about my, my convention experience. So, um, yeah, I had a, I had an enjoyable weekend. All right, so now we can go back to the closing remarks, and you're talking about the, the Pokemon episode. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Oh no, that's pretty much it. I mean, they just banned it because it uh, it had him dressed up like a like a monkey Pokemon. Uh, okay, uh, that was all I really had to say about it. I haven't actually seen the episode yet. Uh, I was trying to see if there's a fan sub of it, but uh, apparently the Pokemon fan subbing group is months behind and okay. uh, hasn't hasn't touched it yet. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I guess we could talk about, you know, maybe current events or something. Uh, you've seen all this stuff going on with Kavanaugh. There's so much going on with the Supreme Court I, lately. I, all I know, I, I don't even know what's, I've been kind of keeping up with it, but I'm only getting one side of it. And then, you know, it's from the mainstream media. Um, because it just sounds like this girl is just like, doesn't want to testify. Even though she made a right. big stink about how horrible Kavanaugh was to her at this one party in high school. And now there's some sort of news article where she's not even sure if it's if it's the same guy, and it was somebody else that looks like Kavanaugh that was at the party. So it's just the thing is it's just ridiculous, regardless if it happened or not. It's effing high school that was 30 years ago. You're well past the statute of limitations. Move on with your life. If that's the case, like, you know, like high school, like people are are, are out to try to get to get laid. I mean, like you go to a party, uh-huh. your intention to go into a party is to hook up with a girl and get laid. And to be sexually active with them because that's like that—that's what teenagers want is sex. And you go to a party to go experience that, and then you want to shame the guy. So I uh, know we're not getting the whole story on that. I, 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 and even you know, even if he went beyond the bounds, it's like just let it go. I mean, the guy obviously has changed; he's a different person. And you know, if he's apologized for how he is, then then that's it. That's how it should be. You know, but you just have to defame everyone. If you can't provide hardcore proof, just defame them. Because that just seems to work just fine, but yeah, well, he hasn't apologized because uh, he denies that it happened, and it probably didn't happen. Yeah, uh, because the, the, all the people that she claims were there uh, say that this gathering never occurred. And then um, this part you may have missed because it's so much going on over the weekend uh, with this situation. She kept coming in and out, saying, "I'm going to go. I'm not going to go to testify." She went back and forth at least five times, mm-hmm. uh, and she kept saying, "Like, oh, well, it's going to be a hostile environment where they might like ask me questions or doubt me, or uh, they should just believe me automatically because I said so." Oh my gosh! And, 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 oh. But now she's claiming she is going to testify, but then Kavanaugh he comes out with this oh, you every cut- day in the 1980s. He has kept a calendar for 40 years, and uh, it shows like he was out of town. He was nowhere near this party, and then people are finding like these uh, other classmates of his that looked like him that lived closer to this gathering, and saying, "Well, it's probably this person instead." And then this person that came came up with this other theory 
got like uh, hit with so much hatred that they had to delete their Twitter account and go into hiding uh, because they doubted this woman and said maybe you've got a case of mistaken identity. But the woman herself is also supposedly in hiding at some hotel. So like everybody involved is getting hit with like so much hatred and death threats from everybody who's upset with this case. And- you know, here, here's my my dad made a very good point to this, and I mean it's it's pretty true um, based on the people I've met. So Ford isn't she some sort of like psychologist or something? Yes, and the the, the new accuser too. There's another one that came out and is also a psychologist, and she says this happened in college that uh, Kavanaugh. Was at a party and uh, he like showed her his, uh, his dick and then she said, well, "I don't want to have sex with you," and then Kavanaugh left or something and like that was supposedly some horrible incident for her. Um, and but she's also a psychologist and uh, she just said, "Oh, well, this one happened in 1983." And it, you know, Cloud said in the chat when when the calendar showed up, uh, that, well, now they're going to come up with something from 1983. And then a couple hours later, they did <laughs> um, with the new accuser. And uh, the new accuser, the, the claim was so shoddy that the New York Times wouldn't run with it at first. All of her classmates denied that it happened. Uh, they were at the party. And uh, so, I mean, there are just so many of these fake things coming out. Uh, but but yeah, there's something about psychologists that that's uh, they, my point they, that like I was going getting to get into to these you. these deep memories that they claim, but they're like manipulating their own minds to so to yeah fulfill their own agenda. So my brother dated a girl that that has as a major in psychology to be a school counselor, and when he broke it off with her, which he was very nice about, she is crazy. She's she's psycho. I mean, like just how she was basically fake cutting herself for attention. And she, she was so inconsistent about, like, don't talk to me. No, I want you to talk to me. And mm-hmm. she's just nuts. And the thing is, like, my boss's brother's – or my boss's sister, um, she is a – she has a doctrine in psychology, and she's nuts. So you yes. see, like, there's sort of a trend going on here. And it's not – I don't think it's just me because I think, like, they, they, they are so manipulative – and know how to like manipulate people and emotions because they're taught how to how to like read stuff, which means they're just taught how to do it themselves to get whatever they want, and to always exactly. play the victim. So then this is exactly what Ford is doing. This is exactly what this other girl is doing. And when you don't have evidence to back it up, then they want to sit there and cry wolf about it. And these are grown ass mother effing people. Yes, it's like the definition of a. Uh, it's it's like a stereotype among. You know, among like baby boomers, like oh, their kids are good at school. They get these useless psychology degrees, and uh, yeah. and then they don't have any actual skills. But they are like all convinced about how there's a rape culture and systematic sexism and racism, blah blah blah. Yeah, because that's what they teach in these psychology courses. They teach you that things that would seem innocuous to an ordinary person, like a guy hitting on you at a party, well, he actually is raping you, and so they like internalize this and then they actually turn something that's probably like you know uh, he asked her out on a date or something they turn that into like that's rape culture so then they over time it morphs into that he actually raped her or something you know like that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're doing you know it's, and when it's there's like, no evidence to back that up yeah I mean granted like with rapes like you know people they're gonna, they're gonna rape somebody they're gonna put it in an area where they know they can't get caught but I mean they do get caught from time to time and um, especially if there's a dead body involved. Um, uh, well, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like if if you rape but, them uh, and they die from it, well, then you have a murder. You're a murderer too. So then, yes, yes, but but I mean that's that's obviously not even what's being alleged here. Uh, yeah, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they come up with something like you know some 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 other fake accusation because these first two. Uh, there actually is a third one from the guy who's um, the lawyer for Stormy Daniels, the uh, porn star that Trump slept with. Uh, and uh, he's he's saying that Kavanaugh, um, something like he had people like block the room when he was with some girl in college, and he's but he won't name who his supposed client is, and won't provide any evidence. I think he's just trying to um, this Michael Avenatti guy. He, he, he's trying to boost his presidential career. He's, he's trying to run for president using these uh, sensationalized, phony stories. Uh, mm. And uh, he, he, he was on the Tucker program a few weeks ago, which was just hilarious. Uh, there were all these chirons, uh, you know, the on-screen graphics saying, uh, Tucker takes on creepy porn lawyer. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the guy got incredibly offended. The next day went on CNN uh, complaining, oh, I thought it was going to be a fair uh, meeting the mines and then Tucker made fun of me and he called me the creepy porn lawyer again <laughs> <laughs> but uh, n- nothing quite as funny as the Tucker program <laughs> nothing quite as honest as the Tucker program that's right I mean uh, n- nobody quite like him that's willing to just say what he thinks and yeah. and he gets all these views just for stating the obvious like uh, he's been talking about the Kavanaugh thing and you know like Kavanaugh's sin is just being a man he's automatically guilty you automatically have to believe any female accusation Mm -hmm. against a man and uh, you know this sort of thing like it's it's not even a case where there's any evidence and yet half the country believes it wholeheartedly based on nothing It's, it's amazing you know, speaking of crazy chicks, um, so yeah, Daryl had a panel um, that I went to. It was like anime from thirty years ago or twenty years ago. Yeah, it was thirty years ago, uh, nineteen eighty-eight. And he brought up um, Hayao Miyazaki, uh, My Neighbor Totoro, on there because mm-hmm. I came out in nineteen eighty-eight. And uh, I was going to go up there to the front and talk to him and just kind of be like, "Hey, you know what's up?" Because he had a panel he had to go to like immediately afterwards, and. Um, I got to say hey to him real quick, but then of course I got to talk to him at the party later. Uh, I think he was headed to his panel of doom actually, and there was a girl that is like a walking, like crazy alt left, like Twitter <laughs> person that like went up there and was just like, "Did you mention like you know when he mentioned uh, my neighbor Toro? Like you didn't mention about hey the guy like somebody who worked on it was like a pedophile or something like that," hmm? and, and and he's just like. And he's trying to get away from this girl, too. Because I talked to him, like, Sunday, and we kind of had a bit of a conversation in the hallway about this. And I, mean, I just kind of, you know, laughed about it. And he's just like, yeah, you know, these, like, and I, just, I asked him, like, like you know, look, I, I, I don't know how to take Twitter. Like, these people are really serious, or is it just joke accounts? He's like, no, they're very, like, I, I believe they're very serious. Like, you saw the girl that I was with yesterday. I was trying to, like, get bait me into a conversation with her to try to agree with her that, like, how or trying to make me feel bad because I didn't mention somebody worked on my, uh, t- uh, Miyazaki was, did something bad or something that like only Twitter cares about and would point things out because of that hive mind mentality or whatever. And then, you know, Daryl's response is like, uh, I got to go. I can't talk to you. I have another panel. 
And then she just kind of like quickly drops her argument and walks off. Because she would not let it go, too. I was just like, uh, and she was like very stern. Like she was like pissed off, too. Kind of like a so walking, I, talking Twitter person. Right. These people, uh, it's uh, it's sad that they you know, think that their Twitter feed is no, 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 no. You know, I wish I wish I knew about this uh, this um, right wing guy that we were, that we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. Okay. If I knew who he was, and I I, I, I had a, and I can get that girl together, I want those two to meet and have them fight, film it, put it on the internet, have them fight. Money. And then they realize they're sexually or strongly attracted to each other and then make out in front of the hallway of the con. That would be a spectacle to behold. Have an alt-left and alt-right person that start out fighting and then they just immediately start making out. Because I think those two are made for each other. Based on what I saw from her and then what this guy wrote about, like, oh, there's too many left-wing... Yeah, it's like... (laughs) Like, that would have been totally worth it to see. I was like, dang, if I knew that guy, I would have been like, hey, lady, I know someone you can have a really good conversation with about this. And then you bring that guy along. I'm like, you two talk it out. I'm going to I'm going to see how the, I'm going to you know, go off. You kids have fun and just see what happens. <laughs> oh, man. Because I, I mean, like part of me kind of because some of the people like, you know, this, like you talk to these, uh, you know, I was talking to Dave and, you know, Daryl and like. They're really cool to talk to in person, but then like they go on Twitter and it's like, are they like it seems like they promote more left wing politics? But are they doing it because they agree with it, or are they doing it because it's just kooky? And I think it might be just a bit of both, actually. But Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of normal people that feel that way, and I get it. Yeah, by the all right or whatever, so they feel like they have to post like virtue signaling opposing to it all the time or whatever. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of revolting stuff on the all right, but there's also a lot of revolting stuff on the all left. I mean, the reality is there's a lot of crazy people on both sides, and so people, yeah. you know, whoever they hate more, they have to constantly talk about how much they hate them. And, the you thing, know, it's very unfortunate, but that's the way people, the, the, they get, I mean, like, tribal. I mean, the thing is, like, the re- the way I don't promote these people is I don't I don't let their voices be heard. So, like, if you don't, the more you don't let them, the more you don't promote them, the less their voice is going to be heard. So then you kind of, like, mute the craziness. But then people love to see these crazy people, like, hey, look how crazy this person is. And then mm-hmm. they get their opinion out there, and then they get the other crazy people, like, oh, my gosh, this person's opinions, we totally agree with them. Let's elevate their opinion even higher. That elevates their ego. That elevates where Twitter is, Twitter is today. Yeah. I mean, you can see, like, Alex Jones arguing with Marco Rubio in the Senate the other day. If Rubio had just ignored the guy, I don't think it would have made as many headlines. No, no. But but they they kept going on and on, going at it, um, and that that is exactly what Alex Jones wanted when he went in there, right? The yeah, it's, it's all it is all for attention. Yeah, all for attention. But no, like I I I mean I I, I love Dave, I love Daryl. I mean they're, I mean they're they're odd and unique in their own ways, but like you know they're they're cool with me, so. And I'm and then in then that turn I'm cool with them. So it's that yeah, we have our different views on how we view life, how we how we view the world, but you know, as fans we come together, we we have things we agree on and things we disagree on, but we're fans all together. And we're just it's just fun to hang out and just talk about stuff and that that's the community there. And mm-hmm. you know, for me it's like, you know, I'm not gonna pick a fight with Dave or Daryl over their politics, it's just not worth it. I'm here to have yeah. a good time. And you know, whatever they say on Twitter, I don't care. I don't wanna care. I don't wanna see it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I worry about like me. This should be a way to 
to get away from that kind of thing uh, and just relax. Yeah, it, it's, it's people good like to... the uh, the woman that goes up at the panel and starts saying Totoro is a pedophile or whatever. I mean, I, I just tried to Google it. I can't even find what she's trying to talk about. I, I, I think mean, it, it's somebody. It's just I don't know. Gerald told me the name. Just a rumor she saw on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, but I think I remember. Something briefly about like his involvement. Maybe it's involving the Roni Kenshin. I, I have no idea. I'm just speculating. But the Kenshin author did did, did he work on a Totoro? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I, I couldn't. But she said something about like why didn't you bring this up? This is a big issue for me. It's a huge issue. It's only a huge issue for her because that's what she knows on Twitter and that's what she's involved in in that high bubble there. So yeah, it, it's. It's it's fun. <laughs> uh huh. Well, I remember HG uh, to mention a particularly insane individual uh, was very upset about the uh, um, wings of Honeyamis because he thought it promoted rape culture. Uh, you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. But I mean, every, the, everyone remembers that whole movie for that one scene. And mm-hmm. I understand. I look. I understand. I think I understand why the scene is there. Because it's showing people trying to achieve something great and then also showing just how faulty they are. Like, this guy has issues. And, you know, yeah, it's it's good that the girl fought bad and she didn't get raped or whatever. But it's kind of like, you know, just, just, just let it be. Like, it, it didn't go any further than that. And, you know, she did the right thing in forgiving him, too. I mean, like, you figured some of these women out there that are going after Kavanaugh are like, hey, you know, take a hint. Like, you know, I know it's hard, but, like... Your bitterness is only going to make things a whole lot worse, and that's exactly what's going on. But, you know, that movie is so gorgeous and does so many things right and is so enjoyable. And that one scene is not there to ruin the whole freaking movie for me. Because that Mm -hmm. is just ridiculous. Because when I first saw it, I was just like, I understood. I was like, there's sort of a beauty in, like, how messed up that is. And just like, you know, these imperfect people and, and still how they want to make the world a better place. And how they have their issues, but the ultimate goal is that everyone to get into space, everyone working together, and everyone working towards a goal and, and achieving it. And that's what the it's really like, um, thing of of Oniamis. It's a lot like Wind Rises, also, where people um, were very upset because, oh, don't you know that Japan was allied with the Nazis or something like that, and therefore we can't appreciate the airplanes that they made back then or something. Uh, you Wind know, the, Rises is the least. Like pro Nazi movie. I mean, like it's it's, but it's so romantic because it's Miyazaki's version of the of the of the, uh, the guy who created the the Mitsubishi Zero. But the thing was, the guy who made the Mitsubishi Zero is a total nationalist, and even like in his book, he even cheered when he saw his planes blowing up like bases in like Pearl Harbor, or whatever, because he was seeing his creation work for the better good of the Imperialist Japanese Navy, and for the nation of Japan, for them to succeed and their goals. And, right, but yeah. but na- nationalism these days is uh, pathologized and to be sort of evil, even though uh, throughout history most people have loved their their own people uh, more than other people. You know, that's just the way things yeah. have been. You know, like you're more likely to love your mother or your brother because you're more closely related to them than you are to somebody you've never met halfway around the world who is trying to uh, invade your country or uh, change your political system or whatever. You know, the Japanese felt that Americans were a threat because we were embargoing them. And so, of course, if somebody builds a plane and then they use it for the greater good of their country, uh, they're going to feel that way. You know, it's not like yeah, this guy, it's like history's 
history's greatest monster. He's just a human being. Like, you know, people have this sort of concept, like, movies have to depict people as some sort of a platonic ideal or An something. An apologetist like or whatever, yeah. Everybody has to be perfect. Or if they're, if they're not perfect, everybody has to endlessly hector them in a politically correct way about their flaws or something. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not the way a good movie works, and I, at least the Japanese understand how to still tell a story. <laughs> yeah, and I remember there was a there was a I went to the AMV theater and there was a there was a lady that was going over like I guess best picks or something. Or I think it might have been stuff she did, and she was just like, and she mentioned this out of her mouth, which is like, "Wind Rises is one of the best Miyazaki movies ever made," and I'm just like, "Oh come on, really? Like it's a good movie. It is. It's just." To me, it's far away from being the best Miyazaki film, but that's her opinion, so she can have it. And like, I don't agree with that whatsoever. But like, I, I mean, yeah, Wind Rises is not a bad movie, but it's, I mean, like my my favorite Miyazaki film is still Castle Cagliostro, and that is not a Studio Ghibli film. I think she might have said that might have been like the best Studio Ghibli film I, instead of Miyazaki film. I don't know. I, maybe it was Miyazaki. I can't remember. But I was just kind of like, are you serious? But she really loves that movie. And that's her, so I was like, okay, you know. Yeah, that's her opinion. I I think it's the fact that because it's such a nice romance story, and and, and chicks, that's that's how women are programmed, is to love that drawn-out story and how two people meet and fall in love or whatever, so. And those are good stories, Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like... It's very moving. Yeah, it's a a very moving and and emotional movie, but, like, it's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not that emotionally invested in it. Invested in it, because, I mean, I'm a guy, so... I guess I'm making myself sexist that way. I don't. I don't care. But <laughs> I mean, like the guys have emotions too. It's, it just works differently than women. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're at about two hours into this. Do we have anything more for closing remarks? Do you? Uh, no. I, I just celebrate that Pop Team Epic gone from Toonami, and next week they're uh, they're going to expand to nine p.m. And uh, the ring back, uh, Dragon Ball Kai, and uh, Samurai Jack. And they're going to air Baruto. Baruto. Believe it, John. Believe it. Sasuke is really cool. Sakura Sakura is beautiful. beautiful. I think that's how we're going to end this podcast, is that, is that German intro. We'll play that song, yeah. And if you believe it, and believe it, we are going to end it with this song. Uh, I think we're good. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing else I want to say about the Pop Team Eptic end, ending. I mean, No. There's nothing really to say about that show. <laughs> <laughs> Other than I've been recording and archiving, and I'm just going to throw it on my spleen. I'm like, here you go, guys. Nobody asked for this. <laughs> and people are going to be downloading it and watching it and be like, why did you record this? And I said, that's a good question, but why do you guys record the stuff you do? I'm like, fair point. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that concludes our Megapon episode. Me- Megacon. Let's say Megapod. Maybe I said, I don't know, but Megacon episode is done. See you next year when I hold on to old recordings of con episodes and put them together. And Daft isn't on because he works for the G-Man and some I don't even know what he does he hasn't really said anything he's just like yeah I work for making sure Mexicans don't get in this country or something stupid 
It's, it says here works, I think, for uh, health and homeland services or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> that's that's so that's far away from ICE and immigration and INS. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he even knew what department he was at. He, he sounded like he's like I think it's HHS. Or... Oh my gosh. He's he's on this Discord channel right now, but he's not on the call. I, I assume he has some sort of desk job where he doesn't really do very much because he was posting on the chat earlier. He had an Animate Maru article that he posted. Phillips announces CTI Classic mini game console, and it had like the uh, the Zelda games and Hotel Mario. Uh, and this was yeah. like a parody of the PlayStation console that was just announced. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't I didn't see that was from um, uh, Anime uh, Matsuri or whatever. I just saw that the image of the article, and I'm like, no, they can't be doing this. Yeah, that's fake news, but it's funny. Yeah, Anime Maru. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Major That's te- hilarious. <laughs> Ma- oh, this ought to tell you is fake. Major technology conglomerate Phillips announced uh-huh. they will be re-entering the video game space with the launch of their own retro game console. Do they still exist? Uh, I think they made TVs, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, like these these games that they have listed with the with the Phillips CD class or CDI Classic. Mm-hmm. Like this is kind of what the Philips CDI was known for. Like what what good games are for the Philips CDI? People only know the Nintendo ones because they're like a disgrace to Nintendo's generally high quality Mario and Zelda franchises. Yeah, you know, I mean I don't I mean wait did wait did plumbers wear, wait did plumbers wear ties was on the CDI? Um, I plumbers it, don't wear ties. Don't wear ties. I'm searching it now. I think it's. Uh, I think it's something else, but I could be wrong. Uh, 3DO, yeah. Okay. That's CDI. No. Oh man, I can't wait to make a 3DO classic so I can so I can play the emulated version of Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. <laughs> Game of the year. Yeah, that might be even more obscure than CDI. I don't know. <laughs> All Did right. you see the recent AVGN videos? He put out two of them. There's a Tomb Raider and then uh, another one. Which was like some really terrible Xbox game. Oh um, no! I he saw I put I saw the trailer he put out, but I didn't. I, did all the reviews already out? It, yeah, they're on Amazon, but they'll be on YouTube soon. Okay, well I can be able to watch those on Amazon. I might be able to watch those in the morning. Let me check. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, they're, me... they're very funny. But uh, yeah, I guess we're we're pretty much done here. Yeah, we're done. We're at two hours and three minutes. We got to stop this. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening. Do you believe it? Alright, hitting that song off. Twelve years ago, a nine-tailed fox suddenly appeared. If you believe it. Naruto! Naruto! Believe it! Believe it! Yeah, I am of my ninja clan. Ninja clan, here we stand. Naruto! I'm on my wing, Naruto, I'll be your king, getting ready to fight on sight, got my best friends by my side, Sasuke, he's really cool, Sakura, the beautiful, Kuwaka, Naruto.